to the salt of the streets coming at you every week with this food for thought hope you're ready to eat with everything going on in this nation we need some information and that's why salt need to be stationed in your rotation with real talk and real topics real people real problems think we need some help to solve them and leave it up to colin and the donovan because right, that's what, what's that uh-oh let's get ready and just like a red, white, and blue phoenix rising from the ashes of political bipartisanship, we are back to Salt of the Streets podcast. This is Friday, December 3rd, 5.24 p.m., episode 119. And welcome back, everybody, to the Salt of the Streets podcast, your one and only source for all the social and political news. Oh, my God. Social and political commentary on all the weekly news, pop culture, sports that you can handle. The best part about the whole deal. When I don't forget, it's, it's it's all built from the ground up for people like you and me, the everyday normal person. So come down and join us as we discuss life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and continue our endless endeavor to bridge the gap between people and information. As always, we are your hosts. I'm Colin. I am Donovan. And joining us today and verifying we don't have any audio problems, uh, Larry Dixon, <laughs> the man, the legend himself. Glad to be back. Thanks for having me back. Oh, boys. hell yeah, buddy. Any, you are always welcome here. Always. You should know that by now. We've had him on, I think, three times in the last three months. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. obviously like you. Yeah, last uh, last episode uh, when uh, right Nils Beatrix. was here, I was like, oh, shit, mm-hmm. Nils, this is your third appearance on the show. I was like, you might be at the top. I was like, oh, wait, Larry's probably got that spot, man. Yes, 100%. Because, yeah, he down. was three times. It's so funny because anytime. I kind I'm of talking to somebody the about again. the podcast like and they ask me about it. They're like, how did you like, how, how did you and Larry like uh-huh. get hooked up? Like how did that happen? Like it was totally random. Um, and now we're just really good friends. Like it's, so it's like such a weird, just cause it's a local thing, you know? So vibe so hard. Yeah. yeah. And they're, because they're hard always vibe. like, isn't he like, he was too old, like for you to go to school together. Right. Like, yeah, but it doesn't matter. We're adults <laughs> now and in high school yeah. doesn't matter. So don't worry about it. Uh, Once everyone can get drunk together, like it pretty much all buffs out. That's yeah. all that matters. And thank God we live in the future. It's like, I've never seen you in person. And I count you yes. as one of my close friends, Larry. I mean, <laughs> we, literally we talk text all the time. Every single day. Every exactly. Single day. <laughs> it's pretty fantastic. I love living in the future. Sometimes. Sometimes it gets Sometimes, really dark. Yeah. Well, they try not to ruin God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> they're trying real hard, bro. Every day I feel like, oh my God. So anyways, we should probably finish out the intro. And this is, and I'm so glad I flubbed the opening line, because how else could we like do justice to the show if I don't have an opening line flub? On the last Salt of Streets episodes of 2021. Yes. I'm going to be around a lot more throughout the rest of the month, um, and we are going to be featured in some I'll be more here. content, because um, we're going to be doing, uh, the, the, we got all sorts of shooting videos and stuff. And we're shooting last, last weekend. weekend. Yep. It was it yeah. was amazing. So you're gonna see us there. I got the the holiday beer time review show going on every day until the 24th, and then I'm gonna take a fucking week off because screw you people. Because Christmas. Because I want to drink beer in private sometimes. Because it's my birthday. <laughs> That's right. I did. I'm oh. Are you a Christmas baby? Christmas Eve. Oh, dog. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to get him two what presents this year. What a terrible day for your parents. <laughs> it's horrible. That's huge. Well, for your parents when they had you, uh, Christmas might be my favorite holiday, so like celebrating you is going to be fine. Yeah, yeah it's going it's <laughs> to be a good time. It's going to be fantastic, but we might have to figure out a way to even distantly do some uh, some shared beer time on your birthday. Deal. Yeah, it'll be fucking dope, because you'll Deal. be, I would assume, if the track record holds, 
because it's it's different now, you know, with your family life right. and all that now. But you know, usually you just get hella blazed on your birthday. Yeah. Do so. you know? Well, last year I didn't because last year was Dax was yep. a baby. Um, but the it. year before Dax was more. Do you know what Rick Simpson oil is, Larry? No. Rick Simpson oil is a cannabis concentrate, and it's made for you to be able to consume it. Um, you put it in these little pill capsules. Yeah, yeah. And so it comes in yeah. a it comes in a syringe, and it's just like a little. It's kind of it's like dabbing, but it's you're meant to eat it. Um, yeah. And so I took one of those. It comes in a ten milligram uh, syringe, and usually you could break it in like ten capsules. You'll still feel pretty good, you know. And so I split it up into four capsules, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm God. gonna I'm gonna take all of these in one day. And it's going on the hero's uh, journey. I got to three quarters of a gram, and I was like. Like if someone was gonna die from weed, this is how they would feel. It's how I feel right now. <laughs> and so, oh, okay. I, so I never took the fourth one. I was I went to the Cloverleaf. I was trying to go to a bar on my birthday, watch some football, yeah. um, have some beers. And so I took three quarters of this Grim Rick Simpson oil throughout the day. Sent to the bar, watching Hoxie. It was just me and my brother in law. I knew that I took it. And it took me an hour to convince myself to get up and take a piss because I was so paranoid of, like, just being in the bar. And then when I finally got up to go to the bathroom, I was standing there taking a piss, and my heart is just slamming. And that's when I was like, this is how you would feel if you are going to die. Like, like exactly how I feel right now. That's the point where I You did that on your birthday? Yes. Yes. Um, I'm shocked there was even a bar open. I'm glad you could be around people. That's the Cloverleaf. The Cloverleaf, baby. OG Bremerton. Yes. I've never been there. I've never been there. What the fuck? That's like like, the spot. You you don't even have to be 21 to go there. That's just like the spot. That's like the community spot. What are you talking about? Well, before you guys, I really only talked to one person like consistently from home. Like I left that place for a reason. Yeah, yeah, like I, I'm the worst, and you guys see me. Like I literally drop off the face of the earth, and then I come in with 16 text messages. You'll answer them all, and I just won't respond. Well, <laughs> when you come to town, we're going to the Cloverleaf, and we're going to get some pizza because that's that's the thing pizza. is Cloverleaf pizza. That's oh. the spot. Yeah, they've got like that's the spot. They've yeah. got like 25 different beer handles. So they got a bunch of different taps. I know you don't drink beer, but I drink beer. They got so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the pizza. Sure the pizza is the. Is the spot so? And if there if there are people there, then they will stay open. And the like usually the Hawks will play on Christmas Eve, and so oh yeah, that's like a thing, isn't it? Yes, usually, oh, yeah. usually, not always, but usually. And if the Hawks are playing, then then the Cloverleaf is definitely going to be full. Oh yeah. And so I've been there for a couple of different Hawks games on my birthday, and been there for a few hours, and then Jordan's family gets together in the evening. So I went to Jordan's family's house after that, oh. um, and Jordan was like all pregnant and stuff, and I was fucking. <laughs> fucked up oh i was fucked up it was bad yeah Dude, last time i took rick simpson oil larry it was on my birthday what two years ago because we were still yeah 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 then, right and i even broke up into like 12 or 15 capsules there was like, 10. It was 10 oh there was, was 10 years. okay but uh I, okay. Yeah, I took one like right before the show and then i was you know just kind of feeling real mellow and shit at yeah you know by the time the show was over little did i know it just was taking some time and so i popped another one by the end of the night, I was like, I was talking to other beings. Yeah. By the end of the night, I was high for three days. It's awesome. It was rough. I, it's what, one thing, you know. What is it called? Rick Simpson oil. It yeah. is named. Rick Simpson oil. Okay. It is named after a Nova Scotian farmer named Rick Simpson. Um, and Nova Scotia. He was a hemp farmer and he got cancer. And he had heard about people using cannabis to 
deal with cancer. And so he started growing cannabis instead of just hemp. And he made this concentrate that looks just like black tar. Yeah, it's it looks like heroin, um, yeah. but it's it's a cannabis concentrate. And he ate it, and it actually has been shown in some studies to kill cancer cells. Um, it speeds up the process of cell death. But it preserves healthy cells. And so it will actually, in some instances, attack cancer cells and speed up the, the death process to get those cancer cells out of your body. Hey, hey, hey. Smoke weed every that's day. A, oh God. That's a thing. Damn. Oh, so you're really doing it for longevity. I really did it for my health. You're yeah. working on yeah, the telomeres, you know? Being high is just a, just a side effect. Just a thing that happens. Can't do anything about it. <laughs> it's just part of the game. So I accept it as it is. Oh my god, that's great. Yeah, so we'll see what happens this year. Um, I don't really know. I usually get together for breakfast, you know, with, with family and stuff like that, and then I'll go to the bar in the middle of the day during Dax's nap. You know, he's down, so Jordan will go home. I'll meet up with my friends or something like that at the bar, and then go and do family stuff again in the evening. Yeah, depending on what's up, we might have to swing by. It's hit up the bar. Because uh, we're heading down to the Haba. Get there you Haba. go. Go hang out with uh, my brother's um, future in-laws. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have we, a yeah, brother? I do have a brother. He's been on the podcast that, before. Yeah. What episode? A long time ago. Long hey, time Chad. ago. He's a wild Chad, man. Chad, are you younger or are you older? I'm older. Okay, good. Yeah, he's I just my like little to bitch. see you. I mean, my little brother. How old is Chad? He's thir- the same age as my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got in trouble the other day because I that accidentally said she was 34. And she got said, Colin! <laughs> she chased me and slapped me. Yeah, that's, that's never going to go over. That's I don't awesome. know what, it's weird. 30, 30 is just a weird age, I guess. We're gonna, I can't wait. I've been, like, dying to be 40 since I was, like, 18. So, I just, like, <laughs> in my head, I'm going to, I was like, I'm going to hit my stride at 40. So, like, I've been dying to get old. Every time we get older, I'm just like, I'm seasoned. I understand more. I see more. Like, it's crazy. Like, I know that I'm getting old when, like, the weekend goes away. And you can't trade. You can't do any stocks on the weekend. So, like, I get, like, bored and I get giddy just looking at stocks. I look at everything. I was like, man, I just want to get back in the game and just get back after it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So, I'm getting old. So, we were talking for the show. Actually, let's take this shot real quick. And when we do that, we'll hit the socials uh, just as a little reminder. And I should say. Yep, there we go. This, uh, this, uh, it's J.P. Trodden. It's a local bourbon. From I think Linwood. Let me, see, let me see that man on the back of there. Is that JP Trodden? That's JP. Yeah, that's Grandpa Trodden. Okay. JP to his friends. Uh, he uh, traversed the Okanagan between U.S. and Canada, delivering mail along the Star Route. JP politely evaded the prohibitionists and his mail bag of letters and spirits. So he was delivering mail alcohol and alcohol. Okay. I'm here for it. Yeah, it's uh, Woodenville, and here every about every year, uh, Jake and Morgan buy me one for my birthday, Excellent. and it is some of the best bourbon I've ever had. It's age six years. It's fucking. You're about to find out how fantastic it is. Fuck yeah. We referenced earlier the beer reviews that Colin has been doing of the beer calendar. You guys can find that on our socials on the YouTube. Obviously, where you're watching us now, it's Salt of the Streets. The Instagram, Salt of the Streets. Or Facebook, fuck Facebook, it's Salt of the Streets. Patreon.com slash Salt of the Streets. Go there and get signed up. We dropped our, dropped our second edition of the Salty Newsletter last week Boom. for third-tier subscribers. Go there, subscribe there, and get those articles from Colin and I. Handwritten, hand-prepared, delivered to you beautifully, intact. Discord, Salt of the Streets. We have... Uh, 
everything there, saltofthestreets.com. Yep. Personal social media, I'm at salt of the street on Twitter and at alpaca underscore Donovan what on Instagram. I? Colin is at Big Bird Offy on both those things. Larry said, uh, Larry the tax man in some variation of these things. Atlas A&T oh, is really the important uh, name here is Atlas A&T. If you want to try and get your taxes done, if he likes you enough, if you're special enough, he may take your money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, obviously, we have Let's also see. leggings and aprons on Instagram for the cakes. We have Lexi Kayo on Twitch. Swell blended if you need a haircut over the next couple of weeks. Location skate shop in Burlington for skateboard. And cheers to that, buddy. Thank you very much. Cheers, cheers Larry. Cheers to you, Larry. Cheers, cheers to the last episode of the year. Yep. Love it. Wow. <laughs> wow that's so good. So it feels, when you shoot it, you're like, oh, this is going to be rough. Nope. Very smooth. Very smooth. That's the that's the beauty. It's I so like that a lot. Good. I'm a big fan. Thank Ooh. you, Grandpa Trodden. I felt that I one going all the way it. down. That was nice. It was good. Yeah, it's, felt it it's nice and warm. And then splash along my Yes. Uh, it's seriously the mouthfeel of it is hot. Like, it's yeah. going to be intense. Spicy. But it's so chill. Yep. I'm a big fan. That much. No, I'm a big fan of that. It's good shit. Um, so let's uh, let's do this. Had a lot of big wins this week, Larry. A lot of big wins today. Actually, yeah. big wins yeah. today. Oh yeah, um, lay it all out. He's gonna love this. Oh yeah, made some movements on the truck. Refinanced my truck. Right. So finally got all that okay. figured out because I'm officially I'm gonna brag a little bit. Officially back in the 700 club on my credit. Right. Good. Official. Good, Took good, me a good, long time good. to get back there. Bucked up I right when it. I bought the truck. I had something hit collections. It was a whole deal. We talked about the cash. Yeah. So yeah. It was, it was a like whole deal. Years ago, I was like, "What yeah. the fuck?" Battled, battled back yeah. to the 700 club. So when I called, cool. refinanced my truck today. My credit score was even higher than I thought it was, which is nice. Oh yeah, moved yes. up my limits and stuff. Give me better ratios. So going to move my credit score up a little bit more. Very yeah. excited. Very good. So I'm saving for a house. We're making big moves here. Good. We're looking good. good. So good. next year, yes. it's going to be the year of the house, the year Woo-hoo. of the baby. We're moving up. Strong year. Yeah. Where's the house going to be at? Tough business. The market will dictate. Um, and that's like, you know, right? We've talked about Kitsap County. Living in Kitsap County, buying a house in Kitsap County is just about um, unattainable for any less than a half a million dollars, yep. which is, that's insane. That's retarded. That doesn't, I mean, you, I told Colin, I think maybe pre show, maybe before, the issue, one of the many issues I have with that is that I've lived here my entire life, so I know how much those houses are worth. I know yeah. what that house is worth. I know yeah. that when it looks exactly the same today as it did five years ago, your plus 100K in value means shit. shit. It means absolutely nothing because your house has only degraded in value because you haven't done anything. Yep. It's only yeah. gotten worse over the last five years because you haven't done anything. But now you think that it's worth $100,000 more. I know that it's not because I can fucking see it. And I lived here when it was worth $100,000 less. So... I can't even hardly fathom paying somebody what they're asking for because I know that it's not worth that much money. Yeah, and you don't want to be the guy that buys a half a million dollar house, has a mortgage up the ass, and then two years later the market crashes, your house is now worth 300k again. That's what I'm saying, and then I'm underwater $150,000 because I bought a house at the wrong time. Fuck you. Yep. It's going to be tough. Listen, real estate stuff, I I spent a lot of time there, and you're talking about basically – the ultimate problem. I I'm a little bit more positive on the future outlook, right? And so whenever you buy a house, Would that be I bullish. Are you bullish on the on the housing front? Yeah, so bullish on everything. Friends, 
hundred yeah. percent. That's what I was gonna say. My friends call me stupid because they're like, like you just you think everything's gonna be just fine because I was I basically went through my thesis on stocks, crypto, everything, and everything. I'm just like in the long run, we'll be fine, right? Or we'll be terrible, which is one prep. And so what I'll say is, yes, it doesn't feel good to like have the house right now and like buying it right now with the thought of holding it. But in the twenty year prospect, it's gonna be worth even more. And at the very least it's gonna be worth a rental. So that, yeah. that, that's what I'm saying. And so so obviously there's a lot of factors to be thrown in. My wife does not want to live here um for a myriad of reasons one of them is business you know it's it would be easier for her to start her business in another state specifically a southern state where they want you (laughs) frankly where they want you to have a business they want you to succeed whereas in northern states they don't they want to take and extract as much money from you as possible and if you're doing it on your own in a private business in a private business venture then that's great and if you're doing it working for us or for another private company we don't give a shit as long as we're getting ours that's really what it is here whereas in the south they're like you can make money baking shit in your own house go for it we don't care if people are going to buy it then you can sell it and we don't give a fuck and obviously that lends better to someone who's trying to start a baking business out of their house so um because that as you know it adds things i have to buy on my house i have to buy a house that also i can add a baking station in the downstairs that can be separate from everything else so that jordan can start a business you know i have to be able to have at least a semblance of a podcast studio and part of it because i'm gonna have two children and i may not be able to drive (laughs) from wherever i live to hansville every other week just to record a podcast with two children you know so the list of things i'm gonna have to have is growing which obviously adds to the price which doesn't make me want to buy a house anymore um and it's hard when you see the prices here like i said half a million dollars for a three-bedroom two-bathroom house which is not crazy that's not unreasonable that's for a family of four that's a pretty reasonable ask you know like i (laughs) like that's not a crazy thing to expect i mean and when you look at the prices here compared to in the south and they're fucking like almost half of that for more land as well oh yeah like why george would i why would i want to stay here why would i stay here and it's because of because my job, you know, because yeah. it's beautiful here, and I have a weird. This is the most irrational thing about me, is I feel an emotional tie to this area that, to me, feels almost, almost ancient or ancestral. That I feel that it's important for me to stay here and defend the values that I believe in, and try and preserve the place that I love, and I almost feel like it's my responsibility to do what I can to convince the people of this area that freedom is the way that individuality is the way that personal prosperity is the way. But obviously as the things Mm -hmm. go further on deeper into COVID deeper into authoritarianism, it's harder for me to imagine that I could do that, but that the, whatever it is part of me gets hardened even more that's like well fuck you then i'm gonna try even harder to show you that to preserve the place we love we need to allow people to be individuals and we need to embrace that jordan wants to go to florida i don't i don't want to go to florida i'm not i'm not sold on florida i am un. i remain unsold on florida it is the armpit of the United States. It is hot and gross. Did you I don't want to be uncomfortable. That uh, old DeSantis down there in Florida is... is in daily uh, life, I mean. ...looking at activating, essentially reestablishing the state guard compared to the yes. national guard, which means like a legit 
like on the books, on paper, legit state militia, because that's what that would be. Yep. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm a huge yep. fan of that, but still, kind of fuck Florida though, because it's Florida. I that's what I'm saying. I like I don't mind. I'm not trying to be a bitch because I don't mind being uncomfortable. I don't want to be uncomfortable on a daily basis. Being hot makes me angry. It makes me being hot oh, makes me God. very angry. It's probably good. It makes for me content, grumpy. Though, I don't so. like it. You get you know? used to it. You get used to it. I'm telling you, it's perfect. So Secondly, don't go to Florida. Florida's Florida is basically like California. California eats basically. It's like Texas. You know, it's too late. I feel like like I feel like it's too late to go to Florida. So it's not too late. It just depends where you go. Like I, I think it's too crowded for me personally. I think I'll we will stay in the Midwest. Like we'll stay in Oklahoma for a little bit. So like, that's I, that's I'll, what I'm I'll saying. Be here for like a year. Yeah, I, I would recommend go to the Middle West. Like, uh, Wyoming's really That's cool. what I said. That is what I said. Like, if you want to learn to be self-sufficient, let's go to fucking Wyoming. You're going to have to stay in the house for three weeks because it's going to be too snowy to go anywhere. I'm a if huge you want to be self-sufficient, concept. let's go to fucking Wyoming. That's yep. what I said. Jordan's like, I don't know. I don't want to be cold. I don't want to be uncomfortable, she says. I don't know who cold. says that. That's a crazy thing to say. I don't want to be uncomfortable. Being uncomfortable is the best thing. No, no, no. I never said that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she looks yeah. out. No, no she doesn't like to be cold, and I don't like to be hot. And I'm like, the thing about it is that it's easier to make yourself warm than it is to make yourself cool. Well, in a place like Wyoming, she's there's at least two snow. seasons. So you have hot. And you have cold. Yeah. So half the year she's happy and half the year you're happy. And I told her, I'm like, you also, Seems you, like just, even split. you just get good at snowmobiling. When you can't drive oh, yeah. your car, you just snowmobile into wherever oh, you got to yeah. go. You put a little fucking, a little sled on the back of it, take it into town, get all the shit that you need that you don't already have yourself, that you can't supply yourself, get back home. No problem. I'm, I'm all about, oh, I'm yeah. all about Wyoming. I'm all about it. Montana, what? Wyoming, either of those places I would go to. Oh, fuck yeah. I'm a huge fan of Wyoming, especially the uh, the hunting laws in Wyoming, and the hunting in Wyoming is legit. What I'm going to go hunt some antelope. You want to go get an antelope? The American pronghorn? Do it in Wyoming. And then I don't have to spend like $900 for a tag. Out just to clear it up, you're going to go somewhere that's not warm. You're just going to stay away from the heat. I prefer the cold. I would rather be cold than hot. I can always put more clothes Your on. Monster. I can always I can take always off so put clothes. more clothes on. Yes, that's so the way it is. Bro. I I, I want to I want to know if more people die from heat exhaustion or from hypothermia. Ooh, we live in the 21st century yeah. in America. <laughs> We're very blessed. It's tough to find. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna happen the way you think it's gonna happen. Jordan, I'll buy you an electric coat. How about that? It's an electrically heated coat. We can. It will have. We'll have solar panels that'll charge it for you. It'll be legit. You'll be nice and toasty, and the snow will I, be pretty. I think we just meet in the middle here, it, and this is what I've been telling my wife. Ooh. I think we Alaska. just stay in Oklahoma. So. Never Alaska. I will never go to Alaska. Uh, first off, it's I, I recently found out, and apparently when I started telling people this, I get made fun of a lot. I recently found out it's dark there for six months. I it depends on yeah. how high up you go, but yeah. So that's that's just an absolute no. Do you know how sad I would be in the dark? It makes people sad. It's real sad. It makes people sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Real I got sad. in Washington. Try going to we, Nome, bro. Look, you ever seen that movie, uh, 30 Days of Dark, or 30 Days of Night? Yeah. I think is what it's called. Yeah, the yeah. Graphic- with yeah. the vampires. It's fucking great. But yeah, there's legit areas up there. Like, Nome is all the way fucking up there. Borough, Alaska, I think, is the most furthest north you can go, where it's legit pitch black for three months out of the year. 
that's yeah, I, I, I couldn't do it. I, I would be so broken. Um, the sun being darker. out too for the six, like for those three months where all where it does not get dark right. also fucks. With right, me. right. Robin Williams movie yeah. about that shit. Insomnia, Insomniac, right. one of those. It's one of his like you, you, dramatic. Yeah, roles. Insomniac. You should be up forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could do it. I think the, the move is to move somewhere where the cost of living super low, and yes. then instead of like being like so geared towards being in one place just take many vacations because i think for example like if you go a five hundred thousand dollar house you're gonna have a, a mortgage of like twenty six twenty seven hundred dollars a month right which yeah. is insane your mortgage is insane. like eight hundred dollars yeah we have a seventeen hundred square foot home three four bedrooms two two baths uh two car garage shut your fucking mouth soft flex <laughs> It's not a soft flex. This is what I'm saying. It's oh cheap. And so Move to Oklahoma, the... soft flex. <laughs> you take that money, though, and then you just roll it over. And then, like, you could just take more vacations. Like, I'm reading 4-Hour Workweek, and the real thing I'm taking away is that, like... Oh, 4-Hour Workweek. Key... Yeah, just complete control over your time and money. Yep. And I think that's where we all want to get to. And I yeah. think once you have that, it's just, like, if it's shorter cost of living, you could go spend three weeks in... Florida, then you can let your wife, you know, push that out of your system. You yeah. Can take some William Simpson pills. William Simpson, important. baby. Rick Simpson. Rick Simpson. Listen, I'm working on it. You can take some Rick Simpson pills. You have your best three weeks ever. And then you'll be in Florida. Then you get the best of both worlds. Yeah. And that's, you know, I also, my skills, as weird as the job I have is, translate rather well to southern states where there's like a shitload of manufacturing and stuff. That's. That's what my experience is. is I don't want to live in the know. parka for the rest it's, of my life. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, so that's Jordan said something last time we were talking about it about like, oh, like I might get a job uh, if we move somewhere because, you know, my skills of whatever, like uh, working in restaurants and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, which is not necessarily untrue, is it? But while my job is very specific of the medical manufacturing, I've also worked with design. I've worked in in manufacturing this entire time. I've worked with different materials. I work with different tolerance uh, percentages. I've worked with all these different things as far as materials go. So I have yeah. no problem stepping right into a job in another type of material manufacturer, some type of fab fabric manufacturer, and doing exactly what I'm doing now in a different setting. You know, mm -hmm. There's nothing to say that I can't so, but here's yeah. the real question, right? Because if you move to a place like Oklahoma, just as an example, right? Yes. Um, here we go. Now we're the, getting there. If the cost of living is much lower than it is here, right? What's my pay going to be when I go? Exactly. Yes. The the salaries being made at that point, the income being made is generally not. If you, it's definitely I, not going to be should, what I make right now. But I should caveat it to say, like, if you participate in the local economy, nowadays because of the internet you don't necessarily have to you could live wherever the fuck you want as long as you're making your living online so that way you don't have to go work like the minimum wage in various states varies so wildly right. that's always a good idea of you know that's one of the arguments against minimum wage yep. in general right it's like you raise it to $15 in Oklahoma nobody can afford to pay that you raise it to that in Seattle they just do it because they want to right. because they have all that fuck yep. you money anyways and then everything costs more yeah now, I wanted to ask you about this real quick, Larry. You brought up the four-hour work week um, written by the great and powerful Tim Ferriss. Donovan, do you know who Tim Ferriss is? I've heard that name before. Okay. I've heard this book before. I've never read so, it. You heard the book? You need I, to read it. Yeah, you definitely got to read it. It's legit. It's super tiny. It's built for people that only have four hours to work. But <laughs> I, I want to ask you about Tim Ferriss because I have a – not about Tim Ferriss, but about that 
his overall message in the four-hour genre of things, especially yeah. the four-hour work week, because that's like his one, his his main joint. I generally, I walked away from that having some serious issues with that, because yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but part of building that four-hour work week for yourself involves a lot of outsourcing of your of your time wait why do something yourself when you can pay somebody a small amount of money that will do that job for you and then it's just a matter of checking in and you're good right (coughs) and unfortunately when you're particular in the kind of the the way he outlines the business model of say pushing product or whatever it is that you're going to do it involves outsourcing generally outside the country because we yep. don't have competitive wage markets in America. 100%. I I don't I don't like the concept of hooking yourself up so on at the expense of the the rest of the American economy if you will. If everybody was doing the Tim Ferriss 4-hour work week, we end up in the same boat with supply shortages and shit like that, if anything goes haywire at any time, because 100% of your product and your workflow is outsourced overseas, which is how you're able to make that time and make that money. Yep. I don't, I just, I like, I on black and white, on paper, it really makes sense. If you're looking at the bottom line, that's the way to do it, which is why we don't make anything in America anymore. We rely on all these other countries. But thankfully, there is a new economy that has grown up and is, is I mean, it's still in its infancy in on the internet. So I think there's a way around that where you can build an economy much more locally, but yet globally, because everybody's yeah. working on the internet at that point. I fairly soon I would project that most people's workforce, their labor participation, all that will mostly be online, anyways. Um, because you only need a few people to, to make things and soon enough we'll automate all those jobs anyways. But that's my main kind of point of contention when I was going through that book. And I was like, yeah, this is a great idea and I would love to do that. You just got to come up with an idea and a product and you got to market it and then you outsource all this stuff. And then you just sit back and you have passive income forever and then you're just chilling. But like morally, ethically, I, got, I had issues with the idea of outsourcing all that labor because I, I would rather pay Americans to do that. But that also means that I have to suffer on the back end uh, with a, a smaller bottom line. Where are you at in that realm of thinking? So w- where I've kind of got is combining what he's helped people build, which is basically what he's saying is I read it differently than you, right? You said outsource and make the thing cost less. I read it as I need to raise the level of value I'm providing to get to a higher ticket item thing, right? And so you see it in my industry where I go from just doing tax returns to being like an outsourced CFO of the company. Mm -hmm. And then I do go in with the, hey, I need to eliminate, but I've taken a more the company first form, Andy Frizzello approach, where I hire people who are going to help me grow to something bigger. And so I think Mm -hmm. people who want to make that ten to $20,000 a year, $40,000 a year, are going to get a ton of uh, they get a ton of value out of hiring people from overseas to do short-term things but you've talked to people overseas especially when you talk to phone companies yeah. what happens you get mad right you don't want to talk to people you want to talk to people you want to work with other people it's it's horrible and so as you try to 
expand your vision for what you're trying to build, you realize you can't go over overseas. You can't outsource it to the cheapest person because you're going to lose out, right? And you see it even more just in your job, like because you work in a very niche thing that even like we were joking the last time. Like I don't even understand it, but like imagine continuously outsourcing that to save money. You're going to pay for it on the back end, and yeah. so I hear you. I took from it like the the tool rather than like how he did it but you're right like i i I think it's gonna come with like the progression you're like hey we're in the future Mm -hmm. but i think we have to be prepared that like those low level base one two three tasks they're either gonna get automated by a machine or we're gonna outsource them right and so what we have to do is expand continue to expand our vision to then have jobs wages things for people who won't want to be at our certain level and so I like it because it's going to lead to bigger things, but you're like, we, it's never going to be perfect, especially in an economy. Yeah. Maybe I guess, maybe when I think about that, I think about physical, physical product where there has to be something made, packaged, sold, and marketed. Whereas something that, like in your general, you know, area of work and is more, I mean, it's less. I don't want to say tangible, but it's not as physical. You know, it's a lot service, of yeah, it's 100% yeah, service. Yeah, it's a it's a service industry versus like manufacturing a product. Yeah. So yeah, and that t- completely changes the calculus on that because yeah, you can you could sell an intellectual product or a service anywhere on the internet like yeah. that. And so I could see it definitely. Yeah, I must have been too because when I went through it, I was working at Benick at the time, so I was like manufacturing was like in my head. And that's where I was yeah. at. It's like, I'm going to make the mm-hmm. greatest thing. Don't know what it is yet, but I'm going to make it. And then then I'm going to have it made over in India. And my, all my customer service is going to come from overseas because it's way cheaper and it all works. And it's just you give them the checklist and everything happens. And then you just stand back and you watch your bank account grow. While you spend four hours a day, no more, just taking care of shit and everything's good. Yeah. But yeah, if once you once you depart from What's that up, physical material you know product way of thinking yeah. then the whole calculus totally changes yeah, in yeah which especially, case, that's great yeah and you kind of see it with your business like where you started when it was just you kind of grinding it's completely different when you're talking about you bring on people mm-hmm. and then you kind of see the customer service and i think again i know from like eight like i hate i hate all cell phone companies like yeah. as soon as i find a cell phone company that treats me right I'm switching instantaneously because I I love I love AT and T, but I'm kind of just stuck because they have monopoly. But like, it's terrible. Something simple, right? They pass you from machine to robot to my India first to my first job was at the call center in Bremerton, um, and it was at the time it was owned by a company called Concentrics that was um, a a contractor for Sprint. So we did Sprint yeah. customer service, um, and I worked there for a year and eight days, and it was by far the worst job i had that was my very first job so that was in 2013 and i still remember exactly how long i worked there because it was the worst fucking job i've ever had i've always wanted to be like a i've always wanted to be a long-haul trucker and i'm starting to get the feeling that if i don't do it now i'm never going to get the chance because that entire industry is going to be be too late it's going to be gone yeah so that's that's only to say your point is correct that every yeah. cell phone company is terrible because yeah. after i worked there i vowed i'm never gonna have sprint because sprint is so fucking terrible so i have at&t at&t is horrible 
I've had the Don't same. Hold, I I've, have too. Yeah, I've had very similar issues with them that I had with with customers at Sprint. You yeah. know, them. I don't know what to tell you. Sorry, I can give you fifteen dollars. Well, my bill is fucking one hundred fifty dollars. So yeah. what the fuck does that do for me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I don't give a fuck about your fifteen dollars. I didn't even pay the taxes on my bill. So why the fuck do I want that? Well, I'm I'm thinking about uh, there's that Ryan Reynolds company, Mint Mobile. It's not worth it. To go to any other company is not going to be worth well, it. Well, see what I'm thinking of, I'm telling you. I want to get a burner phone, essentially. Okay. And I'm like... Wait, what's this company? Mint Mobile. It's Ryan Reynolds owns it's it. It's like Cricket. It's another one of these micro companies yeah. that uses the towers of another provider, yep. which gives you subpar service because you are not given the same priority on those towers. Well, yep. I would caveat it by saying... I can guarantee it. <laughs> T-Mobile used to be the exact same way. Now T-Mobile is one of the major players. They have T-Mobile. fought hard. I used to talk tons of shit on T-Mobile. So let right? me let me counter you. Okay. Right? okay. To counter your assertion, because I did work at the call center, there are two different forms of cell phone service. Right. Damn it. There are CDMA okay. towers and GSM towers. Right. What? Sprint. Yes. So Sprint and. AT&T, I think, both work off of CDMA towers. T-Mobile and Verizon both work off of GSM towers. The GSM towers are also what are used predominantly internationally. So part of T-Mobile's dominance as a company comes from their ability to be used more more prominently throughout the globe you can have an at&t or have a t-mobile phone and for a long time it was easier to use your your t-mobile phone overseas than it was to use your at&t phone overseas or your sprint phone overseas yeah it still is when i was in germany uh i had to insider knowledge insider knowledge no, hundred percent. Like when I was in Germany, we had to buy a whole new SIM card, yes. and all the T-Mobile people had like a plan to where they could yes. just transfer their T-Mobile like SIM like that day, and so yes. like, they could have it instantaneously. Yes, like yeah. all those other countries. I'm gonna say ninety percent of the other countries that have like broad cell phone service use GSM towers, and so all you have to do is yeah, they just they just flip a switch on their end, the 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 carrier end. To give you international access, and you are just you are then effectively internationally roaming for a lower yep. rate because you are able to just access their towers. So Already yeah, there. it's a it's a much easier deal. We used to charge people tens or hundreds of dollars for international roaming charges because you had to unlock your phone or do this or do this or do this or yeah, we had another cell phone that you could buy that would also work with the GSM towers, and it it was a whole deal. It was a fucking oh, racket. Yeah, it was okay. So. GSM stands for Global System for Mobile Communication. One of the biggest differences between these two systems is that GSM phones use SIM cards to link a particular phone with the network. That's what it was. CDMA phones don't require a SIM card because the phone itself is linked to the network. Yes, so that's what it was. And that's why, like, there's... And honestly, I'm not going to remember which one it is, but, like, for a while there, it's like, yeah, if you had this carrier, you had a SIM phone, you had a SIM card in your phone. Whereas if you had the other carrier, you were like, what the fuck's a SIM card? I just buy the phone and then I'm good. So I had it backwards. It's AT&T and T-Mobile and Sprint and Verizon. Okay. Um, So I had it backwards. But either way, that is part of what lends to T-Mobile's dominance in the market is their global accessibility. And also because they're on the same towers as AT&T, AT&T and T-Mobile also have the broadest amount of 5G access because they're working collectively to build Mm -hmm. that network. So how is it that a call center flunky 
out of you know can can gain this knowledge just being like a call center dude because people call it about this stuff because like people have problems with it yeah because people call and say they were going to go to another country i was like well if you want to use sprint service it's going to cost you nine hundred dollars or that's just a number i picked it cost you a shitload of money it it was not cheap you know because you had to because there's like no countries that do it so you were effectively internationally roaming the entire time yeah when i was fucking insane and it depends on the country that you're in what the rate is and so it depends on per text message uh per phone call or you can pay x amount of dollars for just this plan that will cover you while you're roaming um, internationally. I feel like I need to get a job at a call center for a month just to learn all this They shit. would have then <laughs> telling you. So there's also like, that's how I learned about like proration of bills and stuff like that because you have to explain that to the plebes that don't know. You know, you're 19, you're like listen here, 45 year old sir, I'm going to prorate right. the fuck out of your bill and you're going to be pissed, but it's going to be fine next month. So so that's like how, yeah, how I learned about proration and stuff like that. <laughs> he's, he's dying. Um did you get any kickback on that? So, like, I'm fascinated, right? Because you turn into a salesperson, and um, it's crazy to me still that, like, you're at the point where you could upsell somebody right there, right? Like, you're yes. going to help somebody spend all the time. Did you get any type of kickback commission, anything? Not for sales. For there was um, – this is, this is where part of my contention began with the company yeah. was that yeah. when it started, it was just customer service. We were customer care. Like, that's what we were doing. Yeah. And so you could get bonused out depending on your metrics, right? And that's how they grade you in the agency. That's how they rank you within the building of okay. based on i think it was seven or maybe nine different metrics that was like your handle time how long you were on the phone call how many calls you took per day um how many callbacks you had how many people return like uh how many escalations you had and how many people called in after they spoke to you and so that's called like a return call or something like that so you get graded on all of these things and they okay. put out this report every day and also every week and every month so you can see where you are in the rankings of the building and everything that happened, your scheduling, your holiday schedule, your everything was based on these rankings. So you could bonus out if your metrics were high enough. That means so, like you get a bonus. Yes. Okay. One time I got a bonus, but I got a bonus of $1,100 because I was top 50 in that center of 400 agents or something like that. So I did wow. bonus out one time. I qualified for bonuses over half of the months that I worked there, but there were all of these stipulations of handle time was a big, or, um, AC dub fucking, no, what was it? Um, Ox abuse. That's what it was. Cause you had to put a code in your phone, depending on what you're doing. If you're going to lo- go to go to lunch, you have to put a code in your phone for lunch. If you're going to go on your break, you have to put a code in your phone for break. If you're going to go back on phones, you got to put another code in your phone. So you are, one of your metrics was ox abuse. If you were in the wrong code. Mm-hmm. So if you got to take a shit, in the middle of your scheduled work time, you have to go on break because that's the only thing there, but you're not authorized for a break. So you're in the wrong code. You're a, you're in ox abuse. So those minutes you are got penalized for going to the bathroom at if the you, wrong time. And you're not, if Amazon it's level. not in your designated break time, yes. And so that's one of your metrics is your ox abuse. So they count up those minutes okay. and ratio that to how many minutes you should have been working that week. And that's what your percentage of ox abuse was. Wow. Is how much time you're in the wrong code. So I have IBS. It took me three years to find out I had ABS, and it started at this call center. It took me six months by the call to get a doctor's note that said that they would accept that said that I needed extra time in the bathroom. And even then, it still kind of counted to my, towards my ox abuse because it was just additional break time that they gave me. So 
I didn't bonus out most of those months because I had because I had IBS and my ox abuse was high enough that I was not eligible for bonuses that I was entitled to. So once it progressed, then they start saying, well, at the end of every call, uh, we need you to ask if the person is satisfied with your service. Well, this person just screamed at me and told me they hope that I die. They're, I'm not going to ask them if they were satisfied with my service because they obviously were not. So then, then you, you got to go through that whole trauma again. And if they said no, then you had to ask them why. And if they didn't want to deal with you, then you had to escalate it, which again, you get dinged for. You get dinged for escalating to a higher agent. So if you ask the question and you get a no, then you're going to get a ding for it. So why the fuck would I ask you in the first place? So that started happening. And then they introduced a new plan that they trained us for like 30 minutes on and then released it the next day and expected us to sell it, actively sell it to people to try and convert them. And I'm sitting there like I didn't, this is not a sales job. I did not start this job to sell items. That's not why I got this job here. This is a customer service job. This is not sales. So am I going to receive any type of compensation for how many, however many family plans I switch people over to? No. Then why am I doing this? Why am I trying to incentivize people to switch to a plan that may or may not benefit them if I'm not going to receive any kickback for it at all? Uh -huh. Because this is what the company is doing. They were trying to downsize different departments, so they were combining different departments into customer service and also actively taking abilities away from us. Yeah. So like we couldn't swap people's phones anymore. If you've got a new phone, you have to do it yourself online. And if you call me to do it, which I could do a week ago when you got your daughter a new phone, I can't do it now. And I have to press you to do it online self-service. But if you give me enough shit, then I can do it myself or I can escalate the call to my manager who they can do it. And that's how this started to be towards the end of working there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah. I can't anymore because this doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to do these things. And I'm not getting bonuses because I'm missing one metric when I'm in green for all the rest of them and in the top 50 agents at age 19. So I got so many things running through my head right now. But uh, the exactly. first, the top two. It was um, a crazy place. I got to give this one to Larry, the, the godfather of this. I mean, you were a cog doing cog shit, and you decided you didn't want to do it anymore. Those people are just cogs in a machine. I took a job for 25 cents more an hour to get the fuck out of that building. Yeah. Now, the other thing, I'm going to take a hard right turn on this one. Let's hear or, it. A left turn. You remember, oh, oh, man, it must have been about two or three years ago. Um, It must have been about two years ago. When the 1619 Project was first coming out, right? Yes. The collection of essays. Yes. One of the essays that I had read, I remember very well. Uh, and it was talking Excuse about me. essentially the the analytics and statistics that that were developed during, you know, the, the slave period. Right. And it was like it's the same type of ultra minute statistical shit yeah. that you know, let them calculate how much this person was worth based yes. off of, you know, how many minutes does this, how many loads of this, how many blah, 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 blah. It's the same. And then they tie that whole thing back to white supremacy. And that's why America's white supremacy. But the concept was really about like this dehumanization of labor. Yes. And that's, yeah, you, you go work at a call center like that. You are literally just a cog in a machine. You are a number, you're a robot to them that is meant to do a specific task and every millisecond you take not fulfilling that task, you get dinged for in some fashion. 
Right. And That's, the And it's so disgusting. And the darkest so dehumanizing. part of that is that it incentivizes you to be cold and quick on the phone. It yeah. incentivizes you yeah. to be a bad person on the phone, a bad customer service agent, because if you take time and you're gentle with people and you explain everything to them, then your handle time is going to be high. The amount of time you spend on a phone call is going to be high. But if yep. you are quick and you get the job done, then it'll be low. And that's one of the things they weigh you the highest on. So so by the way, William Wallace is hooking you up. He uh we we were talking about like what kills more people, yes. cold or hot. He sent me an article from um wunderground.com. It's a long article and there's nothing like popping out at me so I'll have to read it. So yeah. I'm going to send it to you and Excellent. we can we could come Excellent. to a conclusion because um, Noah's doing research on this shit. There's Oklahoma's charts amazing. and graphs. <laughs> And yeah. so Oklahoma. the people that would take their time and explain things to people would, like, would get a, a higher handle time and yeah. would you would get dinged for it. If you Be spend too human. long on a call, your manager is, is hitting you up in the Slack channel telling you you need to hurry up. You know, like they're, they're instant messaging you telling you you need to be quicker. When you're trying to understand what someone's problem is and trying to help them do your job, but you're going to get penalized for that. Your supervisor is going to get penalized for it. Their supervisor is going to get penalized for it. And if it's long enough, then you're going to get brought into the manager's office to listen to your phone call and talk about the different ways that you could have sped it up. Oh, so that's what they mean by like this call could be maybe recorded yes. for training purposes. Yes. And it's so that exactly. we can take the guy that you're going to exactly. call and then grill him afterwards for it, not being a machine. They used to tell us oh, so in whatever the group it was like an email server almost uh, almost like a blog because they would they could post things in there um and they would tell us like sprint is listening and they would tell you from this time to this time sprint people will be listening not just the contractors not concentric people but sprint people so you need to be doing your absolute best and so they would pull you especially during those times if you didn't do the right things you know and like shit in front of the the client and like i said these metrics control everything and so if you are a middle-aged mom who is working there to try and make ends meet or help out with the other side of the mortgage, right? Or do whatever the fuck you're doing. You're trying to make money. You are going to obviously be nicer to people because you're a fucking mom on the whole, right? In generalities, you're going to be nice to people. You're going to want to help you more. You're going to want to take more time with people. So those people would also get shittier pulls for shift bids on holidays. So it is going to be Christmas and we're open because we're open 365 days a year, but you are a middling agent. So you have a middle pick for schedule. So if you were a top agent, you got whatever shift you wanted that day. And that's how it was ranked out. So I used to pick an early shift, an early, early, early shift, and then try and give it to somebody who I knew had a family because they probably weren't going to get it. I would ask people, what is, what did, what shift did you get for Thanksgiving? Oh, I'm working fucking, you know, uh, 12 to eight that day. Mm-hmm. I got four to 12. Take this one. I'll take that one. You have a family. I have motherfuckers at home. You know, it's no big deal. I was doing it all the time because it was even at 19. I knew that the way this was being decided was not correct. This was this is not right. That people who have one child, two child, three, four children are being forced to work because they're trying to take more time and do their best job. But to them, the best is not. I used to, except when I first started there, I was like on drugs and shit. So I was like hammered out, getting really good. And then I had figured it out. And so I would get on the phone and tell people, 
Because another thing was uh, dead air. You got ranked on dead air, right? Was another metric of how much silent time there was on the phone. Every 10 seconds, you need to be checking back in with somebody. You can only have someone on hold for 30 seconds. And you need to come back on the phone and say, I'm just going to put you back on hold real quick just to let you know I'm still working on your problem. Every 30 seconds, we were expected to take someone off hold and then put them back on hold. For why? Why? For me to stop and tell you I'm still... That we were that would expected. I would literally scream. I would yep. just be like, fix the problem. Like, yep. And so I used to tell people, I would get on the phone, ask them what their problem was. And so I'm going to be quiet for a couple of minutes. I'm not hanging up. I'm just letting you know I'm being quiet so I can just get your problem done and handled with. So I used to get called out all the time. You got a lot of dead air. You have three minutes of dead air here. Yeah, but the call was four and a half minutes long because as soon as I was done, I told him this and this and this. Do you have anything else that you need? No, that was fantastic. Thank you. Okay, have a good day. Done. So what yep. the fuck is the problem? Why does it matter if they don't want to talk to me? They're not calling to ask me about my day. They don't want me to ask me about their day. They are not calling to have a conversation. They yep. want this specific thing fixed, and yes. they want to get the fuck on with their day. Why do I need to chat with them? Yeah. Why? Turn the table they don't the want restaurant. that. So I used to continuously would be brought into the yeah. manager's office. Why did you have so much dead air? I think that it's obvious why I had so much dead air here. Because the call was actually four minutes long. Why the fuck do I need to talk to them the whole time? You can hear them. They don't want that. Yeah. They said, oh, thank you very much. That sounds great. As soon as I said what I'm going to do, I said, thank you. That sounds great. Why the fuck would I continue to talk to them? But I would the get, analytics don't look as good. But I would get dinged on it because yep. Sprint was listening. And Sprint doesn't want you to have dead air on your call. You need to be talking every 10 seconds. Even Missing if you're just saying, trees, man. even if you're just saying, no problem. I'm just still working on your problem. Yeah. That's not, just to update you. I'm still working. No shit. Obviously. Yeah, what the fuck else am I doing? Imagine that and something else like the plumber's coming over to your house and they're underneath your sink and then every minute they get up like, hey, I just want to let you know I'm still working yeah. on this. Shut up. Get the job done. Exactly. Yes. Thank you. Just do, do the thing that you can So that's do. how it was all the time. So people who were not naturally charismatic or did not like to talk to people, you know, I don't love yeah. to talk to people, I'm, but I'm charismatic. I don't have an issue with it. It's very easy to me. It yeah. comes very simply to me. I don't have any problem shutting you down if you're being an asshole. I had no problem with any of that stuff. But again, if you're a middle-aged mother, you know, you're, yeah. that's not, and that's not your personality. If you're anybody and that's not your personality, you're not going to succeed at that job like I did. Yeah. That shouldn't dictate whether or not you get time with your family on fucking Christmas. You know, yeah, there was a lot about that very corporate structure that seemed so morally wrong. Just yeah. not even like, yeah. this is weird, morally wrong that you are subjecting people to not spend time with their family because they don't meet the arbitrary metrics that don't actually decide whether or not they're a good employee here. It's so fucking weird that that's how people can run businesses, you know? In some in some instances, it's very effective. In some instances, it's not. And customer service yeah. on cell phones is not one of those areas where it's very effective. It's actually the worst. I, yeah, again, I can't believe we, we went down this whole... I can't, I can't describe to you how much I hate it. Like, I, I've... And that's why. It's screaming, yeah. Uh, everywhere you describe it makes perfect sense. And it's so ass-backwards that it's crazy. And I, ha I see companies now, like like paying their customer service people so much to provide a white glove service. And it's so important. Like I can't tell you how much, especially me, like uh, if you're nice to me, I'll just spend more money just to, to yeah. reinforce what I think is a great habit. So like, yes. every time I'm there and they have such a monopoly, they don't give a shit. Yeah. It's and when customer service, when the service part of customer service gets removed yes. and you're just, you're supposed to be a machine solving a problem. We've... And this reminds me of this amazing meme. I found today that somebody shared on Twitter. I'm going to see if you could see it, Larry. Maybe. Uh, uh, not really. No, I can't see it very okay, well. So what it is, it's called the, the uh, Trinity of Wholesomeness. And it's a picture of Bob Ross, huge. Mr. Rogers, and Steve I'll Irwin. It. And it says, 
Bob Ross is be kind to yourself. Mr. Rogers is be kind to other people. And Steve Irwin is be kind to animals. The call center sounds like the complete polar opposite of that kind of wholesomeness, which is ironic because the entire concept of customer service is that your customer leaves satisfied. Right. It's not that they got the problem fixed. It's how the problem was fixed. Did they feel like they were a person? Did they feel like they were spoken to? And that's the problem I, I run into with those big corporate structures and shit like that when it's all about the numbers. It's all about the statistics and the minute little tiny details that tells corporate that this is this is how good we did versus right. this is how many like how many calls did you push through if you're if you got three minutes of dead air and you solve and you know and you, you fix the problem on the call in four four and a half minutes. Whereas if you were stopping every thirty seconds, that call now takes you ten minutes to do. Yeah. You're gonna get less calls. But that's not the metrics they're interested. They're focusing on the wrong statistics right. that is impactful yeah, to their business. Because I was I was regularly crushing sixty five calls in a day. Like that was for me that was very normal. Sixty five calls so in a day, many. and that's because I was racking. I was eight, you know hour, days. eight hour days. Yeah. yeah um, okay. If I work tens, then I could get close to eighty. I get close to eighty calls Jesus. in a day when I was on tens. So with your um, mandatory two ten minute breaks and then the mandatory half hour lunch. For a part of the time I worked there, there was also mandatory overtime. Oh, there was an hour of mandatory oh. overtime. I don't do because, that because the attrition rate was so poor yep. that they couldn't stay staffed. So there was mandatory overtime. Yep. Um, and when you treat your no people like shit, yeah, just just couldn't. Why the turnover is horrible? Yeah, I know it was weird. My first check that I got there, my name was spelled wrong. And I was my shift was late enough. There was no one in the building who could fix it, so it didn't. It that you're on twenty four seven service, but you don't get that from the company. Time, it didn't matter. Uh, but my point to them was, what if it did? Like I understand I'm only eighteen, but what if I was forty? What if I yeah. needed this to make my mortgage payment today? Yeah, and you have fucked me over, and now I have to go and hope that Walmart will cash my check with my name spelt wrong on it. Because you don't have someone here who can fix it. There's a manager here, but you can't fix it. All you can say is, if you come back tomorrow on your day off, we can reprint your check, and then you can print that one. You can deposit it in your bank account. You can go it's fuck yourself. A bunch of customer service people have shitty customer service. It's just yes. Yeah. yes. And I can't imagine. Like, there's just so uh, – I don't know how a company like this stays in, and I do. And, like, this is, I guess, quote, unquote, a downside – it's like the rush to the bottom, but like my, like the thought process that I have is like that business isn't in operation. So the market ran its course. Like, you know what I mean? Like right. people are dying. Like the first company that has good customer service will dominate. I'm telling you. Cause like, yep. we it's have, like the one consistent complaint. We have customer talked about is not supposed um, to be a profitable industry. Well, chewy.com is one to look into, right? Because oh, yeah, chewy.com yeah. dominated the pet care market through customer service. Oh, yep. And through, they're still legit. Strictly through amazing customer service. Yep. And another company we've talked about a lot is a company called T-Rex Arms that yeah. is a, started as a holster company. It was one guy without a high school diploma. He was homeschooled and he started a holster company in his garage. And it's now turned into holst- oh, like a like, mag- like yeah, holster. Yeah. yeah and he, he started that company and now it's a multi-million dollar company with 50 plus employees at least. Um, they have two different buildings now, and they built it almost exclusively off of customer service. People will email them about questions for them. 
items from different companies and the people will set the set that item up in shop there so they can tell people oh well you should use this item instead of this or this attachment instead of this and it'll work better that's like what so many people give them compliments about and that's why so many people go back to them is because you send them an email within two hours somebody has replied to you with an in-depth answer to your question and if not then more questions to find out how to answer your question even if the product has nothing to do with their company if they didn't make it they will still answer your question even if they have no fucking idea any about it they'll figure it out and then answer for you that's like first form it's the supplement company i use and they have they're like no for their customer service as well like that's why they're massive that's why i use them because like you'll call them and then you'll be like oh no i'm having a problem with my car they're like you have a problem with your car let me look this up where are you (laughs) right that's place to get to it's crazy. There's like crazy stories about it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. It's crazy that the phone company and this is why I hate because I really blame the government, right? Because there's anytime there's a monopoly associated, anytime there's a utility, there's a monopoly associated, which monopolies are generally born from the government, in my opinion. And so they have these such a high barrier of entry that like no one's gonna be able to touch these large companies because like Don already said it earlier. It's just like even a company comes like you know how hard it is to put in an entire like infrastructure. Adorable. Sorry, dogs barking. Uh, it, it's, no, no, you're fine. The infrastructure is just going to leave you in a place where you can't compete with them. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. As, as a business owner, I mean, you understand this, but it's obviously not your business now. How much of a profit loss would you be willing to take on something like a customer service branch? So, uh, it's That's why I think a large vision is there, but I, I would spend a lot, right? So yeah. like I I work with businesses, I, I work with myself. I, I try to stay at a 30% uh, profit margin. And one of the first things that I would do when you grow is put my money into it. So I don't know if I would take a loss on it, but if we're talking about going 20% to 10%, but I have higher customer service, like that's, yes, yes, yeah. 100%, right? I just think it's so important. And I think like in you're seeing it more in my service. Like a lot of the reasons people want to work with me is because like I talk them through and I respond to what they say. And like like when I worked with Don and I was doing his shit, like we sat down there and I explained like what everything meant and like, you know, he said it kinda and that's what a lot of people say what a lot of people say is like, Oh my god, I kinda understand tax for the first time ever. And so Yeah. It's not we, some H and R block shit. Hundred percent right. who a guy who doesn't know like what he's doing and he's trying to hustle. And then again, they have a kind of the same metric, which is why it's it's not sustainable. It's they're they're churning people, right? So they get bonuses yep. based off completed returns. And so if you're more worried about a complete return rather than explaining it to them, because like I have people come in, like they're like, oh, here's my return, and I'll explain things. So I'm like, wait, w- like what are you talking about? I was like, bro, you've you've had this house for three years, you've been in this stuff for four years. Like, how do you not know what's going on? And it's because no one's taking the time to explain anything. And so I would put a lot of money on there because again as lame as it sounds like the golden rule, like treat people how you want to be treated. I want people to not like give me all their time. But like when I ask a question, I don't want to feel like I'm the weight on your day. Yeah. And so, uh, I just don't feel like that's what people should do. And so I do my best to do that, whether it's a custom desk side, whether it's a phone desk side, answering questions. Like I spend an inordinate amount of time writing, teaching, trying to help people solve their own problems just because I think it matters. I agree with that. We spend a decent amount of time ensuring that we respond to, I'm going to say 95% of messages that we get. There's very few that we just ignore. Um, Very few that we just ignore. Some you kind of have to. The vast majority, Colin and I will either tag team it or, you know, one person will spearhead a certain message, but we will go back and forth with people three or four or five times to continue a conversation. If they've sent a message to us, they obviously 
they took the time out of their day to send a message to us. They obviously want us to yep. see it, you yep. know? So for as certainly as long as that's feasible for us to be doing it, we're going to continue to do that. You know, the, that yep. personal touch of being able to see dash Don at the bottom of the message to know that I'm the one that sent it to you or say dash Colin to know that he's the one that sent it to you. It wasn't a random person. It wasn't one of our wives. It was us. We took the time out of whatever the fuck we were doing yep. to read your yep. message, consider it, and then send a long thoughtful response about what you said. People like that shit. They, they said they care about that. <laughs> that matters to people that they know that, or they feel like they matter to you. You know, like yeah. you don't, you don't feel like an inconvenience. You don't want to feel like the weight on somebody's day. You want to feel like they wanted to do that. When that dude refinanced all my shit today, I don't know that dude. I told him that. I said, I don't know you. I said, but you just improved my day wholeheartedly. My life. You just, yep. you just improved my life. And I appreciate that you assisted me in doing that. You know? Hopefully that dude gets a bonus. Do you know what I'm saying? Like Hopefully I don't he doesn't have a bunch of hang time. Yeah. I wouldn't have done that if he sent the stress the whole time and he was just trying to get it done and didn't want to take time to explain anything to me. I wouldn't have said that. I appreciate that he seemed like he really wanted to do it. He was happy that I was being given more money, that my life was going to improve. He was happy to hear that because that's what he's doing, you know? That matters. That little difference of, of me knowing or at least feeling like this matters to you mm -hmm. is a huge difference, you know, for the customer. See, and I really feel like – and it's crazy to think this, but I've been looking at this, and I really think where you really see it illuminated is on Twitch – and OnlyFans, right? Yeah. And like they're a little bit different, but the same. And I the like, interaction, a hundred percent the interaction. And because like, I always wondered, right? Because like porn's so free, it's so plentiful, right? Like there, there's, I don't know if there's anything we have too much of, but if there was one thing, it would be porn. It would be porn. And, it would be hundred percent. And I just think the interaction you get, like when you're going through, and like you feel like the girl cares about you, but and then you see it in Twitch though. Like I watch people like watch dudes for twelve hours a day seven days a week religiously and yep. you're like why do you do that it's the back and forth it's that feeling that they someone you care about cares about you right right yep. or someone who's there to solve something unique cares about you like it's obviously just entertainment in this space right but like it's even so and much more 100 percent. and i and i really think and like Colin, i'm sure your wife knows building her community out on twitch it's just like she puts a lot of time in trying to care for them and oh, i yeah. feel like that's why the smaller businesses are going to win and not for the capacity to deliver, it's because they care about you. Like much yes. as we hate Amazon, they put a lot of effort into caring. Like you go return your gift, they'll be like, "Listen, yeah. don't care what it is. You go ahead and send it back. We'll pay for everything." All right. Oh it's yeah. Happen. All right. Boo boo. And so like, that's why I've been fascinated with Amazon. And I saw it when they bought Zappos, and they were just like, "Hey, we're going to make this bigger, but we're going to deliver the same kind of customer service." And yep. I think that's why, in my mind, that's why I keep going to Amazon. That's why it's tough for me to shake it off. It's not. For the prices as much as it's the customer service, you know, oh, yeah. they're 24 seven, they deliver it, they pick it up so many places to drop it off. They're just making it easier for you to do things. And it seems like they're always putting us first. They're customer driven. Yeah, they are literally, I mean, they are customer driven. I got a, uh, I bought Carolina, a, a new smartwatch for Christmas the other day and I gave it to her early and, because I'm just bad at that. Because that's who you are. And, yeah, I just do that. But, you uh, like to give gifts. He's yeah, an I, early I gift guy. He's like, I got this I free, but I can't wait another month to give it. I can't, I can't. even wait two days to give it to you. I, I got to give it to you right now. Because I'll find out. I'll find something else to give you. What if on I don't the day see you in on. two days? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> what if I What if I don't see you exactly. in two days? Um, sh oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, so I, I spent, so. like, you know, I spent a, a good amount of money on the smartwatch. It's it's the, the latest one in the line. It's a Samsung. It's really nice. But we get it, and, you know, she's 
a hundred, well, she's been lifting, so she's probably 115 pounds now soaking wet, shredded and oh. cut to all oblivion. But, uh, you know, her wrist is still like that. And so she put this thing on, and the face of the watch itself was bigger than her God. wrist. And so I'm like, fuck! She's so small. But I, I didn't sweat at all because I, I got it on Amazon. I know for a fact that when I return that thing this weekend, there's going to be zero issues. I'm going to go online. I'm going to click a couple things. I'm going to drive down the fucking gas station because that's where the Amazon thing is. I'm going to put it in there. I'm going to have yep. my money back, and then I'll find the uh, the one that fits her. <laughs> Hopefully. It's just so simplistic, and that's why, again, I'm telling you, that's why they're going to dominate you. It's when they bring it back. It's when – I think I saw it when I sent an email – and I, I had messed everything up, right? And I, I was just like, hey, like, I put this in the wrong place. Like, it's there. It's too late. And they literally responded back and said, hey, no, that's our fault. We'll fix it. And I just kind of realized, I was just like, it, understanding that they probably knew it was my fault, like, that like that thought process I was yep. like, oh, my God. Like, I felt like I owed them now. Yeah. I, I ordered a ride in the rain a few weeks ago. You know, like, a ride in the rain, a uh, waterproof yeah. notepad. Yeah, so... Um, I, work. That's how I figured, like, you guys are definitely going to know yeah. what that is. So I ordered one, and when it got to my work, someone had stolen it. That was literally all yep. that I ordered was a ride in the rain. It cost me $6. And someone yep. had opened it just enough to take the ride in the rain out and then Bitch. sent the package, continued on. So I got an empty package. <laughs> Jordan sent them a message that day, and they're like, oh, not only yep. will we send you another ride in the rain, here's the $6 back just because you got fucked over. So I got a free ride in the rain. I only wait yes. for four extra days, you oh, know? Yeah. Exactly. So, and I don't, it goes in my kit. So it's not like I needed it that day. Right. You know, it just needs to go in my fucking plate carrier. So, like, I don't care. I also just didn't have to pay for this. Yeah. So, I'm. The first time I ever had to have an Amazon return experience, I, I wasn't even allowed to return the product at the time. And this was like way back in the day, right? I had ordered some fucking novelty sweatshirt that has a shotgun on it and says, so like, zombie repellent, right? And I. I ordered the wrong size. I ordered yep. a medium instead of a large or whatever, and it just didn't fit. So I like wrote wrote the thing on Amazon. Yeah, you know, I accidentally ordered the right thing. I need to know how to return it or whatever. They're like, oh hey, don't worry about it. Um, if you just tell us what size you want, we'll send you another one. It's like you. Yep. Are, yeah. Okay. Sure. And I've been addicted to them ever since. Okay. I want to get Larry's take oh, on this good. comment real quick. It's a good one. William Wallace. Uh -oh. I'd say the best customer service job I've ever had was being a cop. Laughing my ass off. He did say LMAO. At the <laughs> he end, did. Just to throw that in there. What What do you think about a public servant, like a cop, being a form of customer service? So I, I think so. Um, I think, and I, I think learned so. this a little when I, uh, well, let me phrase that. I think they are customer service, right? And I think it's a little bit different in a different way. I've always said that they are quintessentially the brand marketers, right? So you're always going to be the influencer. And I learned this when I was in another country, right? And so as you basically go to a place, you don't you rotate, you start off as a big unit, and then you break down to a small unit. Obviously, as the unit breaks down to a smaller size, I get more power based on my rank structure. Mm -hmm. And I realized that every conversation I was having was like the first interaction that people were ever having with an American. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's super imperative. Now, is this for just for be... context? Is this like a Western nation like Germany or are we talking like Middle it's Eastern? Eastern? We're Eastern Europe. We're okay. in the Eastern Europe. We're, the, we're deep, deep 
uh, not third world country, but definitely not a first world country. They're technically a third. Are you world in one of the stands? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the 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 uh, uh, what's it called? Romania. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Latvia, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those Over there, Baltic, right yeah, now. like the Baltic states almost. Yeah, exactly. Okay. If they come across, they're the first ones going. And so I'm over there. And I'm like in the deep part of the country, right? I'm a little like, bit Latvian. That's where these eyebrows come from. That's where it is. I, I have yeah. something in there. You got that thick hair. It looks almost sure. fake. But you like that? There's nothing real. in it today. I didn't even – this is three days unwashed even. Hot dog. That's it's, I just want you to know the v- picture that your wife posted of you and called you a dilfin. That's the picture I showed all my friends when Woo! they see it. So I just want you to know. I lost three more pounds this week, Larry. <laughs> it's a bit – you're on a roll. You're going to be like 102 pounds soon. I've lost 30 pounds in less than a year. Jesus Christ. I feel good. It's a good week. You're just better than me. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going back you're in some... way better shape than I am. You shut your mouth. <laughs> if I look like you, I would not be losing 30 pounds. <laughs> stop. stop. I, I'm, I'm so bad. I can't stop eating. All I do is eat. Your arms oh, are as big God. as my head. <laughs> the last time we recorded, you reached up to scratch the back of your head, and I had to stop myself from saying, what the fuck? Stop. stop I swear stop. to God. And what? So what's wife the, appreciate how it, heavy bro. are the Just dumbbells to you, Curl? Listen, uh, so back to the question here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Heavier than 35, that's for sure. Uh, this is why we had Larry um, on the last episode. This is too good. Oh, my. It, like I said, it's it needs to be a customer service shop. Because, like, listen, I'm, like, every person, I'm going to force myself to answer this question. And I'm going to... Uh, just uh, I thank God I can't blush because I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it would be actually terrible. Like I'm, I think about it often. I don't do well with compliments. Oh my God! Uh, I know the feeling. and I look composed. Yeah, you two are made for but, each other. Uh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's friendship sparked. That's right. So yes, I, I, I think it's going to be customer service. I think even now, like you're seeing it, like everybody's recording you. And so, like, if you like every great interaction, I think it's so important, right? Especially yeah. when we have, I wouldn't even see a mistrust. I think, you know, I don't know how aggressive it is. I know you guys probably agree with me more, but like, I think we're poisoning, we're, like, the media is poisoning us against the cops because, yeah. like, I have, like, I guess, you know, I don't say anything to cops, and I'm probably like the like the person they want to pull over if they want to pull somebody over, but like them being in a good mood and treating me well and doing everything right and just kind of dealing with the shit explaining not losing their cool i think that's just so impactful so yeah, yeah i would call them customer service yeah i would just say that the concept of the type of customer you're serving is fundamentally different yeah and fundamentally more important you're not <clears throat> more likely to be irate well the customer you're serving is not a consumer necessarily at that point which is standard customer service you're you're giving service to the consumer of the product versus yeah, your your customers as a cop are the citizenry right and so you yep. are and I'm you know I have and will be the first one to tell you we have a lot of conversations about cops and stuff um yep. but I have I have a fundamental problem with police in general but when you have a good interaction with a cop, I had a great interaction with a cop when Carolina had a car accident, right? I had a really good interaction with lots of cops when I was working with them in the Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. And those interactions really matter. My outlook on that is is usually that statement ends in because they're the they're the the armed enforcement branch of the government so it better be a good interaction because otherwise they have the monopoly on force on you and you don't have anything to do about it so kitty but 
I'm just, oh, this cat. I don't have my spray bottle. She's up here. Yeah, she fucks with wires. She knows it's not supposed to be up here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, have, but it she's fine. It's fine. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think a hundred percent a cop is a customer service job, and the, 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 the what's the word I'm looking for? The outcome or the, yeah, the outcome of your customer service is just exponentially more important. Yep. That's, yeah, that's all. And, and, and I think that's why I kind of call them ambas- like more ambassadors than customer service. <laughs> or but they I'm have consumed you, like, a product. That's funny. A hundred percent, right? Because like, it, it's it's but it's it's even more important for them to always be on, and that's why I don't want to yeah. call them a customer service. Because like, I just I can't imagine being a cop because anytime you deal with someone, it's always the worst day of their of their of their year. You know, right? What I mean? Yeah, most of the time. And so like, I feel like, but like their ability to negotiate be kind, be cordial. I just, I get it to everything. And again, I learned it when I, when I traveled, when like, like it, the weight of like, they're going to have something in your mind and you have to do something to kind of thwart them. Yeah. I think that's them as an added layer of difficulty that is in some aspects of cu- customer service that doesn't exist in others. And one might be yeah. like uh, a used car salesman, right? People are going to assume maybe bad shit about you if you're a used car salesman. And, but that's a customer service job. Being a lawyer is a customer yeah. service job, right? Oh. But people have a lot of times negative images of lawyers. Even if you're a good lawyer, I'm a personal defense lawyer. I'm a fucking whatever, right? Yep. I am yeah. a personal injury lawyer, right? You're only trying to get people money, but people are going to assume that you're a skeevy fucking bastard because you're a you're lawyer. A lawyer. And it's a lot of times the same thing with cops, you know. The last time I got pulled over was the first positive interaction I've ever had with a police officer. That still didn't... It didn't end in your favor, I'm sure. And I also... No, it was fine. I got a warning. It was fine. uh, But I also didn't have, like, an overwhelmingly positive... Negative or... If if you walk away from a a pullover experience Um, not, like, having a bad interaction with the cop... Then it's just kind of like the process of going through the deal, and then it's neither I good nor bad. I still assumed the worst of that dude even before the moment he walked my car. I assumed the worst. And for whatever reason, when the first thing he said to me was, hey, do you have your concealed pistol on you? I, that really rubbed me the wrong way, and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. You know? Totally reasonable question. I did not... I understand it. It's totally reasonable because if I have a gun, yes. you are going to want to know that. You yeah. know, if your life is yes. more in danger, you're going to want to know that, you know. So exactly. it's reasonable still for because of who I am. And this is uh, something he – I was not combative, but something if I chose to be, he would have to deal with, you know, that I don't like that. I don't yes. agree with even you asking me that, you know. I wasn't going to cause a problem because I was trying to do something. So I just, yeah, I have it. It's in my door panel. Or I said, yeah, I have it. And he said, where's that? I said, it's in my door panel, you know? So I was only, even then, I was still only willing to answer the questions he was asking. I wasn't going to provide any more information. I wasn't going to tell that's you anything. Do you know what I'm saying? Because that's still how I felt about it. So even in the non-combative portion of that, on the non-combative side, he still had to deal with. Yeah. Well, he's going to be a little bit more difficult than somebody who is, I don't whatever, going to comply 100% or whatever the fuck. So, it Will says, uh, the thing is, if you have a cop show up for any reason, you don't know what call that cop was on before he got to you. He could have seen and dealt with some shit 20 minutes before he got to you. So, and that's part of my problem with cops, is cops aren't robots, and we expect them to be. And I, That's the I, human fallacy in... 
a law enforcement officer trying to you know trying to be the cog in the enforcement branch of the of the government yeah we're people people can't deal with that shit all the time yeah what if he was just at a fucking murder scene he's all amped up or he was just chasing somebody down the street or whatever it is and now he pulls you over right his frame of mind because he's a human being he or she is going it's going to be you know it's going to be up in the air you don't know because you're dealing with a a human being who has just been through some shit and they're expected to not right. be and on a smaller yeah. scale easier i'm sorry go ahead larry no no i i was gonna agree and that's why I, I i i'm empathetic that's why i feel bad for really cops right now especially like in those other, uh, other states like not only like you you deal with shit you're only you're handling hard things to do whenever you show up people th like think negatively of you right and then you're kind of just show you you show up to do something and, and you're getting no credit and like now we're like telling people to like attack sashize annoy cops and then like a cop can't do like how does a cop defend a control situation without coming out like the bad guy right and right like that's yeah. the kind of shit that irks me yeah. And that's like when we saw, uh, I don't remember the young woman's name, but it was a year ago maybe, and she was trying to stab another girl with oh, a yeah. knife, right? And she got shot. That cop yeah, comes under immediate fire. Like, well, LeBron who do you... James. And it's yeah. like, yeah, what, do, what is... Again, I'm one of the last people to come to defend the cops. But just as a regular person, if I was to shoot somebody who's trying to stab somebody else, and I come under fire because I shot a black person, when the other person is black... What am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. You know, what, how do I handle that information? Yeah. The very first time I saw that video, I was instantly like, well, that, that's a good shoot. I don't like the fact that it happened, obviously, but she was mid-lunge with a butcher knife going for yeah. the other kid, man. I mean, what, what else are you going to do as a human being? You're going to exactly. save a kid when you can. 100%. And that's where, like, no one likes when anyone dies. And I feel like I hate when that's, like, the parameter we set. Like, oh, like, will someone die? It was like, no one wanted them to die. I'm not, I'm, the cop didn't yeah. wake up. Like, I'm going to go murder someone. No. But, like, I feel like once, again, if you live your life harming people, like, in my, I don't think you should die because you harm people. But I think your, my worry for you is going to come after the people you're going to harm. Mm -hmm. And so, like, that, that's where I was, where is that? And then again, that's why. I, you know, I had a bad taste in my mouth just because LeBron James at that point. Because, like, he yeah. kind of tweeted out. And, like, I get that, like, he could have been upset, like you said. But, like, one, he he, he fanned the flames, right? For yep. what I would have to assume is popularity. And the second thing is, like, he didn't do anything conducive. And the third thing is, like, you have, like, 21 million followers. Like, that's going to be everywhere now. Plus the retweets, plus all the other engagements. You're going to yeah. ruin this dude's life. And, he again, he saved somebody. And Yeah. And I've never wanted to say shut up and dribble so much. I mean, yeah. I understand the concept of don't shut somebody down because they're a public figure or whatever. But no, the yeah. dude is legit ignorant as fuck. He has no idea what yes. he's talking about half the time. He needs to shut up and fucking dribble. Or start speaking Mandarin because he likes to bow down to the Chinese. No. And that's the thing. And like, you, if you ever see the clip, and I highly recommend you watch it. It's the clip of him talking about the uh, Malcolm X book. His oh, autobiography. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. That clip, I was just like, like Yo, "Bro, you're like, not actually reading that." I, no, hundred percent. I I <laughs> and it was like awkward too, because like I'd read the book, right? And so like he was just like started talking about his like low life and everything he done after the book. And like anyone who's read the book just knows, like, like if you read the first third, if you really look at the the table of contents, you're literally gonna see the first the first third of the book is literally talking about his upbringing. <laughs> he would have never had talked about anything he because he would have never spoke on the upbringing because it was literally just like. 
how how he how Malcolm X grew up and like how he like came to be the person he was, right? So it started to divide his life. So yeah, fuck LeBron James is basically what I'm saying at this point. Um, <laughs> okay. So, yeah. On the note, because okay. we, yeah, right, because we're talking about you know cops and and then uh, kind of bad takes on things. I want to ask you guys about Waukesha. Yes. The what I am dubbing a terrorist attack in Waukesha. Yep. By a man that was looking to cause terror. Yep. I first of all, we don't need to get into great detail. This guy, I don't want to say his name because fuck that guy. He's a we don't do that shit. here. Uh, decided to drive his car through a Christmas parade and kill. Uh, was it six people, eight people? I think eight people when it was all and, said and done. like, injuring over yeah. 50 oh, like, plus. Yeah, I mean, it's disgusting, right? And then immediately, no talk about it. There's so they no intentionally drove it. the vehicle into the yes. Christmas parade. It was it not, was an, not accident. an accident. Intentionally drove, had conversations with police officers, drove past barricades intentionally, ran yep. into people intentionally. This was all yep. intentional. Yes. And it was not yes. hard to find that out. No. Although... No. If you only read corporate media sources, you would have assumed that it was a, a, just a tragic car accident. Because that to an this SUV day, they with refused, nobody in it. Yes, they refused to call a spade a spade and call this thing what it was. Yep. And I mean, and I'm going to say, I mean, I don't know. I don't think the investigation into it has concluded or anything like that. I think they're still doing the whole thing, but like. So we don't technically know the final end of what was going on. We don't know motivation. We're only pulling at strings to find out what we can. People are looking at the guy's Facebook and his social media and mm-hmm. pulling out posts from, you know, and then trying to draw lines to kind of come up with their own, like, presumptive motive at this point. And it seems as if this point it was it was just a fucking a hate-driven I just I hate using terrorist attack, but at the end of the day, it's a domestic terrorist attack. I mean, it's it's certainly a better use of the term than for parents who are fucking protesting at PTSA meetings. You know, that's this person. When you're talking about, because you talked about, it's undeniable, right? When people start looking into his history, he's spoken openly on social media about using a vehicle to take white people's lives. Yeah, that's that's the intent. Like he's talked about that openly already multiple times, right? And so there sets a background to this event then that didn't exist in, in many other, I don't know, horrific events like this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's um, a lot of context there if you were willing to look at it. Yes, Larry. Yeah, I, 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 I feel like, I think the frustrating part, right, is it's what, 12, 13 days ago, and it kind of fell into the background immediately once Already. The, the media cut. Yeah, right? Like, it was not anything because the media couldn't really use anything. And then you kind of had this, uh, the tragedy in Michigan, right? And then what I didn't like was well, what they went into the, the, the shooter's life, found his mom, found out his mom likes Trump, and then said that because his mom likes Trump, it was white supremacist, and it corroded her, her son, essentially, and led to him doing this. And oh, and like, today, um, I'm sorry not to interrupt, but today the parents have been charged with um, with not manslaughter, a form of manslaughter on four counts for the people that died. 
The parents. See, the parents. The parents of, and that's just to give background, the event you're referring to is a school shooting in Michigan that happened maybe two days ago, three days yeah. ago. And yep. again, we're not going to name that kid, but his parents today were charged. Both parents were charged with four counts of some form of manslaughter. I, I'll, I'll look it up while, while you're talking, but that happened no. today that his parents were charged with manslaughter. And you see how we get there, right? And we're ready to hold the parents accountable based off for that. Based off their affiliations, right? And you can look at articles, and they started tying it in with, like, the affiliations of Trump. And then we have a guy who's been posting about Black Lives Matters, has cons- has been in and out of jail because of mowing people down and then, like, causing harm, getting out on light bail because of prosecutors over in Wisconsin or in Milwaukee. God. Oh, God, I can't. Well, could- uh, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, refused to prosecute people right and so this guy's been out multiple times on short bail and Except literally got house. yeah, yeah. Even we'll get we'll, we'll backdoor into that we can definitely talk too. about covering this and they they refuse to make connections and what i keep hearing is like well we can't just assume based on what he writes like we'll, we'll just never know i was just like that's that that's... seems like it's not fair like at my fair it's just not it's not uh, it's not equal right yeah. and so like i feel like the media and kyle rittenhouse the fact that people thought kyle rittenhouse like shot black people, it was yeah, fascinating yeah. to me. Like when people are just like, "Well, he murdered a bunch of black people." I was like, I don't think he talked to any black people that day. Like, like yeah. I don't even know if he pointed any guns at him. And like, the media has been super exposed. And I think a lot of the things that we've been talking about for a long time are starting to manifest. And I think that's why, like, like this kind of podcast is so important because like the mainstream media is no longer operating in like truth. They're operating yeah. in framing stories the way they want to see. And that's why I quit calling them the mainstream media. I just call them the corporate press now. Because they're not they're not necessarily mainstream anymore. Speaking of which, let's pump the social real quick because that just speaks it just lands so perfectly, right? Because Colin and I put out our our last our second edition of the salty newsletter this week, and that's actually what yep. my portion of it was about was was kind of calling the corporate media what it is. We should now be referring to this this group as what it is. It's corporate media. Their product is propaganda. That's all this is, right? Yep. It's just uh, truth of language, and that's something we fought for and mm-hmm. talked. Ex- explicitly about on this podcast the entire time that we've been doing it so you can find that obviously on our patreon patreon.com slash all the streets third tier subscribe there you can get both the newsletters it's never too late to do that we have our instagram at salt of the streets our youtube here obviously at salt of the streets thank you for joining us our facebook fuck facebook at salt of the streets you can find all this at salt of the streets.com we have our own personal social media i'm at salt of the street on twitter and at alpaca underscore donovan on instagram colin is a big bird off you on both those things patreon salt of the streets discord salt of the streets swell blended if you need a haircut uh, location, location skate, skate shop. shop if you need a skateboard leggings and aprons Lexi Kayo Atlas A&T obviously for later if you want to get your taxes done so um, whoop, whoop. yes and I, w- I just want to do a add an extra plug for wifey she's been feeling she's got a lot of shit going on today or this week it's been a pretty getting rough streams and so she does the twitch so she's got the video games thing going on but I mean she is like a, a whole lifestyle brand she's yeah. all very into positivity positive thinking you know emotional health um her social medias are all lexi coyote stuff so it's easy to find but i mean she is so multifaceted at this point i'm so proud of her she's cosplaying she's instagramming she's got this thing called fan house you ever heard of fan house larry no what is that is that like the uh fan house is like a newer and I hate to call it like a social media app, but it's it's kind of like a yeah. private platform type of deal that is a subscription-only based system. And so people have to subscribe to your fan house. Set up, it's usually like a $5 a month thing. And so these yeah. creators focus most of their content onto their fan house. And then 
from there, they have like within there, you can create all sorts of extra little perks and stuff like this for X amount of dollars. And you just kind of can do whatever you want. It's totally customizable. It's a huge, it's starting to grow really, really big, especially in like the, the streaming communities and stuff like that. So, okay. you know, if, if you're in, she does tons of workout videos, like I said, a lot of uh, positive lifestyle stuff like that and the video games and the cosplay on top of it. All the stuff. All the stuff. Hit it up. So... The school shooter in Michigan, right? Mm -hmm. um, as I was saying, the parents, um, and this is from one hour ago, Detroit News, the U.S. Marshal and the Oakland County Fugitive Apprehension Team searched Friday night for the parents of the 15-year-old Oxford High School sophomore charged with first-degree murder and the slayings of four students in Tuesday's mass shooting. The search came hours after James and Jennifer um, of Oxford were charged with four counts of involuntary manslaughter in the deaths of those four students by Oakland County Prosecutor Karen McDonald, who announced the charges at a noon press conference. So they were charged with four counts of involuntary manslaughter, and now they're on the run in Michigan. That's okay. what that's his headline is. County fugitive what? team in search of four parents of alleged Oxford shooter. So I need to know this. Like, I don't know much they're about this the story run. yet. Um, Yo, that's insane. Uh, why? How are they being charged? Is this like a Use gun his dad's thing? gun. Use his dad's gun. Word. Yep, Use the gun his dad's gun, he, so he's it, liable. His ah, dad bought it like five days before the shooting or something like that. Oh. Seems like there's some lines being drawn there. But. I and That's that's all that I know yeah. as far as details go. I've not dug deep into it, so I don't know any more about that. But like I said, I did see today, obviously, they were charged with involuntary manslaughter, obviously because of the firearm, mm -hmm. right? Um, and now... They seem to be on the run from those charges. This is Michigan? It's in Michigan. Yeah, and Michigan has got some some pretty tight gun laws, I think. Well, they're, a lot of people get killed in Michigan, in Michigan because of guns. Yeah. So. Interesting. Illegal firearms. See, Detroit's bad shit. I just, are, are we reaching too far to tie his family into this? Like, well, I, because, oh, like, unless you give it to him and, like, like, if he just goes behind your back, like, I feel like. We're, we're holding this too high. Are, are we not? Am to, I going crazy here? So to me, it depends. Yeah. Right. This is how it depends. It's if you're, one. and this is as, as a parent, as a responsible firearms owner, this is how I'm answering this question. Right. It depends yeah. if they had their firearms safely stored. In my opinion, if it's locked up in a cabinet or in a safe, right. And your son in some fashion was able to gain the code to that or something like that in a nefarious fashion, then I think that it's going too far. Mm -hmm. If you have them stored improperly in your home in which your son has decently readily, readily ready, ready access to them, then I don't know that it's necessarily too far in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, I know that if my son were to somehow get a hold of one of the guns that I left out or didn't secure entirely properly and used in a, in some type of shooting, I definitely am going to feel like that's part of my fault because it's my gun. So it, it depends to me on how it was stored, um, largely. Let me ask you this. Do we how know how old this kid was? Yes. He's in high school. He's so high I, school. I don't know exactly. Between yeah. 16 and, and 18. Why, and that's why I have a little leeway for the parents is because, like, how well could you have stored it for a reasonably intelligent uh, adult to get into it? You know what I my mean? My cabinet like, has a key on it. What do you mean? If you don't have the key, you can't get into the cabinet. Well, and then let me let me ask this question, which I think is in a similar vein here. If my kid's in high school, I am, and I have guns in the house, that kid knows exactly how to use the guns. He knows how to get them because as a high school-aged kid, I want him to be able to 
to get access to the gun if he's home and I'm not there and something happens. I want him to be able to defend himself and the house and the family or whatever it is. I mean, yeah. if it's younger kid, like I totally get it. There's, you know, everybody's going to have their own like age and requirements or something yeah. like that. So I just, I think that offers and, a little bit more gray area. And well, it's difficult for me to say that because it depends largely on the maturity of that kid. Yeah, you know, the kid I, and the parents. I would not say for certain that Dax at 17 is going to know where the firearms are and how to access them yeah. so that he can defend himself at home. If I don't feel like he's responsible enough to do that, I'm not going to tell him where they're at. Yeah. So it depends, you know. I don't know enough about this kid or his history or his mental illness or anything to declare that. Um, yeah. But again, as all I can answer it as, is as a parent right yeah. and that's if it depends largely on how responsible he is which also depends on how much access i'm giving him yeah. to my firearms how often i'm taking him out how all of those things you and know? if the legal statute in the state is that if you are the legal registered owner of that gun which i'm pretty sure is the case in most states and if somebody uses it to commit a homicide you are directly responsible for having that firearm use in that homicide period full stop and so i could see legally 100% legally having them be responsible for that situation. So it so, depends for I, me. And yeah, it would definitely. Does depend. that make sense? Where are you at no, with it? It makes perfect sense. I, I, again, I, I'm super into autonomy. I, I feel like we've gone a stretch too far by the kid. I, I, I think we come down heavier on the kid. I think where I'm at is this kid's a piece of shit, right? Like, and I'm not like huge into the death penalty, but like. And again, obviously mentally ill. Obviously. 100% right. Exactly right. So once you infringe on somebody else's rights, again, I kind of said it. Your where you are, you 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 move less in my head. So like in my mind, like I'd have to be convinced to believe it was the parents. But I don't think we should try this kid as a kid, right? Like I, I understand right. mental health issues and I'm empathetic, and I but yep. I think we crush this kid. Like I, I I don't like you, Murdy. I'm not like a big eye for an yeah. eye guy, but like I feel uncomfortable that we're tracing this back to the parents. I also think the parents have been unjustly thrusted into the limelight, and so they lose all rights to privacy. When again, I don't know if we can super argue that this excuse me that this is their fault. And you have a good good point. Like you could lock it up, but like yeah. an adult kid, like if it's just behind a lock and key. Like the kid could get like, what if the kid found it? You know what I mean? Like, what if he's just been following it? Yeah. Like, what like right? Like, in my my no more. My point with that would be if I have a seventeen year old kid who I don't want access to my firearms, I'm not leaving the keys around my house. They're yeah. going to be You're on my key. Sure ring. that no matter what happens, you know what I'm saying? he can't get it. So I have I have a gun cabinet that has a key, yep. just a key, right? Yep. And it's things have changed as Dax has gotten older, right? When Dax yes. was an infant and couldn't go anywhere, I would kind of leave my gun out wherever. And it didn't matter because he was never going to get to it. As he got a little bit older, we got, we got a pistol safe because the ones that we're not going to use that day should be out, right? The ones that we're not going to take or whatever should be, should be locked up somewhere so that no one can get access to them, right? Which yep. should have been that way before, but it doesn't matter, right? And then as he got yep. even a little bit older, well, if we want to leave one out, then we have a thing called a stop box that you can put it into. You can still gain quick access to it. It's not a full safe, but you need a finger lock combination to get to it. That would be something that I would say your 17-year-old kid is definitely going to get into that because oh, it's yep. just it's just five little finger things. So I definitely wouldn't be leaving a pistol in that at home with my kid who I don't want access to a firearm, right? Yeah. I then have a pistol safe that has an electronic combination you can put on it. There's like a card you can scan, a little fob you can scan, Ooh. and there's a key that you can turn into it. The key is oh, on my shit. key ring. High the tech. card is in my wallet. The fob is also on my key ring. Jordan and I know what the combination is. So 
there's no reason and no way that I could see my kid getting into it short of smashing the fucking safe, which certainly is an option, you know, smashing it. Well, I'm not home. Well, I'm at work. If I'm gone for eight hours, it's not going to take you eight hours to smash a safe open with a fucking sledgehammer. But that's what he would have to do to get into it. It would be the same thing with my safe that has my rifle in it, all of the everything else that's in it. Mm -hmm. There's one key to it. The key is on my key ring. Right, so if he doesn't have my keys, he's not going to get into it. Yeah. But if he was at a point, which it doesn't seem like this kid was, um, if yeah. Dax was at a point where he was 17 or whatever age that I felt like he was responsible enough, I did want him to know and have access to that. I might leave that key in a place that he could get access to it if he needed it. Mm-hmm. Until yeah. that day, that shit stayed on my fucking key ring. Yeah. So unless I'm home, he's not going to have ready access to it by getting to my keys because I have. My key's on me while I'm out of the house, obviously. And if you, as a parent, have decided to make the decision that your child is capable enough and is responsible enough to have access to those firearms, then you should also square it away in your mind as that parent that, like, if something does happen and he loses his shit and takes one of my guns that I have given access to, I am ready to stand up and say, yeah, that was my fault. Right. Yeah. But if I think it, if I yeah. think there's a chance he might even show it to his friends while I'm not at home, I'm yeah, not going to leave yeah. the key there. I'm yep. not going to allow you to have that option to defend yourself because you've shown me you're not responsible enough to use that option. Yeah. That's I feel very much that there is a level of responsibility that comes with firearm ownership that under the age of 18 should be dictated by the parent. If you're not ex- if you are not displaying that level of competency and that level of respect and that level of responsibility, then it's my responsibility as a parent to not give you access to those firearms. Yeah, that makes sense. And unfortunately, as per... Well, let's... Hold on, let's... Oh, go ahead. No, no, I I was going to say, I I hear you. Ultimately, I think you're right. I think what... uh... Because like I said, I I don't necessarily disagree with you. It depends, Mm -hmm. you know, on that particular position depends. And, and, and you're 100 right, right? Because if it comes out that, like, you know, they, basically they were leaving on a table, like, the parents are idiots. What I feel bad is, like, when I was a kid, like, my my mom knew nothing of what's going through my head, right? Right. And, like, if this kid's sick and this kid's lying to this parents and, like, and I feel bad. I feel bad that the way they came in, like, they're charged and now everybody who gets charged and the media doesn't agree, you automatically become a public figure, right? So, like, yeah. for example, if me and you got summoned to court, like, no one's ever going to know, right? right. So we have our name, we're just going to go do our thing. And so now, like, even if they get tried in court, like, look at Kyle Rittenhouse, right? He's been deemed a bad person. He's literally innocent. And now kids Kicked are protesting him. Kicked out of school. Him. 100%, right? Like, he's never going to get to live a normal school. life. Right? Petitioned exactly. out of school. <laughs> so that's what I'm yes. And so, like, for him, I don't feel as bad, right? Because, like, he once he took an interview with Fox, I was like, okay, you want to be a public figure. Like, yeah. you, you did this to yourself on a level. But for those parents, like, w- what did they ask for? Like, they didn't ask for this, right? And so, right. If right. you're saying that, like, they were negligent with a firearm or they weren't good enough with a firearm, that's like ruin their lives innocent or guilty because like you're going to be associated with this mass murder and right now in america we're psychopaths like right like everyone's perfect so well let me even i'm just frustrated well let me even caveat that because i think that you probably i think you almost definitely have a point on the manslaughter charge right i don't i think that you could debate it all day right i think manslaughter might be a little bit too far because even if you're negligent with it, you don't have any way, like you said, you don't know what his frame of mind is. And maybe you should because it's your parent. I certainly would hope to have some type of insight into my child when they're that age. But also speaking as somebody whose parent had no insight to who I was when I was 16, 
I, I may not. I have no way to attest that I will or be able to swear that I will. So you can't say for certain, even if I did feel like he was responsible enough and had given him that opportunity, mm. he still might, depending on how, how secretive he was or how well he could hide his true emotions or whatever, might yeah. still use that firearm in a nefarious manner. In that case, I'm still negligent. I still did that because I still gave him access to it when he was underage, you know? So, mm. so... Yeah. I think you're probably right on the manslaughter thing. And de- again, depending on situation-wise, you know. Um, but it speaks, and most school shootings, I would say, speak to many, way more issues than just gun issues, yeah. right? This speaks a lot to, to parenting, to safe storage of firearms, to connections with children, connections with school officials. There are a lot of different things. There seems to be, from what I understand, some type of like red flags, you know, that people could have picked up from this kid. So it speaks to many more issues than just firearms yeah. and it's uh it's does like a, a firearm is almost the least important it, it, aspect it, in it. Exactly. it almost is and exactly. it's a and it's a detriment to the conversation and to any actual meaningful progress forward for this to continue to be the focus and i'm not it's, it's obviously it's not yours but in the general in corporate media that's the focus oh well now we need to talk about firearms cause we need to talk about gun laws and gun access and things like this even though that yes, may or see. may not have been an issue you know it obviously wasn't because he didn't get the gun he stole it from his dad so at least from what I know. So we're not talking about access issues. We're not talking about uh, straw purchases uh, from what it seems like or any of that stuff. We're talking at the very least about safe storage, which is almost, which is in my opinion, not something that should be dictated by the state, right? That's a, it's something that depends, not depend, but it's something that will differ between individuals. You know, if you don't have a child, just like before I had a child, it wasn't weird to leave a gun up on a cabinet because there's no one fucking there besides me and my wife is it responsible maybe not i don't know you know it depends on who you are if you have four or five children running around your house is it responsible to leave just a loaded firearm sitting on a cabinet somewhere absolutely not absolutely not but again if you're a single person or just people without kids then that calculation changes a lot so there are so many factors that go into it that are more than just gun ownership you know it's and we've already given more thought process than anyone's really going to and that's the yes. frustrating thing right because like everybody and i won't say everybody the corporate media certainly I corporate guess, media right and twitter we've already gotten to like well this is why we shouldn't have guns right and my frustration in pulling the parents in like once we pull the parents in we now are taking the onus off the kid and what yes. i don't like about that is they're going to put it on the weapon ownership right yes and so now again i don't like i don't love having weapons around like well we have one because like i don't trust anyone you need one now right but i don't i don't love guns like you guys go shoot shooting more than me it's probably because i've shot on so many ranges that it's terrible but like with way cooler guns right even even i see the like the, the, the we need them and even if we didn't need them like like leave them alone right and so I don't like that this we've we've lost. I know that we're gonna lose this, right? I know right now. Like, remember, first it was the kid, right? Then we tied it to Donald Trump and how it corroded, right? And right. then now it's the parents, and now then it's, it's the gonna parents. be the parents buying guns, and then or it's gonna be like we need to raise like our our stringency on these laws. Which again, anybody who kind of digs into these like gun ownership things, like you can't tie them to the crime rates. You like like the kid like it. 
I'm not going to say that, like, the gun makes killing less of, like, it does make it more efficient, but, like, that's not the reason bad things are happening, right? Like, and so no. we, we get to skip over, again, the mental health issue again. We get to skip over the fact that that kid probably was bullied the whole time, and we get to skip over that kid was probably lonely, and then we end up at gun issues, and we haven't solved anything. Because, yeah, like, right. people are just going to get more mad. And to your to your point, like we, you and I have talked before about, like you've told me you don't carry a gun because you feel like it invites trouble. I carry yes. a gun everywhere that there isn't physical infrastructure to hinder me from doing so. In the last yeah. year, you and I have probably had the same amount of questionable interactions with with private individuals. So it's not yeah. the gun is not, and it's not to your point or anybody else. But the gun is not the issue. You know, the gun is no. not the problem here. You know, there are a thousand other factors that feed into those things that make it a problem or don't make it a problem. Yeah. You know, like I said, to focus on that one thing is a detriment to the entire conversation. Just like it was with Kyle Rittenhouse, for people yeah. to focus on. Um, uh, why he was there, you know, is is a detriment to this entire conversation. That doesn't matter anymore. You know what I'm saying? Why he came here is doesn't matter in the case that he was involved with. In that in that jury trial, doesn't matter. Why he was there no longer matters. What nope. what matters is how these people died, the manner in which they died, and the circumstances under which they died. Yep. That's what matters. You and know, whether or not all of that equals self defense, or not. right, right, yeah, yeah. That's I, I like to look at these things as uh, mowing the grass. Is what what these people do nowadays is you you cut the top off and so you try to you try to attack the problem at the gun when the root problem never gets addressed so the root problem persists and after a long enough time you might be able to solve the top end problem in your way you know if you might be able to solve I don't want to say solve but like you might be able to address what you think is the problem right but it's not going to stop the actual problem you're not attacking why this is happening at the root you're not pulling it out you're not throwing vinegar on the roots you're not salt in the earth afterwards no you're just you're just doing a little snip snip and then hey we're satisfied now because we got what we wanted we got the guns off the street we got tighter gun laws now it, and it's just it's a disservice to the continued societal problem that we have yes this never that, fucking a, happened yeah. until columbine and what has all the gun legislation done between now and then absolutely nothing to stop any of this shit from happening because when yes. people are mentally deranged to the point they're going to take a weapon and go kill as many people as they possibly can nothing is going to stop them from doing that except I, I, cultural cultural pressures or societal pressures, right? Which, at the end of the day, would be a good thing if you have enough cultural pro pressure out there or societal pressure out there to solve whatever that problem is that you're having that is driving you to go commit this act of violence. If you can, if there's enough social pressure on the individuals to go solve that be before it it ends in a violent outburst, that's how we solve these problems. Yeah. And, like, that's where, like, it's frustrating, right? Because even, like you said it, I feel like we always get there. Like, oh, we need to do this thing. But we never start trying to implement anything to, to do anything about it. You know why? And you're seeing a lot. Why? Because we want the government to do it for us when it is not their yeah. problem to fix. It's our problem to fix. It's society's yes. problem to fix. We have to be responsible for it. And we have to hold ourselves accountable for it. And that means... You know, that that involves 
a, a different frame of mind than I think society is capable of processing at this point in time, unfortunately. So I don't think that's why it's getting worse, not getting better. It's because we're not ready to actually deal with the problem. We just want to ask daddy government to solve it for us. It's not their the, problem to solve. No, percent. And I really think, and again, I don't want to get us completely off task, but like, that's been my biggest thing with like why I don't like LBJ and the great society is because that's what the I worst. think. He, yeah. And I think he did that to just basically the black family and like it kind of uh -huh. corroded our, our nuclear, our nuclear family. Right. Oh, and yeah. like, I think as people, and I think it was, Oh gosh, I can't even think who, who, who was the one who did it. I'm going to look it up here in a second, but I feel like as you take us away from it not being our money, it not being our problem, to just like relying, it atrophies our ability to take care of ourselves and then our ability to care about our neighbors. Yep. Yeah. The 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 loss of the concept of caring about your neighbors. It, it it's beyond words at how impactful yep. that has been. Um, I mean, it's right there for everybody to see. But, but again, I don't know how you fix that. I, I, yeah, I try. It, it, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's why I got heavier or I started to get a passion for donating because I think mm -hmm. if you find a good small nonprofit, it's their spirit is trying to take back, it's trying to control something. Yeah. And this is why I think, uh, I got super into people tithing, right? I got super interested in the tithing and not cause I'm super religious. Cause I'm not, I don't go to church. Right. I guess so, I'm spiritual. I hate when people say it, but I guess I just don't I know do... what that means. What explain what that so means. So the tithing, me. tithing is basically taking 10% of your income and then you give it back to your church or like give it back to God. Right. And like what that allows them to do is it allows the community again to crowdfund things. And then we have a tight knit community. They use that money. The church used to be a big part of the community and that, that church would go and use that money to do things, fix things and to provide for the lower status. Right. Mm -hmm. And then again, because you're part of the community, part of the church, you would constantly give and then they would give back. And then it's your way of helping go your community. Right. Well, you're seeing it I, actively impact your community because churches 100%. are inherently a local organization. Yes, exactly. And that's why I think it's local. I think like it, it, around you, if I said, Hey, like, we're going to go pick up your trash around your house, right? You'd be like, yeah, okay. I hate watching that trash in my neighborhood, right? You're like, hey, we're going to go pick up trash in our neighboring town. I'd be like, okay, yeah, you know, I love this city. Like, let's do something for it, right? You're saying, hey, you're going to pay money to help us pick up trash. You're like, yeah, okay, let's get after this. And then what it turned into is you're going to pay money to help pick up New York's trash. Mm -hmm. Well, that's going to create a, a problem where it, you're not going to care as much about those people, right? So you're not going to give as much money, right? And you're not going to like that. It's not coming back to you. B, they're not going to care that it's your money, right? So it's not their money. So now they're just, they're gross manipulation with the spending of it, right? And so it's a dual problem. They're not helping you. You don't care to help them. And then the problem that really happens there is the community that has it cleaned, they're not doing the cleaning anymore, right? We've cre created separation from them and the problem. Uh -huh. And the government takes care of it. So now like, oh, no, we pay for it for a service in the government, right? But as we know, the government's trash at everything. So like as the government solves our mental health crisis, huh. what we have is just a absolute manifest manifestation of even worse mental health crisis, right? And I know it's not really a dirty secret anymore, but like as much as we love social media, like social media is just making us hyper a hyper problem right it's it's accentuating the problem you become more of what you do well there's a lot of people who have mental problems like there's we're going to have an even greater amount of that and so 
I think because we've outsourced this to our government and the government's not going to be able to execute on anything, one, we don't care enough until it happens. Like, we're here, we care now, but, like, we weren't thinking about – we weren't think. I'll be completely transparent. I wasn't thinking about kids getting bullied or the mental health of the average teenager before this happened. And it's going to be salient for a while, right? And I, you want you want to get back to the community, but, like, there's no clear way for us to get back to the community, and there's no clear thing the community is doing. It's the government, right? And the government's not going to do well. And so – it frustrates me and it makes me so mad. And that's why I think I'm so angry at this kid. I want to hold him responsible besides his parents because like, I, I want to hurt him because again, he hurt so many people. Right. Right. So that's, what's frustrating for me. But like the, I won't, can't, we can't blame everything on the government, but like they, they, that's where I think they played a role. Well, I've told you before, Larry, every major institution hates you and wants you to die. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is very true. So is the problem so then, black, is it more of We a... can win, though. That's the white pill part of it. We can win. But the institutions hate you and want you to die. But and we can control everything. But we can defeat the institutions. That's that's not a problem. That's true. But We here at Salty Streets <laughs> will defeat the institutions. Yes, but inherently they hate you and want you to die. Well, and I mean, yeah, they definitely do. But... It's dark. It's breaking them. <laughs> so I, would you say, Larry, in your estimation, is it more... A rise in social apathy, or is it more a decline of social altruism? Or is no, it I, is I, it whoa. does or do they go hand in hand? I, I I think it's apathy. I think the like and I, again because I'm basic training. I think the most toxic thing we have going on right now is there's an astronomical amount of apathy. Because I think the the cool mm-hmm. thing about social media is is we get to do the things we care about, right? Mm-hmm. And you could constantly be surrounded by the things you care about, right? And then, you know, not to, like, you know, be rude to Gary Vee, but we basically have told kids, like, concentrate on the things that make you the happiest. Don't work on your weakness. Only focus on your strength, which is super cool when you're growing a business. But, like, as a human and as a part of a culture, it is not very good, right? And so we have this awkward amount of collectivism, but ap- collectivism in form of thought, right? And we have, But we have apathy and critical thinking. Well, because apathy and collectivism go hand in hand. Because 100%. if you want to be a part yes. of collectivism, you don't need to worry about it. Someone else will. Right. 100%. Interesting. And I think I those two things are, are insane. And again, I see it a lot. I spend a lot of time on TikTok, right? I'll be just very forthcoming with that. I love the app. Communist. Big set. I, I, I might be, honestly. I, I might be, he says. I, I, do. I could be. Listen, I, I fight China so hard, but I use the shit out of TikTok. Shu on head gives you a good speech, and you might be thinking about being a socialist. Listen, that's what I'm saying. Like maybe I don't want anything; just control everything. But like I'm seeing it there. It's like people aren't trying to think, be their own, and think smaller. They're literally like I'm watching kids shill, sell out, and I'm seeing. And I don't want to pick on women, but uh, there's a lot of women who are just talking about how easy it is to make money doing OnlyFans, right? And there's a lot of money to be made there. And no one's talking about the other side is what we're losing, right? So there's an apathy towards the short-term local decision-making to then get something that will give us a, a, a quicker fix of happiness, right? Mm-hmm. And so... The dopamine hit. Yeah, exactly, right? And so, like, I, I, I think we're constantly going to our lizard brains. And so the social apathy comes back to us because, like, that doesn't make us feel good, Right. Like that doesn't, that, that's not pushing my dopamine button, right? And I think that's why, again, we're manifesting these, such these bad behaviors because right now it's so easy to find something like this phone, right? Like I can pull, I, 
because of technology, I'm on a podcast with you. I could I could trade all my cryptocurrency, so I can teach you my cryptocurrencies. I can play Clash of Clans. I can go on to Clash of Clans, bro. You still Clash of Clansin? Oh, I'm heavy. I'm heavy. Oh my god, I haven't that's played that shit so in funny. Years. I miss Yo, it. I listen. If you guys come back, you let me know. I'm I'm, I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the point is that because like we don't ever have to be unhappy. So like, why would you be unhappy? Like, again, it doesn't feel good to do a lot of things, right? Like I, we talked about it before. Like, it doesn't feel good to wake up four a.m. It doesn't feel good to run a business. It doesn't feel good to make everything. Responsibility like, is a bitch, dude. One hundred percent. But there's no need for responsibility because again, like we're creating a system where you don't have to. And I think the government is the fault of that. And you really saw again with this, with the with the first stimulus care package, where like people just stop stop work because they don't have mm -hmm. to. And everyone's like, they'll come back. And then what we saw is no, the fuck they won't because again why be unhappy if i don't have to and i think that's what that social apathy is happening i think that's where that social apathy comes from is the fact that like why ever be unhappy well and and I... I think there's a there's a step there i think you might have missed um because when you say you know that we put all the reliance on the government and the government sucks at everything right mm -hmm. it's our fault that we're putting all this on the government yes. That's like, it's not necessarily their fault. They can't perform the things they're not supposed to do. Part of the, part of the root cause of all the problems we have now is because we're trying to get government to do the things they're not supposed to do. So they're fucking terrible at it. And they always have been, and they always will. Cause it's not designed to work that way. These yeah. are our response. These are our social and cultural responsibilities that we are abdicating for apathy is probably the easiest way to do it, but it's fucking lazy. It's right. You know, it's just easier to have the higher authority try to take care of this for you. And then you also have somebody to blame for it when you, all you need to do to find the person that is at fault and who you need to blame is look into a fucking mirror. And I yep. think that you could probably argue, we could probably spend three hours arguing whether, which, which, which is you, the cause, whether, <laughs> whether the apathy is the cause of that or whether the ceding of power to the government is the cause of the apathy. You know, if yeah. people felt, and this is just a yeah. thought experiment at this point, if people felt as though the states, their states were not giving them what they wanted or legislate, the legislative branch wasn't working as quickly as they wanted, even though that's not how it's designed, mm -hmm. they become apathetic and therefore they're more willing to cede more power to the executive. Or if the ceding of power to the executive so it's like a kind cycle. of highlights quote unquote for them how slow the legislative process is which makes them more apathetic to it and makes them want to give more power to the mm -hmm. executive i you think you could argue which one came first and it would depend on probably which president you started with you know um yeah so it I, because you you could argue from the from the ceding more power to the government side, that that started in World War II. You know what I'm saying? When the federal government starts to have more programs that allow you to lean on them more as opposed to your state, even if it's a state program, it's funded by the federal government. Yeah. You know, all this funding or the vast majority of it comes from the federal government. You know that because FDR sold you on all these plans. He told you what was happening. He's on TV all the time. He's telling you, right? Mm -hmm. So you know from that point forward that leaning on the government could, lean to, could lead to that apathy, right? Or if you pick the starting point of George Bush right where the mm -hmm. government is starting to infringe on you so heavily and they're spying on everything that you do and they are just in everything involved in your life they're just why the fuck am i bothering with anything yeah you know, i don't it's all happening to it's me already so big, i just yeah. hands off i don't want to deal with it i just don't i can't the government yeah, no is already anyways the government is doing there. whatever they want you yeah. know 
And those are just two just two examples, right? And yeah. maybe they're poor ones because it's just off the top of my head. But I think that's definitely very interesting because I don't think either one is necessarily false. You know well, what I'm saying? That's kind of guess what I'm getting at. Like when you look at like my argument, right, as society being the fault, at fault mostly because we've allowed the government to take so much power. Like you said, it really depends on where you where you start that right. clock at. Right. And at a certain point, yeah, like you know, and it in. A world war, generally speaking, you're going to want to be able to give the government more power to do shit because they're fighting a war and right. it is literally like a life or death situation. Do you want to be man in the high castle? Not me. If government says you can't have sugar because we got to we gotta feed the troops and shit, word, I'm down. But the same is said yeah. for George Bush during the yeah. Iraq war, right? That at that time, all that the Patriot Act, all this stuff is in response yeah. to, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. In response to the terrorist attacks, in response to 9-11, in response mm-hmm. to the Iraq war, potential terrorism. They're yeah. saying it's going to happen any day. I just yeah. rewatched this is slightly off topic, but I think this is great. I just rewatched. Have either of you seen the movie The Report? Have you been watching all these oh obscure my movies? I, oh, I saw the, uh, I saw the uh, trailer for it on... On Amazon. On Amazon, yeah, but I haven't watched it yet. So you have to watch it. You have okay. to watch it, right? Oh! It is, it's about a guy named Daniel Jones who who wrote the report on the enhanced interrogation program uh, okay. during all that, all the black sites and everything. It's like a 7,000-page document that he put together, Damn. and it outlines how Gina Haspel, who is the current uh, director of the CIA. Yeah, the one that's right? hiding the pedos? She, she was one of the people that passed on investigating the people who planned and carried out 9-11. She chose to lead away from that, right? She then was a director of one of the black sites in which they did enhance interrogation. Mm-hmm. She oversaw the deletion of tapes of torture yep. carried out by CIA agents. That's all during her confirmation hearing. All documented. She is now the director of the fucking CIA. Man, we make a lot of good decisions here. She yeah, had a listen. direct hand in 9-11 coming to play. She is now the director of the CIA. So, again, I, I, not to be a conspiracy theorist, even though I asked you to start a conspiracy theorist. Thing, this is what frustrates me. Or not frustrates me. Is It seems like this would ha- it seems too coincidental or too well planned out for this to, to be random. Right? How? Like, I get... Right, exactly. I get hit with this a lot, right? Like, I'll sit here and I'll have this back and forth with somebody and they'll be like, well, you're thinking too hard of it. It's just a coincidence, right? And then I try to, like, I try to lay it out mathematically. Say that, like, you laid out, like, four things, right? So say that, like, it, each of those was one and two, right? That Like, that goes from, like, a 50-50 chance, right? If you play it down, down to, like, a 12.5% chance, right? So we've easily started to cut our odds, right? Right. <laughs> start layering on these thousands and thousands of decisions. I was just like... Millions of other people, too. 100%, right? And it just seems to always be falling into place. Like, it always seems to be, like, there's so many layers involved. And it always yeah. sees... And, like, I'm again, I'm seeing it over and over again. It's starting to play out again. And this... Uh, 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 this Jisley Maxwell thing, right? Yeah. And, like, again, like, they're like... The CEOs are quitting. Then the then the, right. the, the senior medical examinators quitting, and then everybody's just like, "Well, it's just a coincidence." I was just like, "And I don't want to be the guy." that's just like, "Why today?" But I just sit there. It's like, "Why quit now?" Yeah. And that we'll never we'll never get to touch. We'll never get to ask them, right? And like it was just like, "Hey, like 
like, well, like, well, why did you choose today? And they always have like the perfect thing. And then, so I'm satiated, right? For example, like when the CEO Twitter quit, right? Like, why did you quit? Like, that's super weird for you to quit now. Jack and he's Dorsey? just like, well, this Jack Dorsey. Yeah, Jack Dorsey. Yeah, Jack Dorsey quit. And he's like, well, you know, he changed Square, and he, I guess he's changing it to Block, and he's like so, supposed to be focusing on on blockchain. And you're like, man, that makes so much sense and it's so plausible, but it just seems so insane that you guys would almost in line on the same day quit. So, like, what... I, and I have a another it leads layer to your to orig- death, it, right? it leads to your original apathy question, I think. It, all the... of that, seeing all that shit, you know, especially like the CIA stuff. That, yeah, not yeah. not true. Well, and but... on, on top of that, right? Because the problem with like the conspiracy concept is when you look at it, right? A conspiracy requires, generally speaking, a lot of players all playing ball the exact same way. Certainly a national or international one, right? Yeah. But what is always failed to enter into that conversation is that it's not... For a conspiracy to unfold as if it is a conspiracy of individuals together making decisions and, and planning this whole thing out... It doesn't need to be a cabal of individuals that all have the same plan and all are pulling triggers at the same exact time. It can be a series of standalone complex individuals um, that see advantageous opportunities to be had at a certain time. And when the environment that they're surrounded in, the environment that these conspiracies are built around and in... There's a reason why, like, all how many anecdotes does it take to be, for something to become evidence, right? The concept of enough individuals within, say, the CIA, right, having individual, having taken individual choices to do, to make a decision, to do a thing that ultimately culminated in the thing that we see as the grand conspiracy, when along the way, if each one of those individuals made that decision that pushed the concept of the conspiracy further down the road if they, if they made that decision because at the time they had an individual like selfish not in the colloquial term but an actual legitimate selfish right. reason to make that decision to benefit themselves and they don't care about what happens afterwards mm-hmm. that can yeah. look i mean that could build to the conspiracy as a conspiracy exactly so you sh- yeah. you Even have the same the outcome but it doesn't mean all of these individual players along the way needed to be on board from the get-go or even had a concept of what the end result was going to be. They all take individual actions that lead to that ultimate culmination of whatever it is being called a conspiracy. And that's why a conspiracy is so crazy or seems so crazy and is so hard to prove is because you have to yeah. prove knowledge and intent from all of those people when yep. it's easier what they call like occam's razor or whatever right it's yeah. easier if you can find some type of like you said selfish or self-serving reason why they would do something it's yep. easier to just chalk it up to all of these things for a for a a regular person quote unquote right but you yep. get three weirdos like us in a room and we're like no fucking way there's yep. no fucking way because even on standard statistics or whatever you want to call it 12 and a half percent chance that uh, Gina Haspel is going to end up the CIA director after she's also the person who helps lead into 9-11. Yep. That's fucking weird. That's really fucking weird, you know? And uh, you have to... Because you're talking In like, some instances, you have to ignore things, yeah. you know? You have yeah. to ignore coincidences, things that might seem like a coincidence. That's like... You have to... You have to almost infer that someone had knowledge that would 
make them do something for a certain reason. You know, otherwise I don't have doesn't make sense. Right. I don't have any way to know that you had this information, but I don't know why the fuck else you would do it mm-hmm. if you didn't have this information. You and, know? And yeah. to go down the trail of the thousand plus people that are gonna make small, minute decisions that benefit them in the end, not knowing the outcome, is impossible to do. It ends you, this, and this is such a good example of this guy, like I said, the document he ended up with that proved all of the, the, the enhanced interrogation programs, the cover-ups, everything, was 7,000 pages. That's insane. It took him years to compile it, and several people who quit over time, the CIA got involved, they hacked a server, so he had to steal documents because the CIA refused to allow him to release the information that incriminated them, right? Under whatever fucking reasoning, he had to steal documents to even allow this report to even begin to come to light. Seven thousand pages he was paid by the federal government to compile it and they still refuse to release it right because uh, for what reason because it incriminates the ca because the ca refused to allow it to be done you know that's what it takes and no one wants to read they even said they said in this movie so i'm sure twenty thousand more people said in real life no one wants to read seven thousand pages to find out that your government is fucking you over yeah why would you want to do that? Because it's just, it's torture. It's personal torture, yep. you know? We can't even read the 5,000 pages in fucking spending bills. It's, and it, it takes, and like neither I said, are, are any of the people voting on it. Like them. I said, it takes weirdos like us, yep. right? Larry, to read a, oh, an entire spending bill and write on Facebook about it to his friends who's yep. like, hey, I don't know who cares about this or if anybody wants to know, but I read the entire bill and this is actually what it says. Yep. So here you go. It takes people like this that are willing to put that work in, to make the connections, to take the risk, I would even, I would risk to say, right, to say that shit, that there, this is not a coincidence. This is, this is on purpose, and if you choose to ignore it, then that is on you, but there is too much here to say this is a coincidence. Yeah, and I I think on yours, uh, I always wonder if they're trying to make it complicated on purpose. Because, like, on that, and again, right, these are just weird coincidences. I, re- I read a lot of the tax bills, right? I, re- I read them a lot. That's and why we love you. That's how you go to bed, right? You pull up the tax bill. He's <laughs> got his glasses on. It gets you so jacked. Like, you're actually doing it. Like, man, I've never been this excited in my life. But, like, I wonder, I, I think two things always, really three things that have led me to kind of, I don't know if, there's a conspiracy to throw everyone, but I do think somebody, I, I think everyone's talking, right? And it really started with Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself, right? Like I, don't, I, I think that story was the first time I can remember reading an article and going, wait a second. Like, yeah. th- like, like, like this is this is like this is the craziest thing ever. Yep. And then the yep. second thing was like these bills, right? I would read the bill, and I would be vi- I would be shocked that even when they put the bills out, they don't put them in plain text, right? No. And I've heard a lot of people be like, "Well, you need the legal language for the implementation." And I constantly go like, "Now I know, like, no, they don't, right? The way they implement them is not always the way they write them, right? Like a yeah. lot of it's allocation. So like if you wrote a bill." sign it into law, and then just wrote it out in plain English so everyone can understand what's going on, right? No references, no hidden languages, no references to IRC, no references to prior bills. Like, literally write out what you want to happen. Then through the implementation, write out all the messy stuff, right? They refuse to do that. And the last thing is, I can't remember the last time we voted on a specific bill unless it's to kick the can down the road for funding, funding our government, 
or B, raise the pay wages of the senators. Yeah. And I feel like that's so insane to me. I think those three things really crystallize it to me. And not that I'm a huge conspiracy theorist, but that there's some element of teamwork going on at a higher level. And I don't know if the people who have the most control are thinking about us. Oh, oh absolutely not. It's definitely an us, ver- at least in my opinion, <laughs> this opinion, right? That's where we're at today. It's, it's an us versus them thing. And that's why I feel it's slightly facetious, right? But I feel comfortable in saying, tweeting, putting out wherever the fuck, every major institution hates you and wants you to die. It's because it is us against them. And then, like I said, it may be slightly facetious because if you pick a random person who works at HHS, that person doesn't want you to die. You know, they don't actually want you to die as an individual, but the people who are at the top of these organizations only care about themselves and they're going to do whatever they have to do to further their own growth, their own security, their own safety, their own financial, whatever, and make it look like they're doing it for you. And that's the internal, that's part of it, in my opinion, right? Why these bills are so fucking long. And that's why they say that legal text is needed, even though it's not. It's needed so that when it comes into question, you can turn it again in your favor. That's why it's written this way, is so that it can always serve you, regardless of what the end outcome is with this particular bill. Mm -hmm. That's why it's written that way, you know? And it feeds on the same thing we were talking about, the apathy. You see that. And why would I, as a regular person, if I have one kid, two, even me, right, if I wasn't doing this podcast, why the fuck would I want to take time to read a $5,000 or a 5,000-page bill just to know that my government is fucking me over. Why would I want to do that? All that's going to do is make me want to fucking kill myself because the one place, the one entity that is telling me they want to protect me and they care about what's best for me is showing me through their actual legislation they don't give a fuck about me. Like, why would I want to do that? You know? It's... Well, I mean, there's obviously... dark. Yeah. And there's obviously the... I guess, I don't know if it's more cynical than that, but it's on the same level, I think, in my mind, is from their perspective, if they throw out a 5,000-page bill that's full of, you know, legal gobbledygook, they know no one is going to read and oh, comprehend yeah. it, so they can literally do whatever the fuck they want to definitely do. Definitely not a plebe, you know? The you plebes know, are definitely not takes, reading a 5,000-page bill. It only takes a page. To or maybe a few pages because of the way they space and do all their shit, but like it, it should take you ten minutes to draft up a literally a life-altering piece of legislation that you could throw into that five thousand pages, and no one's going to know that those four pages even exist. No, no. How easy would it be to do that? And I understand, <coughs> excuse me, that in the in the realm of that five thousand page omnibus legislation type of deal. The general reasoning behind that, their current excuses, if you will, would be to say, like, so Derek Kilmer, our local representative here, can input a tiny little piece of legislation that gives, I don't know, fish and wildlife at the state level an extra million dollars to help do this thing for the salmon, right? So that they can... They say, yeah, we we put these earmarks in there. We put these little bills in there that all the little states need and all the representatives are actually there to try to get passed, to try to get funding to help their states. Right. So they could put those into the bill. That, like I said, that would be the excuse for allowing something that is 5,000 fucking pages that nobody can fucking read. Right. It doesn't hold much weight 
it doesn't stand you know the argument doesn't stand up to much scrutiny but it's an easy enough thing that they can say and most people would believe so let me ask this in response right and this is to you larry because we've talked about well, obviously we talk almost every day so we talk about background le- legislation things that are going on and i know you've said in the past that you are in favor of voteramas right and it seems like that would kind of oh, i think that we lost you on on the microphone there Oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> okay. And it seems like that probably leans to what Colin is saying, right? Um, so your stance on a Votorama, first of all, of what a Votorama is, right? Because I think a lot of people don't yeah. know what it is. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but then also why you're in favor of them. Because like I said, I think that leans kind of towards what, what Colin is. Not exactly, but in that vein, you know, of having to put your mark on something, being able to put your mark on something. Hundred percent. And so the Votorama is basically a circumstance when, oh my gosh, I always forget this is when uh, the budget, the what's it called, the the, the reconciliation package. Is, yeah, the debt ceiling raise is in conjunction with the reconciliation, and there's a fifty-fifty headbutt, and then they have to go through what's called the Votorama in order to decide. It literally happened. Never had. I don't know. It happened before. I don't remember what. But it happened just it means, in the last few years. Um, I don't. I don't remember when. I don't was. remember. I know. Yeah. I know it, it was, was very recently. recently. Yeah. yeah, very contemporary during Donald Trump. And it's amazing. And I just found out about okay. this. Right, this is all new to me. But what happens is you have to parse out and you have to vote on each individual topic one at a time. And they literally sit there and they stay. They sit there for like eighteen hours and they vote on each one. And I think it would be the greatest thing for America. I think it would be super cool for a a political reset, if you will, to have everybody put their name on a topic. And I like that. I'm sorry. 2015. 2015. 2015. So it was yeah. the, the, last, yeah, the, the, the end of Obama. Obama. I'm sorry. Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. I thought it was during Obama, but I couldn't. Yep. That's my bad. So it might even be the Ameri- the Affordable oh, Care Act. That's what I'm thinking. It might it even be the Affordable Care Act at the tail end of Obama. I have Funny, this, I have this Prager U video. The infringement into people's lives other than, say, like the deep fundamental constitutional ones. Um, What's the Daily Signal? Was the first time they create if that's the case if it's the um the affordable care act isn't that funny that that's the first time a voterama would be used was to force through the most intrusive piece of legislation that affects everyday americans in their daily lives it affects every single business that is in operation isn't it funny and coincidental that's the first time a voterama was ever done right and so, and the reason, does it make sense the way that I connected those things or is it that does. totally out of, okay. No, it does. <clears throat> um, I just, I had that thought. I was like, isn't it No, 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 absolutely. Like maybe. We can see this, this video is a minute. that adds to my category that's not a great idea. This video is a minute and 39 seconds long. Do you guys want to watch this video? It's about the Votorama 2015. I don't know. Yes. I mean, we can, oh. we can like watch it. I don't know. Should we play the audio? Should we not? Is the audio yeah? If the, if the audio is good enough, we sh- we could do that. I would assume it would be fine. Okay. Tonight, your senators will be taking part in an all-out voting blitz. Yeah. Notice Votorama. It's a marathon voting session where senators vote on an unlimited number of amendments at the end of debate on a budget resolution. There is just one caveat. All of the amendments are non-binding, but it does give senators a chance to go on the record about certain issues and inject new ideas into the political bloodstream. Take the ban on earmarks in 2008. These senators were all running for president, and they returned to Washington, D.C. That's Hillary Clinton, John McCain, and Barack Obama, Okay. just so everyone knows. These senators, who she says. 
D.C. to vote on the ban. The last voterama happened in 2013, and senators filed more than... Oh, come on, Oh. Will said it sounds great here, so perfect. If we get the signal back. <laughs> yeah. You guys are in the middle of nowhere with your uh, with that signal, huh? I know it. Fuck it. I have Wi-Fi. Yeah. Oh, it's probably because I'm also streaming. Five hundred But they only time. ended up voting it's on just working. over 100, which still took over 13 hours. Ooh. And this year is sure to be especially interesting with the 2016 presidential election right around the corner. And a number of Democratic and Republican senators are expected to throw their hats in the ring. There are a few issues that definitely will be the subject of amendments at this year's Votorama, like the Affordable Care Act, the Keystone Pipeline, climate change, and equal pay. Keystone. For the new senators who've never been through Votorama before, heed the advice of former Senator Jim DeMint. When you're in the cloakroom, be sure not to change the television channel from the basketball games. So in other words, every don't watch. major institution hates you and wants you to die. That's how I feel. That's his advice. <laughs> don't change from the basketball games. Every major don't institution hates us. you and wants you to die. That's how I feel don't about watch us that. Do this. God damn it. Am I? Am yeah. I? Am I? Gr is my argument against Votorama growing on you guys at all? So, so the reason, just to lay it out, the reason I connected I those the concept, two things, though. obviously, is because people are having to put their names on shit. The reason mm -hmm. they're different, obviously, yes. because they're non-binding. Yeah. So everyone can throw yes. out whatever the fuck they want, and that's why this one was talking about um, injecting new political ideals. Yeah. Is because it's not going to go anywhere, and I think that's actually how maybe the Green New Deal was brought up the first time, or was that just brought up as a resolution? Is that what it was? I think it was a resolution. doesn't matter. It's the same concept, but though. You inject something it's, it's into It's non-binding, yeah. It's yeah. just a... So it's I think like, yeah, that, we'll all agree to think about that. Right. And it speaks, it speaks to your idea in the way that people would have to put their names on things and to give them the opportunity, but unfortunately, it's, it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> so, yeah. Or it doesn't have to, you know? Yeah. And that's my major fundamental problem with it, because I get the concept, right? I understand it, um, and because there's a lot of there's a lot of positive political factors there. You, like you said, you can see how everybody's voting on these things. You can, you know, as legislators, you can put something in like a Green New Deal into something, and it's the same concept. So you can see if there's any, you know, you could take openly stick your finger in the air and see which way the wind's blowing, as like a in this case, as a party, because generally that's why these amendments are bringing up because the party chooses to do this, right? So I get the concept there, yeah. but my major problem with it is it is basically the way it's supposed to work on steroids. It's on fucking speed, man. It's going a billion and a half miles an hour. So there is no real life discussion over all of these things that should be talked about because obviously right. they're getting political pressure from somewhere. Right. They're all trying to get reelected. And so there's there is reasons to talk about these things. And when something as, you know, fundamentally binding as legislation, that is not the place to try to be rushing through one of these conversations, especially something like it's, the Affordable Care Act. Like yeah, you said. It, yeah, exactly. Something like that, like a some form of state funded health care, I think should be I think we could probably figure that out if we wanted to offer it as a service. Right. I could I could be persuaded into doing that, you know, given our current situation. But that during a voterama is not the time to fucking do that. No, that should be debated for years as a society.
multiple representatives should be having those conversations. And so when you're doing something that fundamental on that short a timeline where there's no real chance to actually talk about these things, I mean, you're playing with fire here. This is about to become law. There's going to be billions of dollars exchanged. There's going to be massive amount of people's livelihoods affected in some fashion for positive, for worse. I mean, these, these things should not come lightly. And so we should be we should not be allowing that shit to, you know, possibly dangerous legislation. Just open ourselves up to that. I mean, we're playing Russian roulette here. Something seriously devastating. You know, all the crazy shit they hid in like the Patriot Act, like all these all these things are being just shoved into 5,000 fucking pages and everybody's going yay or nay. And in a voterama, yeah, you get to find out where these people land on those those topics, but you don't really know what the law is going to do. This is too dangerous to be playing at this high speed a game. That's my problem with the voterama. And I hear you. I think the problem is this. Like, I, I don't think, I think the average politician is trash and we need to get out. And I think the average politician, I think the, the sign of a good politician is your ability to weasel out of the, out of the question, right? Like, how many times have you yes. watched debate? Yeah. They'd be like, uh, what do you feel about bread? And you're just like, well, you know, when I was a boy, I ate some lemons and I love lemons. That corn pop gave you. 100%, right? And so... I want a voterama just because I think I think our system's already lost, right? Personally, right? I think the people who have the control at the highest level are not going to give any of it back, and I think they're going to construct ways to take more. I think that's where we are, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think the only way to do it is we have to shatter the, through the people's glass, and so we're going to need something miserable to happen in order so you're an accelerationist. to get to the point where yeah, because again, right? Because right now we're we're just gonna have a steady stream, right? Like Nancy Pelosi's literally. Uh, just think about this: a hundred millionaire, not even a zombie. She's a hundred millionaire <laughs> making less than two hundred thousand dollars a year for the last forty years of being yeah. a public servant. It's weird, yeah. right? Hundred percent. That's not a percent rate. That's if you're like the, like type that into a a, a calculator, right? Mm -hmm. That's you maxing out your your four hundred one k at like twenty four thousand dollars. And then continually making a ten to fifteen percent return. Meanwhile, the rest of us peons out here are lucky to get an eight to ten percent return. That's that's consistently for thirty years. Mm -hmm. That's that's disgusting. That's 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 literally unheard of. So right? is it, that's what is it the fact that like you think there's an end and it'll come quicker if we just let it happen? Because it's growing at an exponential rate. Is that? Just let, yeah. let's just let it happen, and then we could get there, and we'll deal with it after that. I think again, COVID was a big eye opener for me because I, mm -hmm. I for I most of us, the smart one, yeah, yeah, right. I think I was a libertarian, and I realized that being a libertarian doesn't work, right? Because I think that what happens as a libertarian is we, uh, at our base probability, to sum it up, we don't care, right? It mm -hmm. like I've always thought libertarian was like, hey, do whatever you want. Leave me the fuck alone, and we'll be cool. And I think what we learned was that if we're not doing anything, they're just going to move more ground, right? And so what happens is it's 0 and 10, and you're like, okay, well, we're at 0. We're fine. And they're like, oh, we're just going to hang out at the 1. And you're like, oh, okay, whatever. Just leave me alone. I'm going to hang out at 0, right? Now they're at fucking 11, and we're still we were, we're, we're still trying to be like, nah, it's fine. It's not really affecting me. Well, they're coming for it because they're never, ever moving back. And so I don't know what to do to get people to understand 
of how much we're losing, right? Like my big thing on COVID is not the, the, the shot. It's that we will never get it back. And people are just comfortable with it because mm-hmm. no one sees it. Because every time they're going to happen, they're going to make an emotional pill. They're going to change the story or they're going to gaslight mm-hmm. me and then tell me I'm wrong. I'm racist or something. And so that's what I get frustrated about. And, and especially like during COVID, right, to just illustrate the importance of what you're talking about. Um, when you say they're they're coming to take what, you know, what this is, I mean, what you're talking about them taking is your, your freedom. That's because that's, if there's anything that's been taken away during COVID, it was, you know, the actual concept of freedom. It's, that's yes. what they took away because they, ha- they have officially laid down a marker in the sand that says, if this happens, you lose your freedom and we get to tell you how much freedom you have. And, you know, luckily they haven't, we haven't gone Australia, but the, the flag has been laid and they, and people are okay with it. And a good example of that is, is our own state, right? Where I think the last number I, I had track of was that there were 13 challenges to Jay Inslee's executive power during COVID. And the state Supreme Court had ruled in Jay Inslee's favor all 13 times. All 13. So even though we are not at Australia yet, right? Our state has already set the precedent, like you said, of this is fine. He's allowed to do this if this is happening. And if they've already ruled it once, the precedent has now been set. And if it happens again, the legal precedent is already there. They've already killed freedom. It doesn't matter if it's 100 years from now, 200 years from now. We are still using precedent from Uh 1865 if it's still the standing precedent, right? Nothing has changed since then. That's still the precedent that we're using because it's been tried and true over and over and over again from case after case after case. Precedent, baby. So if it, like I said, even if it doesn't happen from 100 years from now, the last thing, the last time we had a vaccine mandate, right would have been during polio and people were given the option of a fine that's like just just now starting to become a discussion until then it was completely ignored because like you said larry and like you said colin is to take more the last time you had the option of a fine this time you do not it's there is no fine option this time you either get the vaccine or you don't go out to eat you get the vaccine or you don't get to do whatever you want you get the vaccine or your freedoms are limited uh-huh. right and that's we've seen it in germany even outside of australia in germany oh. you're unvaccinated Ooh. you get to do nothing now if you're in france yep. you get to do nothing now if you're unvaccinated i saw a video just yesterday maybe even this morning of people eating in a restaurant in france oh God. while they're walking around the police officers are walking around taking people's papers rescanning people's papers who are actively yeah. eating food in a restaurant it's not even French yeah. anymore. It is to maintain your existence in somewhere where you've already been checked. You yeah. now must show your papers again to and, prove that we didn't fuck up the first yeah. time. And to make matters worse, there are, I, I mean, if you spend any time on the internet, you'll see them. Um, there are massive, massive protests happening in every one of these places, and nobody's covering it. No. And in nobody. In Italy, there is there no. They're changing the videos to have that conversation because they know they can't win that one. No. In Italy, everybody wants freedom. In Italy, they were changing the videos from the live feeds on the streets. So if you were on the street, you could see that there were mass protests there. But on the cameras on the government websites, it was just an empty street. It's just cars there, just parked cars, just nothing. They're literally changing the information on the internet so that you cannot see it. And can I just 
one kind of witty thing here. Can these people just stop doing this? Because the goddamn globalist corporate elite fucking, you know, commentator, fucking conspiracy dudes, whatever they're labeled as, you know, like those guys, you're not helping your case. Yep. When you are systematically shutting, you know, you're not shutting these protests, I mean, these mass protests down, because literally it would take an army to do that. There's tens of thousands of people out here. And by just, fuck, there was a point I was going to make and I lost it. But by choosing not to cover that, you're already planting your flag into saying, like, this is not okay. Right. No, you don't, you don't get to fight for your freedom. I'm sorry. There's none of that. There's none of this stuff going on. They're silencing that message. Even though they're not actively resisting, that's what it was. Even though they're not pushing back with the armies, they're still silencing it. They're saying, no, that's, you guys don't get to know that exists. Which is, again, like, like we haven't, in America, even in the, the bluest of blue, the hardcore, in, even in California, right? You still have, in the, in the grand scheme of freedom, like you could still live your life the way you want to probably, Pretty effectually, right? To a certain extent. You're not going to feel like your freedom is lost, but that's not what is actually important here. What is important is that the the concept of actual freedom is what they destroyed, and they've already proven yeah. that they could do it. Yeah, and I I think again I I think not just their concept of freedom. I think that they've made it normalized that we're asked like like that we like we feel good to get back to like what's not even normal like people are gonna feel good when we go and they're gonna be like hey we did it right knowing in the back of the mind like that they can now control us right that's the problem with the vaccine in my opinion is the bodily it's it's bodily sovereignty right and it's 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 where i've always struggled it's why i was ultimately pro-choice right and my it's body why, my honestly, choice 100 percent. it's why i've always been pro-choice right yeah. and on that i think it's why honestly I've circled back to become pro-life, which is just crazy. But like the bodily sovereignty was something that mattered, right? Like who, like to lay your moral judgments on me, like that's on you, but it's on me. So like, it's not for you. It's my body. Right. And mm -hmm. now we are going to get it back in theory, right. In March, like, right. Like the vaccine, like when the mass first started, there were so many people that were mad. And then it just got extended to March and no one said anything. Right. So when they give it back to us, we're going to feel like, we're, we're going to feel good. We're going to feel like we've been rewarded when in, in in reality, we just got used to being tied down. Yes. Yeah. A really good example of that. Jay Inslee, our Lord Inslee, right? Our governor yeah. just had a press conference Lord yesterday Inslee. that I watched and he had a question about lockdowns, right? The Omicron variant is popping off now. So people are getting scared. The CDC has officially told us that it's a concern. So everyone can officially be concerned now because so the, all the CDC is told are us, telling you to be afraid. Everyone be afraid. The CDC literally said it's officially concerned. So the only person that didn't is the doctor that now. discovered it. Yeah, the doctor who just—it's a—it's a really good point, Colin. It's so weird you say that. The doctor who actually discovered the Omicron variant is like actually it's not that big of a deal. Uh, it seems to be maybe even less of a deal than the Delta variant, and, uh, except then, the fact that it doesn't give a fuck if you're vaccinated. Yep. And then again, potentially for YouTube's sake, yeah. potentially because we don't for, know that yeah, for yeah, certain. Potentially. That's right. We're not that big. Um, we could talk. We could say whatever we want. Anyway, Lord <laughs> Lord Inslee, right? Yesterday, yep. he got a question about lockdowns. Are we going to go back into lockdowns? Like, is you know, is that something that you're looking at? And he says. I don't even know why you're saying that. We don't have lockdowns. Restaurants are open. People can go to restaurants. We're just telling people they should get vaccinated. So you're saying that th things were never locked down. 
that there was never a point in time in this state in which you couldn't go and sit down in a restaurant. Is that what you're saying? Because that's not true. That's a, that is a lie. There were, in fact, several weeks, possibly even months, in which I could not go to the restaurants that I wanted and yep. sit down and have a meal. If I wanted to get food there, I had to order it and sit in my car and wait for them to bring it out to me. Yep, that's so real. That, that happened. That is a real thing that happened. There were actual points in time in this state where people were not allowed to go to work. They were told they needed to stay home because they were not essential yep. personnel. Unless Colin was told for chosen. 48 hours that he wasn't essential personnel. He couldn't go to work. Yep. There was real question whether or not we were essential personnel. We make splints for infants. I make devices, medical devices that change the life. And I'm not self-aggrandizing. This is <laughs> this is the literal. I've made splints for children who are two, three days old. Yep. You're telling me that that's not an essential service? There was literal question about that, right? There were people who were here, like I said, bartenders and shit, who couldn't work. One of the guys in our fantasy league didn't work for an entire year because yep. he worked in a bar. The bar was closed. Wasn't allowed to be open. Couldn't See, go to the bar. You're going to tell me lockdowns didn't exist? Yeah. Thank you, right? And the fact that you got to label someone like essential or not essential like, yeah. what like when, you, when you're bringing home money and this is my big problem right? and this gets me juiced up right when you're the income for your family and they're relying on you and you're not working and getting paid because you're not non-essential that job feels pretty fucking essential and that's why it doesn't fucking work right because yeah. like even if you're just a goddamn janitor right making your 15 dollars an hour in washington well like well fuck like that's an essential part of my goddamn day and what happened, and this is the, again, I'll say it all the time. This is the apathy because what happened? Yes. They took it away. Uh -huh. What did they give us? They gave us our little fucking little, little snicker treats, right? It came down. Yep. And then everybody was literally sucking to the tea, right? And even if you wanted to go back, if you want to make yourself, sometimes they would tell you no. And that's insane. And that's, again, another reason I can't go back to Washington because yep. I see what it can be and how comfortable everybody was like that. People they were fine here, with it. Like, I really hope and we don't turn into California because I mean I am not I'm not going to be able to you know afford a living honestly in a place like California. So I would be one of those people that would have to move. Like economic refugee, I have to go somewhere like all those people that fled to Austin. And today you're you're seeing these people now that that essentially, essentially made the, the decision at, at the, the time, time to, to not leave and to stay here and fight. fight. I, I love this place. place. I don't want to leave. Um, Bridget Fetisy was one of those people. Was. Now she's leaving because they lost the fight. Right. So what I'm asking myself is... what She was in California and now she's moving to Texas, Texas right? Yeah, she's moving to, I think, Austin with everybody else that's over there. But, you know, that's what I... My hope is to not be Californian. You know, I'm probably right there with you, Don, obviously, because we haven't actually seriously had to look at leaving but um you know it's it's always out there i want to be a bridget fetisy but i just don't want that end i don't want her story i don't want to move to austin you know what i mean wherever our austin is i don't want to have oklahoma <laughs> fuck it at this point it's probably gonna be so, i but, i think i think the interesting thing that uh, you guys again i feel bad for you guys because right now you guys feel possibly like the minority and if you came oh, down bro. here, yes, it would be you would be the majority. It's so uncomfortable. Like it's me, literally like. Let me it's tell amazing. you that going into uh, Target, um, because we've talked about I don't wear masks in store anymore. I will wear a mask. I was just thinking about this earlier today, so it's really funny. We can talk about this afterwards. I do wear a mask in the Gliding Eagle gas station because for some reason I have it's this. Federal. 
I have this one, I have this weird respect of, like, they're, like, technically a sovereign nation, uh -huh. so, like, if you're asking me to do it, like, I'm, I'll yeah. do it, you know? So, I don't know. It's Mark. That's, like, the only place that I'll still wear a mask is, like, inside the Gliding Eagle gas station. I don't know what it is. I totally understand that Anywhere feeling. else I go, yeah, I don't, like, Safeway, Walmart, any other place, I don't go. And I, there are, <clears throat> like, Liberty thing. It's that's weird, why. yeah. Because they're sovereign. Um, and they they're, I am one of less than five people in any of those stores not wearing a mask. Everyone yeah. else is wearing a mask. Everyone. And and they look at me, at my wife, at my child like we are we're we are a mistake. We are potentially a threat to them because we're choosing not to wear a mask, which is you're like, one you don't of even know. the oddest things I've ever felt. Um because we and we've talked a lot about the mask and stuff here and with my wife and stuff that I'm like it, the weird thing is that it doesn't your cloth mask doesn't work. Yeah. Right. If you yeah. if everyone was wearing an N95 mask and I was still choosing not to wear a mask, I could see an argument in which you're like, you're the only one being a fuck. No. You know. So this I is could, the point. I still wouldn't agree. I still would not yeah, agree. Okay. But I could okay. I could okay. understand. Yeah. I could begin to understand where they're coming from because at least they're doing something that works. Yeah. Because when you're all mind... wearing a cloth mask that actually doesn't do anything, yep. I don't even begin to buy your argument that I'm a piece of shit because what you're doing is fake. It's complete optics. It doesn't actually work. You're telling me that I don't care when you don't actually either because you're not even wearing a mask that fucking does anything at all. Yep. And that was one of the things that pissed me off about that Inslee speech because he harped on that. So we know the masks have an incredible effect on the right. spread. and I'm like, it's Don't, not genuine. No, it does not. It's not genuine. It's virtue signaling. Yes. That's what I'm saying. If it was at least if you were all if you're wearing an N95 mask or whatever the fuck, at least I feel like your argument is genuine. I still don't agree. I still think that you're full of shit. I'm still not. I'm still not going to do it. Yeah. But I still. I might feel like what you're saying is genuine. You're not just fucking virtue signaling. You're doing whatever because that's what you feel like you need to do. Yeah. You know. And if everybody is sporting N95 masks, I'm going to assume. That if I saw that in actual society, some shit is popping off. Something's going on. Some like shit is some popping off. Some airplane is popping off. I should like, maybe and consider I'm probably going to be doing what they're doing because there is no, like there. In my mind, if I actually saw that, that would make sense. Because we're in the N95 game. That. But that's what we're doing now. But that's what we're, we're not doing. That we're no. what we're doing is fake. There's no reason it, to be doing it. We know what this is now. Is a fake. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And like at the end of the day, does. The vaccine work huh. right because if it works then we're okay because like here's what i'm saying if you have a vaccine and you're wearing your n95 and another mask over it who cares when i'm breathing you're fine yeah and, but we've convinced it like it's just backwards unless someone's going to tell me that like you're not fine because the vaccine doesn't work when i give you the co vaccine but if someone with the vaccine gives you the the, the covid that it does work like someone's gonna have to yeah. explain to me. Like someone's gonna have to make it make sense, right? We've so, been convinced yeah. that my my choices now affect you. Yeah. And that's yeah, because the problem here is, right, there's some legitimacy there's legitimacy to the quote unquote vaccine, right? It if, does something. It does things, right? It it benefits certain people in a certain way. It does do that. Yes. But the problem is that's not the conversation being had had here. I mean, it's the same. It ideally is the same lack of conversation that happened around all the preventative things to help keep you from hospitalization and death when you catch COVID. Yeah. Or quote unquote, if you catch COVID, it's it helps with those things. It helps bolster those those type of 
immune responses, if you will, right? It offers you a level of protection that the numbers show does provide you some, we'll never know, we'll never know how much because there's no control group, right? Other than the unvaccinated people, right? So you have that comparison, but you have weighted averages and populations and whatever in extenuating circumstances, but it offers you some level of protection from hospitalization and death. The numbers do show that. Right. Right. But as far as transmission goes, that is not the case. There still is no, and this is just to add yep. to your, there's people, I, I begin to people that's all the time. There still is no active tracking of breakthrough cases of COVID-19 for people who've been vaccinated. Jordan, uh, Jordan's dad and his wife both just had COVID. Both are vaccinated. Mm-hmm. He's talking about, I'm going to Vegas in like a couple weeks or whatever. I'm definitely going to get the booster before I go. Hold on. First of all, you just had COVID. If you get the booster, it's not going to work. It's not going to do anything. You just had COVID. All that shit is going to die in your system because you just had COVID. Second of all, you just had COVID. Why the fuck would you get another vaccine when you just had COVID? You probably have the best. Theoretically, you have the best protection that anybody could ask for right now because you are duly vaccinated and then you got COVID. Yeah. Right. Your immune system is literally doing the best that it can do towards COVID at that point in time. Third your of all, personal, yeah. your individual immune system. Third, when Jordan says this to him, he says, that's weird. My doctor didn't even say that to me. She says, I bet he did. All, I bet he also didn't tell you to call the CDC and report your fucking breakthrough case because he certainly didn't do it. Yeah. Kevin didn't do it. His wife didn't do it. The doctor definitely didn't fucking do it. So no one knows. Jesus, you know yeah. what I'm saying? How many people do we collective? And I'm not. Not fear mongering for YouTube, you know. I'm like, I'm not. This is a genuine. They're actively not tracking the amount of breakthrough cases. Yeah. So for people to tell you, for anybody to tell you that the amount of breakthrough cases is rare, they do not know that. Yeah. No one knows that. And if you can talk to people anecdotally, because that's all that you can do. We talked the breakthrough that happened in my office. Yeah. Half the people who got COVID, ten people got COVID, nine, ten people. Half of them were vaccinated. The person who gave me COVID was vaccinated. The per- patient zero in my office was vaccinated. What are we talking about? And I'm not said it a thousand times. I'm not telling you not to get vaccinated, but you can't tell me that you won't get it. You can't spread it or you're unlikely to or less likely to if you have the vaccine because you don't fucking know that. No one knows that. Yep. And even anecdotally, it seems to me this is totally anecdotal. Right from everything that I've read, because there aren't any statistics on it, it seems to me that there are more breakthrough cases than people who get COVID twice. Mm-hmm. Right? There seems to be more, again, anecdotal people who've got COVID twice if they got the alpha variant and then got it again later. Right? I'm not gonna it's, lie, I'm kind of worried that I might get it again at some point because you, it's been so long since and I who got knows? it. You might have also <laughs> had the very beginning of the Delta variant. Yep. You know what I'm saying? It, no no one knows. Well and I'm also no assuming one I should say I should add when I say that I'm also assuming that when I do get it, it's just gonna be shitty again. But it's gonna be fine. And because I do have some level of base protection. And right. It's it's no different than how I feel about the fucking other seasonal viruses that that flow throughout our society. And there's right. been I, a... I've, I've been exposed to them my whole life. I'm not concerned about this new one because I, I've been there. I'm there now. I understand. Not everybody is me. I know and... some people get it and they die within a day. We like get the... some weird yeah, but... shit. I don't know, but that's and 
The important thing to remember is that every time we talk about COVID, it leads to the freedom. And every time we talk about freedom, it leads to the COVID. But the two are indeed separate conversations. The freedom is the more important one, arguably, because it's more fundamental. The, the COVID one is also reasonable to have because it's, it's what we're all going through right now. We, it's the reason we lost our freedom. It's worth talking about. But the, the idea that we lost the freedom is still a separate conversation and is in no way have any play on how severe this thing could be airborne Ebola. We could still be having the same conversation, but the freedom argument still stands. Right, it still stands, totally separate. So, just keep that in mind when we're talking about COVID, I guess, because I just every time it happens, <laughs> every time, because they're, they're that's how we lost our freedom. Right. So that leads directly into it. But all this stuff about whether we should mask, whether you should get vaccinated, should not get vaccinated, has nothing to do with whether or not you should be free to make whatever choices no. you decide you want to make when it comes to the virus. Right. It just drives me nuts. But I will say. Like I said, I'm slightly concerned about it, but at the same time, it's just because it's no more fear than I'm worried about getting a bad flu every year. Sometimes it happens. It's like once every four or five years, I seem to just get knocked on my ass with the flu and it's fucking shitty. That's my level of concern with catching COVID again. Yeah. And that's, I feel like, I feel like that's a reasonable place for me to sit. And I think I'm being very rational about it. I'm not concerned. Really, you know, I'm not running around trying to justify everybody sporting a mask or forcing everybody to get vaccinated. I mean, like, I'm not there, obviously. I argue against it all the time. But, like, it doesn't mean that I'm not anticipating catching COVID again in the future. Like, I don't think I mean, it's ever going to go away. The good thing going for you. Yeah, the good, I don't think it's ever going to go away, right? I think no. it's going to be common cold, right? And there's some good things coming. One, we don't know how long immunity lasts yet, right? The natural uh-huh. immunity, right? Because we have to understand that... Like, even chickenpox, like, the shit lasts forever. It's yeah. still, like, we, we haven't had a... Like, we, we haven't had, like, any time for that this mature. Secondly, all available data coming out of South America, South Africa about... Uh, uh, um, I keep calling it Omicron. I know it's Omicron. Bro, Don't do it. You're going to piss it, off Colin. Uh, what? It, it triggers me, bro. Colin the first Omicron, me. to do this was Biden when he fucked it up. And then... It got into everybody's brains. I want everybody to start thinking about Futurama. Omicron Percy I8. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Think of that. Everybody watch Futurama. Get that shit drilled. Omicron Percy I8. Fuck it. I watch IRL, Tim Pool IRL every day, basically. And Luke Rakowski is Same. always calling it Omicron. And I want to punch him in the face. I hate it. <laughs> I want to punch Sorry. him in the face. <laughs> it is such. I've never had anything trigger me more than this. So Omicron. Yeah. All available studies about Omicron coming out of south africa sorry Larry, i had cut you off no no you're good I- i'm literally just sitting here just thinking about it but yeah everything coming out of there it's just basically saying that it's mild right so you'll yeah. get it but it's not leading to hospitalizations right yeah and i listen to uh, basically listen to just a wide gamut right but this is where i fall i don't care if you get COVID. i care if there's severe side effects from COVID, right uh-huh. and so for and this is a very harsh view but it's, it, it might be the military side of me it's just like you have to go do shit right because people are sick all the time and like shit like yeah. bad shit happens that being said what i've always been focused on is like how many people are going so like if there's a lighter version of this right and this is mutating itself out and one of my friends is trying to explain this to me because he's an actual doctor and i'm not so, <laughs> so listen to me i'm not a fucking doctor right if i had to say it that being said 
the way viruses work, like viruses like exist to remain in humans. They need humans to exist. So they're basically mutating itself down to a place where it could affect you because it's always going to affect you, but it's not going to be detrimental, right? Like the flu. Because we've ha- or the common right, cold. Like the flu. Right, exactly. Another coronavirus. If that's where we're going, like I'm, I, I don't want to say I'm comfortable, but like, th- th- and this is why I didn't want them to take any, any, any of the powers or exact any powers because they're not going to give it back. So now everyone's afraid. And yes. so now all they have to do is say a new variant and everyone's like, oh yeah, we should shut down. And the fact that no one said you can fuck all the way, like, that's why, again, not to just make you as Oklahoma, but I like Oklahoma because like, <laughs> Oklahoma's like, yo, you can fuck all the way off. I don't even and know the governor's at, name of Oklahoma, and I love that fact. 100% Governor Stitt. And listen, he's Ooh. not like Ron DeSantis. He's not like crazy. He's, he's not, not as good as Rob Stitt. 100%. He's trying and to he be on the DL and just do his fucking job. That might be nice. He's running a solid state. What I can tell you is like it was a big deal, right? Because – Florida's like an actual battleground state, right? So when the Democrats were like, hey, we're just not going to do anything here, that was a big deal. But just so you know, no one's running against that fucker too because he just said no. Like, it's not happening. Like, our hospital that's close literally had a mass ma- mandate and they rolled it back. They're like, it doesn't make any sense. At the hospital, bro? The hospital. Bro. And like, everyone, like, uh, when I tell you that people have nonsense, and here's the best part if you want to wear the mask here, no one says anything to you. Just yeah. live your fucking life. Yeah, dude. I don't got anybody. I don't got any problem with anybody sporting masks, bro. I actually think, in retrospect, looking back on my life and looking at like every time there was some kind of, you know, flu or some kind of like circulating virus that popped off in say, China or Japan or any of those, you know, kind of South Pacific nations, they tend to sport a mask when shit's going around. Yes, and like when they're sick. I kind of like that concept. It's like common courtesy almost Word. in Japan. And I kind of wish now like more people would have been doing that in my life. I would like that to generally be normalized. It seems like the neighborly thing to do. Don't be a dick. You got to go out. You got to live your life. You're not dying. But just try to keep that shit to yourself. You know, that's cool. I would not be I'm mad at it. That. It would be weird to at first, obviously, yeah, because we it don't be do it. But I think but that that's – I don't I'd think be that super that's down that. with that. So if, no problem. But like I know people, to go back to the hospital thing – like they don't have a mask mandate. I know people that just graduated nursing school that can't get a job in a hospital because they're not vaccinated. The yes. opposite, the polar opposite of what's going 100%. on in Oklahoma. That's insane. It, and you could just come down here again, and it's crazy because like, like I already look, got real estate for you. It's fine. Hundred percent. It's going to be cheap. It's going to be affordable. People I see love what this you. is and now, Larry. It's a. It's a fucking. It's a. It's a campaign. It's a con. It's a long it's con. So <laughs> it's not even a long con. I'm telling you up front. This is the long plan. I'm gonna buy like 600 acres, and I'm gonna. I'm literally Whoa, gonna. How many? Instead of what? How many acres? 600. Okay, I'm interested. Go ahead. And I'm basically going to try to get all my friends to come live in a place because this is what this is I'll what I realized, right? Uh-huh. So, Where's the zoning laws? How small can you chop up that piece of property? No, no smaller uh, than so, 20 acres, I would hope. That's what I'm. Well, I, I so I I think. I think people would be comfortable living in a community and hear me out. Uh-huh. I don't think people want the acreage. I think people want space to do the things they want to do. So my thought would be take about six acres, build a neighborhood and then take the other 594 and then allow people to live the way you want to live. Right. So you can go Freedom shoot wherever stand. you want to go shoot a hundred percent. You can go hunt. You can go hunt. Exactly. 
because I don't think people want to be spaced out. I think we need community. I think people are seeing that it's a shitty community. Yeah. So what if I took all these great people I'm meeting and then mm-hmm. not force them, but allow them to interact with each other? And I think that's when we'll start rubbing elbows in a way and start doing things, right? Because I think ultimately, you know, oh, like, wow. we, we want to work together. We want to do it. Right. So mm-hmm. I found a nice little piece of land. It's up in Wyoming. It's about 600 acres, and it's about one point something million dollars. And so, so you're going to take your crypto not... earnings, and you're going to buy this piece of property as well. Yeah, I'm going to buy cash. Yes, and then everybody's going to come. Larry, I'm moving to. Oklahoma. I will go. If you build it, I will come. Yes, but like I haven't even finished, right? So then I'll start the bank, right? And then everyone's going to pay me, right? To, hear me out to build on it, right? So you're paying me out, right? And then you're like, well, Larry, why do you want it? This is just a point for you to make money. Ah, I trapped you, my my my, my trap card here. Yeah. Uh, no, we're going to take yeah. all the proceeds on that, and then we're going to use that to facilitate the living and the growth of the community, right? So paying me through the bank, I'm just going to be the fiduciary for the community. Yeah. Because so, we need to generate and push money. The dividends go back and, into the community. And I am 100%. Right now, I'm because I'm thinking the land use legal side of things. Like, I'm generally not for homeowners associations. But homeowners associations as a concept just means, I mean, it's an anarchistic view, to be honest. It's a group of individuals so, getting together, deciding this is how they want to live in this neighborhood. They just happen to be tyrannical in modern-day practice. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so you draft up your HOA rulings because what you do is you take this giant piece of property and you plat it. And you have a, a fucking – let's say you got a 10-lot short plat. Everybody gets six acres. And then you have this – the rest of that 600 acres now becomes yep. a tract. It's a tract lot yeah. which belongs to the community, to the, to the HOA. And so you have a bank, a personal bank, if you will, a monetary company that is formed as an LLC, and you act – or, well, I guess – yeah, the financial part would have – that's your realm. You'd have to figure out how you'd, you'd build that, yeah. that company side of it. But then, yeah, that allows you to loan the people the money to do whatever, to pay for whatever it is based off of the interest that you're getting as that bank. Yes. You spend that money and you put it directly back into the community. That's capitalistic yes. communism. It's not capitalistic communism. But no, right? no, no, no. This like, is... it's, a, it's a good – let's think. I like communism when it's done but by it's, like 10 but people. It's not, it's, but it's right? anarchism. That's that's not communism because that's – It's anarchism. That's, it's a collective joined yeah. by individuals. Nobody's forced to be there. It's not – There you go. Yeah. It's that's anarchism. That's all people choosing uh-huh. to to – Electively enter into that yes. agreement, and, and it, it would doesn't be the sound like it's even a contract for somebody like me who wants to live that way. It doesn't sound like it's even a contract, other than the point that you have a house there, so you have connection What's to that, that area. Yeah. Why the fuck would you want to leave if you have a house and you have yeah. everything that you could want to have yeah. on this property? And by platting it, and, you know, doing it as lots and things like that, you as the individual that lives there could still have total ownership of this squ- this twenty acre Within square of dirt the, or whatever. Greater within the greater concept of property ownership, right? Yeah, of Larry. But yeah, but then everything else HOA wise, just like, no, you just agree to live the you know, the way we we live. And I think the problem with HOAs again is the problem with government, right? And the problem with government is that as you get more people, you lose the choice to have it ran, right? So if we keep it small niche and we control 
who the kind of people coming through, we mm-hmm. kind of start making decisions that we're aligned with, right? Yeah. Like whenever you're aligned with the people around you, you don't the decisions don't affect you as much because they go in a direction you care about, right? Like yeah. when your HOA makes you pay seventy bucks, right, and they get to clean your yard, and if your yard has to look a certain way, but you your neighbor doesn't give a shit or you don't give a shit about your neighbor, it's not gonna be be as bad. And like the difference is, the HOA is an extra fee too. This would just take the place of your mortgage, right? But you would see your mortgage, build your equity, and then go in to fixing it, right? So the HOA, your HOA is based into the interest owed. So it's not an extra expense. It would be the expense that's going to be normally occurred. Yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot. Yeah, a little bit. So it sounds like we're going to have to move to Oklahoma sometime in the relative future. He said it's in Wyoming. Wyoming. That's what I'm saying. Jordan said the same thing. So William Wallace said that he's in too. Yep. So these are all we and dude, we do some cool shit. Jordan's there. texting me. She's like, "That sounds fantastic." She's like, I'll, <laughs> "Like I'll start a bakery and I'll hire people." Yes. So just tell, listen, a mandatory reading. I think you guys would love it. I think you guys should listen to Atlas Shrugged. Oh yeah, I've been there. And, and I I really think it's interesting the way you guys describe your thought processes on uh, Washington, how you love it so much and you don't want to like you don't want to leave and you don't want to fix it and you don't want to go the way of like the. Fat- I always call her Fat Assy, which I feel is so insulting. But that's how I I read her name. Her name's Fatessi, but I always read Fet- her Fat Assy. Yeah, yeah. Fatessi. So I always call I mean, her Fat Assy. I'm never... sure she has a. That's hilarious. Yeah, but like if she ever hears it. this, I don't want to be disrespectful. She's a great woman, and I, I think she has a great podcast. That being said, um, you guys don't want to go the way of that kind of abandoning your roots. But I. I'm more black billed and I don't, th- I think it's super difficult to save people that don't want to be saved. Yes. Yeah. I guess my and own I argument think- would be, I think that as a, at collectively as a nation, we are on that same kind of doom path anyways. So hopefully if I stick it out long enough, we could rebuild here after everything yeah. is burned down. You know right. I mean? Cause we saw, and I've, I've said, I said That's this kind of earlier. Started prepping. I said this kind of earlier, like in certain States that people are going to their calling refuges, like Texas, it's too late for there. You yeah. know, it's already shifted. So many people left from yeah. California for other places to go to Texas. Yeah. That's not going to be the red dense. state that people left uh, their homes to flee to. Now yeah. it's, it's going to be a purple state at best. You know, and it might be okay. Is, like it, it might turn out okay, but it's not going to be what you went for. No, it's going to swing away from why people went there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know. I definitely, <laughs> I definitely understand the black pilling, um, and mm-hmm. it's something that I have to compete with consistently. And if you asked my wife, that would be probably part of the reason that she's consistently telling me that we should leave is mm-hmm. because of how often I'm coming home. Like these motherfuckers don't want it. They don't want freedom. They want yep. to suckle at the teat of the state because they are fucking afraid. You know, yep. when I, I don't know. I can't even think of a good example because it happens all the time. It happens all the time. Like every day. Due to myself, listen to NPR and shit in the car. You know, I do it to and uh-huh. to and from work all the time. Because I yeah. think it's important to know what the opposition is saying. But it's also, it's crazy. Some of the shit that I hear on there is insane. And that's, mm-hmm. those are my tax dollars that are going to that. You yeah. know, my, my tax dollars are helping fund this radio station that is actively turning my fellow constituents, my fellow state members against my ideology. Which is, and it's not even an ideology. 
because they're deeply held moral beliefs. I wouldn't even, it feels like it belittles my values to call it an ideology because it's so not something that could be traded for something else. The, the feelings that I have and the way that I feel about freedom and personal responsibility and personal choice are not fleeting things that are ever going to go anywhere because they don't change for me based off of your political ideology or anything else that you believe. I believe that everybody is entitled to these things, irregardless, regardless of anything else that they feel, you know? So it, it's, it's tough. It's very difficult, you know? Yeah. And that's what, that's what I say it tongue in cheek, but that's why I want my friends to move is because like a lot of them kind of have the same same kind of frustration, right? The frustration comes from them not seeing it, right? Not yes. seeing the proverbial pot that they're being boiled in. But then them not doing anything, and then you guys think, like, if I can just get them to X, if I could just Y, if, if only Z. And I think the problem that I have with that is, like, you're sacrificing your life too. And so it's frustrating for me when I see what you're offering them or what you what you could be doing for them and they're not listening for you but and then i just know that on the other side of this once you let that weight down there's so much for you and that's why i really think that you need to read listen to watch the movie of Shred because i think hey read them and i would be frank dakona just kind of talking you into this like I, it's the snake in your ear not for any other reason is i just don't think they deserve it this you you and my, I, mean? I think you guys are better than that. And my only counter to that would be part of my internal struggle is whether or not that is my path. You know what I'm saying? If if that eternal struggle is part of my path is to because I, I don't know. And I'm again, I'm not trying to self-aggrandize, you know what I'm saying? But I don't know if that's part of my path to sacrifice myself in my life, my sanity, my time, my effort into doing what I can to push forward this this idea, yeah. even if I don't see it come to fruition. You know what I'm yeah. saying? There so, are, this is a butchering of the quote, but it's from Thomas Paine of like saying like, I, I'm willing to live a shitty life so that my son can live a good one. Yeah. You know, even if I don't see it, it, it may be worth it to me to stick it out. If my son can stay here and live the life that I dreamed to live here, yeah, you know, so and I, I don't know. Tree? I don't know. What is yeah. the dream? It's, what, what, it's like, just, it's, what, it's just free. Why there? Like, why there, though? Is it because your family's there? If your family's there, no, leave it alone. It's not because this my family's here. And I, I without going into too much detail, because I don't want to air on the cast, my family is now essentially my friends. Uh, so yeah. it's so it's not it's not my family. It's because this is the only place I've ever lived. I've never yeah. lived anywhere else but the Pacific Northwest, but, but this state. Just come visit me. And I, I've, been, well, uh, I've been to other places. It's yeah. not that I've never been anywhere else. I've not, I've not traveled the world, but I've been to other places. And the, the connection that I feel to this place when I stand in the woods, in the rain, in the fog, yeah. is unparalleled to the feeling that I have anywhere else. Yeah. And it, it's difficult for me to to trade that. And that's definitely not to say that I can't discover that somewhere else. Because like I said, I'm not well-traveled. I, I have traveled places, but I'm not well-traveled. Mm. So there's potential 
that I could find that somewhere else. But um, without having felt that anywhere else, the only place that I felt that is here, you know. And because I know in myself that what we are saying is the truth, I it almost seems like a disservice to give up on these people because I know what we're saying is true. I know it to be true. And I know that like you were saying, if they could only understand, if they could only whatever, if they could see it, then they would know. And to a lot of people that sounds like ignorance and I'm, I'm willing to risk that, Mm -hmm. you know, but I know for a fact that freedom is the way to go. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And And I think that if people saw that, then they would, they would, they would know that they would recognize it. And and like, well, I don't know. If I was to try to put it in other words, I would say, like in my my perspective from what you just said was, um, you're not done fighting yet. Like you're you're not willing to you're not willing to give up yet. It's kind of I think the general feeling. You know, you're you're fighting a fight right now, and that's to to hold the ground. And right now, you don't think you've lost the battle. You know, the it's it's not time to retreat yet. And and find higher ground somewhere else. It's your, your faith in the, in the positivity of freedom is so well rooted that you're unwilling to give that ground yet and go pursue the freedom somewhere that is not, you're not, like you said, you're not as, you know, you're not the super world traveler and stuff like that. But I will tell you that I have traveled a lot and been to lots of different places all over the globe, all over this country, seen how lots of different cultures live and the, you know, the, the geography of different areas and this, that, and the other thing. And when I had the opportunity in my life to basically move wherever I wanted to go, I came back here and there's, I don't know what it was at the time, but I understand that feeling of kind of like home ground being like sacred ground. Like I've learned to truly appreciate the the landscape everything around here i mean we got some dope ass stuff if you if you like to spend time outside and be out in the woods and hunt and fish and feel like you're a part of the land or go see hikes or just look at gorgeous ass sunsets over like you know snow-capped mountains from like your backyard like you could do that a lot of places here like driving down the road driving home from work sometimes is just like it's a breathtaking experience yeah. if you're willing to accept it. But and so like I understand the the sacredness of of not wanting to leave, especially because right now you're in the middle of a fight. We're in the middle of a fight to try to protect it by trying to push forward those ideals of freedom, make people realize what it is that they're giving up and they need to fight back against it. I'm not ready to retreat either. Because but when I do retreat, I'm going to fucking Montana or Wyoming. And we're going to go hang out on this massive 600 because acre e- plat and live even if it dream life until they come for us. Because even if it doesn't spread, right, I still feel like I should have the right to believe what I believe in my home. And I shouldn't feel uncomfortable here, you know. And even if I can't change the minds of the dominant population here, the majority here, I feel as though the people who believe what I believe, I know that the people who believe what I believe have a right to exist here. They have a right to exist in this state and not feel uncomfortable and not feel alienated and not feel isolated. Mm -hmm. They have a right to believe these things because everyone has a right to believe these things, even if you don't agree. I shouldn't have to leave 
just because I don't agree with the people that live here. I should not be made uncomfortable to the point that I don't want to live here because people don't believe what I believe. I, uh, I'm i uncomfortable with that. You're always screwing that, up you know? my America. I'm, um, I don't want to let you do that. I, I 1,000% respect the the state's rights aspect of that's why we have different states so people who believe things can live where they want but i don't believe in people being effectively forced out of their home because they don't believe in yeah. the dominant ideology uh-huh. yeah very nicely uh, put I, and I, I so i think it's i think it's difficult for me for one reason like one i feel like a i feel like a quitter because you guys are just like i'm not giving up on anyone <laughs> I, I, I don't want to feel like a quitter found a new home that's all like this is still our home yeah I, I you've made a new home obviously and maybe your home is not rooted in a geographical location yeah and so no it's, yeah it's, so it's, it's not it's a person. our feeling it's isn't people. necessarily the same for everybody it's your yeah. dogs and your wife I, right well yeah it's it's my whole uh economy or a friendship if you will right because yeah. like i really think money's energy energy is money right so like where you spend your energy it's putting currency, money, time, investment, et cetera. And I think, yeah, it, it's just discouraging because, like, I feel like yes. when you read the book, you'll see it. But I feel like I've already, like, lived, not lived, seen the outcome of this. And I just don't know what it looks like for you guys to get out on the other side with a win. And so it's frustrating. So yeah. I keep building it up. For like, you guys are my only friends who are doing like the weird stuff like this, and so <laughs> I keep wanting to aggressively build it. So like, it's when weird, you're it's when, when it's done, you guys have somewhere to go. Yeah, I, I, we're I, all listen, weirdos. I, I own it. Yep. <laughs> Your yeah. wife is a weirdo too. I figured that out just over the last week. I'm like, so that's it. Is they're both fucking weirdos, and that's <laughs> that's, that's how they that's how they're together. Is that they're both yes. just fucking weirdos. And she puts up with my just my complete DJ plays. Like, she's the only woman I know who could just be uh, uh, just a million dollars in debt. Like, just literally wake up to like one point four million dollars in debt and just be like, okay. And you just know trust why? me implicitly. Because you up. you know for a fact that you have instilled in her the concept that the dollar is not going to last. So let's just ride <laughs> it while we can, baby. My husband's all invested in crypto. I'm, I got this. This monetary system ain't gonna last. I'm just We're gonna good. put these blueberries in a jar. <laughs> Everything's gonna be fine. Exactly. Okay. So we have like our weird things, right? So like I'm weird on money, right? I I wrote I wrote I wrote a, I wrote a blog about it. I do it. We keep nothing. We keep literally nothing in fiat, right? Like she'll she'll literally look at the bank account and be like, "What happened?" And I'm just like, "Shh." Don't and so I keep, it's okay. yeah, I literally keep nothing in the fiat, right? And so, but <laughs> she's so like wild, super. It, That's so wild. A hundred percent. Living it, dangerously, baby. Super dangerous, right? And like my friends look at it, right? Because like I, I, I use credit cards. Because like now, like you could pay your mortgage in a credit card. I yeah. don't pay my mortgage in credit, but you could pay your mortgage in credit cards, right? So you could do whatever you want with a credit card, right? Like if I needed money, I use the bank's money. That being said, <sighs> what what she's doing is she's in an all-natural kick yes. so like we're li- we're moving everything processed out of our house and it's it's weird because i i didn't realize how addicted to sugar was until she's like i start feeding for it and like i'm slow going off but like we're slowly moving everything processed and so what don's talking about is she started putting these organic blueberries into a uh Amazing into a jar. jar 
a message jar, right? Because supposed I was to preserve them for what life. this was. They keep no, hundred percent. Well, got an inside Jordan, joke that I don't know. I'm it's so funny excited. Because, well, it's only it's only funny to me because Jordan did this not three weeks before. That's perfect. Before Jordan Dixon did it, I so, love this. So they're obviously reading something similar because, like I said, oh, not three weeks before my wife did it. Now his wife is doing it. Oh, I'm like, so well, excited. It definitely works because I've seen it. Okay, so. I need to know what happens 100%. with the blueberries. They keep way longer. Yeah, they keep way longer. And then, but this is that how crazy sense. we are. Someone responds, it's like, hey, yeah, put a paper towel on the bottom of it and it'll yeah. last longer. And my wife responds with, we don't carry paper towels. Oh, yeah. We're crazy. I haven't used a paper towel in no exaggeration a year and a half. Let me ask you Whoa. something, Larry, because I saw. Um, she had some type of natural cleaner that she was using, right? Have you ever heard of a Hygieia bottle? I'm listening. Go on. So Hygieia, H-Y-G-E-A. It is a bottle, right, that you put tap water in. And it, uh, I don't remember what exactly. Oh, it ozonates the water, right? And so you can use this water to disinfect anything 99.99% on bees sort of god so my bosses who are obviously super crazy rich right they have these things yeah. in their house and they brought them into the office during covid because you can spray it on your body and use it as like hand sanitizer oh so that's you, what the thing is you spray it on Word. a surface wait 30 seconds 99.99% of germs are killed and then you just wipe her straight off. So they had a cleaning woman who didn't believe it, right? So she got some germ strips, some infection strips, some testing strips. She came into the yeah. office. She brought a, a chicken breast, right? She fucking tests the counter. It's good to go. She wipes the chicken breast on it. There's all kinds of germs and shit on it. She sprays the Hygieia bottle on there. She waits for 30 seconds. She wipes it off, tests it again. Zero germs. What the sh- So the Hygieia bottle is super crazy expensive, but... It's a one-time investment. It's a one-time investment that you literally put tap water into, and you can use it forever. So we got one last year during COVID, and we haven't bought any cleaner since then. And we've brought it camping. We've brought call you saw. We brought it camping. We brought it all over the place, and it works. Like wash the boys' hands off. Works amazingly well. Be great for that. So it it, wait. Is it a bottle? It's a spray bottle. It's a spray bottle. And it's a. it, it sanitizes the water that you use. There is a contraption inside of the bottle, yes. So you put the tap water into it, and then as it runs, it ozonates the water. And that allows you to get a really good clean. Yes. Right, I'm, all them I'm texting my wife right now. Oh, I I almost messaged her about it because I just saw it earlier today, but I knew I was going to talk to you, so I yeah. waited. Well, listen, honestly, now that I know that you're colluding with my wife... Uh, to buy me a present. Oh, 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 sir. I'm going to put you on the stand here. Don't perjure yourself before this. <laughs> Overruled. <laughs> but no, it's super, but like, it's super funny too. It's a funny that fifth. Jordan's also doing what Jordan's doing. That's yes. going to be awesome because they're both bakers too. And so I, I find it fascinating. I yeah. find it fascinating. <laughs> There's going to be, you get, fucking so world, boy. I'm sure we'll have them here. When I'm you guys... looking up Sorry. You you get you should get one. That says we've had one for almost a year, and we have not bought any cleaners since then. So it's pretty legit. We were on, you know, when COVID popped off, we're like trying to get Lysol wipes and shit like that. I haven't bought any anything like that ever since. Don't need it. Really? I, don't I, need it. I bought some aristalatized 
foam ammonia glass cleaner the other day, and I stocked up on paper towels at Costco the other day. I'm feeling real guilty about life right now talking to you. We use we use paper towels. <laughs> we use paper towels, but um, although we have to change our toilet paper now. I just discovered this. Why? Because Wait, Charmin, I haven't looked into this. I'm oh, just yeah. going off of, you know, the the boss. She she says that uh, Charmin apparently uses, I think, I don't want to, like, say the wrong tree, but they use some kind of, like, tree in the, like, I think in the rainforest or something like that to help, you know, like, as part of their paper, or they use some kind of, like, palm oil or something like that, which is very, you know, detrimental to the rainforest. And yeah, like yeah. That. In their toilet paper, so we can't use Charmin toilet paper anymore. So I guess I'm on that. Larry, what kind bit. of toilet paper do you use? I'm going to be completely honest, all right? Listen, I never cheap out on You got a bidet. Things. That's what it was. I have, like, the quinti- quintuple th- ply toilet paper, like the soft. I probably use Charmin. I don't know. You well, got, you're you you're in the some, army, so I imagine the shit that you have at work is is garbage. It's sandpaper. So yeah, it's super sandpaper. I think I've spent, and this is probably the grossest thing, but I have better wipes probably in the field from an MRE than I do from like the actual bathroom. And I've left the I've left work to use the bathroom. I do it a lot more than I'm proud of. If I my boss ever listens to this, it's gonna be a super funny because like that fraud, waste, and abuse I don't do. But if we really like, if we had to code out for my 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 twosies, it would be I would it would be rough for me. I am willing <laughs> to own that my tax dollars paid for you to take those bathroom breaks, <laughs> and as the person who paid your salary, I'm perfectly fine with it. Yeah, I I think. Thank that, you. Yeah. I need it. I need we can it. attribute that. Yeah, we can attribute that no if malice. to just my tax dollars, and I'm I'm totally cool yep. with it. So Just simply, gonna, somebody single ply sixty grit, five hundred dollar hammer, and it's really gonna piss me off. Single ply sixty grit, William Wallace says. <laughs> that's terrible. That's rough. It's like wor- like worse <laughs> than a public school. Colin, are, are you seeing your wife right here? She's she she wants the ocean. Yeah, the ocean is a big deal for me. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. It's that's that's the hardest for me. Oh, you're talking about to move. I thought this was another device for cleaning. I thought she was about to get you to a contraption. Oh. I was like, what is this contraption? No. She literally wants to be no. near the ocean. No, that literally yes. happens all the time. I just try not to. I just I just focus on what, what, what else is going on in the world. I trust her to do whatever it is that she wants to do. Bring on the contraptions. But, yeah, no, that's about uh, moving. An ocean would be a tough one for me. I need water. I don't necessarily need the ocean. Yeah, I spent a lot of time on the ocean myself, and it kind of fucked me up. I'm kind of ruined yeah. forever. You go sit out on the, in the middle of the ocean for weeks at a time, and it's uh, it's it affects you really deeply. It's it's fucked up. It's it's strange to understand, but yeah, only only sailors understand. And I don't know if I could ever leave the ocean. That would be a, it. Would it have to get really rough? I think. So you're going to have to move I, back and fight with us, Larry. We got 600 so, acres. We could build a really big lake, and I could probably be satisfied. That's what I'm saying. I don't – not to be stereotypical here, right, because I do not want to be that person. But Plus, we're in Wyoming. There's, person, ma- there's mountains. There's forests. There's desert. There's, there's everything you might want other than the ocean. Yeah. Which, you know, I'm sure there's rivers and shit too. As a black person, I don't constantly spend much time thinking about water sources. Constantly. Uh, uh, I don't do well in water. Uh, I just would assume that I, I because you're in the it. army, but Jesus. 
No, I'm training for again. I'm training for the Ironman. I can't swim at all. I don't do well in the water. I don't feel comfortable. I don't like it. So like, you know, I love love your wife. Can't wait to wait to meet her. Uh, I follow her on tw- Twitch. She needs to stream more so I can give her a follow. Ooh. And Ooh. Um, but I gauntlet. I don't. I don't swim well at all. I can't. So I'm terrified of water. So sorry. That's just because you're nothing. You're like. 230 pounds of solid fucking muscle and that's not buoyant so you have to work harder than most people it's miserable (laughs) it's miserable you know what's funny is how many people went to coast guard boot camp that could not swim okay larry jordan just should i be worried about this jordan (laughs) just no they get weeded out it's just funny that they try to join a seagoing service and can't swim you're actually in this group chat too larry that jordan just um added us all into it's called by washington there's already like a yep move out it. channel. She, Jesus, she found a house that she says that she sold on. Is it in Wyoming? It's in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. It's in Edmond. How far are you from Edmond, Larry? That's actually where we're looking to go next if we were to stay here. This is a it's three like, bed, like, two oh. bath. It's on five acres. Ooh, hot dog! Damn, on five acres for that? Yep. Okay, so a beautiful house. Five acres, property, three hundred fifty k. That would get you this house. Look, that's maybe a, that's a dope on house the open too. market. That's a fucking dope house. That too. is a fucking legit house. What am oh I going to do in I Oklahoma, got, bro? Lofty loft upstairs. What do you mean? We're going to fucking build houses for Larry. We're going to build houses for Larry. What the fuck else? Why? Why some would nice we houses. do? After we've sat here for three years and talked shit about the colleges and talked about people oh, going go. going into the trades, why would we do anything other than go into the trades? Because we're I'm already both, in the trades. We're both more than capable of building houses. I build, uh, yeah, absolutely. That's it's certainly certainly at the start. That right. seems like it makes the most sense. So you can have the shovel. I, due to my experience in the trades. We'll take the excavator. That sounds fine. And so I'll I'll sit in a nice, comfy, climate-controlled environment all day. With I'd be working out all the time. Yeah. I'm more than willing to get out and do physical labor right now. I'm Go prepared to do that. I'm prepared it's, to be a laborer. Like, I love it. We should just, we, let's put this in writing. Let's all come For the right price. Right? For the right – that $350,000 house looks good. <laughs> you, can, you can start a business here, right? And the cool thing is, is because we have so much people there. building here – uh, we we need more contractors, right? Uh, yeah. As a person who just does stuff like finding good contractors is everything, and so listen, oh, yeah. there's it's also everything. normal jobs here. Because being Don't a contractor is fucking terrible. Hundred percent. And my wife's a recruiter. <laughs> my wife's a recruiter, oh. so she could get you a job in the meantime oh. while you set everything up. I'm just saying. Does, does she work out of state? No, she works here. I mean, do I mean does she as recruiter, a recruiter? State. Does she like yeah. work for companies that don't work in her state? Yes. Okay. We might have to talk. Colin needs employees. Hard. And they're hard yeah, to fucking so, find. And a good yes. recruiter is hard to find. I will say that. That's the thing I've learned about this fucking labor shortage shit. It's not the fact, because especially now, it's an employer, it's a employee market. You can go out because there's so many open jobs right now. I mean, it's hard because not everybody's looking for jobs, but the people that are looking are very, very competitive. And as an employer, it's really nice to find people that are, like, wanting to work but have, like, way too much experience. But finding those people is really hard. And I've gone through multiple recruiters, and a lot of them fucking just suck. And I'm like, I want a a recruiter is somebody that is 
customer service based. And I need somebody <laughs> that could. I need a good recruiter. Just to bring so it back to, to the talk. beginning, huh? My industry is hard to hire for, so I need somebody good. So this, so this channel is just going to be basically setting up all of our escape into the the anarchist commune. This bitch, my wife, is she's on it constantly looking at houses in other states. I she spent a tells lot of me at least twice a week. I found our new home in, in this state. state. <laughs> It's, it's hard, hard to, to but, but it's hard, hard to even conceive. conceive. I, don't I don't want to leave this state. state. I love this state. There's it's a lot difficult of to conceive. And... Yeah, it's a great I, state. I, I live out there. It's great. It, it keeps me sane. sane. I, yeah, listen, I, the, it's a perfect location. I just the people did it for me. Like they I ruined it, and I, I was forced to leave. And living, I've lived below below the Mason Dixon line for seven years now, and that it just it changed. Right, I, people are nicer. Things are cheaper. Yeah. People are common sense. People are more willing to help you out. I'm less likely to get robbed. I don't lock my car. So <laughs> let me yeah, I do I? let me ask I you live this. In a safe neighborhood. Um, let me ask you this because you were talking earlier about how you were maybe black pilled is not the right word, but you kind of thought that this the system was over, right? That it's too late for everything. So if it's too late for everything, then why would I? Why should I move to a different state, assuming that it's too late for Oklahoma and eventually? Ooh. You're going to be fucked, too. Wrenching the fucking machinery. Yeah. So, okay, so you caught me. All right, so now I have to be white pill in my red pill vibe that I was using to get you down. So hey, well William Wallace you. has been here since 02. He's a southern boy, okay? He comes from Flow Florida. And he says, because I kind of like it up here. Been here since 02. Because Florida's crazy. It's a perfect location. So let's not miss that it's perfect. Right? I loved Washington. Yes. Why do I think that we need to move to Oklahoma? Yes. Because I think at this point we need to consolidate and be around people <laughs> that build this up. And so I don't think that it's over. I think it's imperative right now in this place where we are in the world that we're around people so we never feel alone. Because I felt like – this is what I felt like when, we were, when I was moving, right? Because in the Army, it's quintessentially California, right? And so when you're moving <laughs> – you constantly feel like, oh, I'm the only one who thinks this way. I'm the only one who's doing this okay. And you feel isolated. Yeah. And so and then I would get in rooms with my friends, and they'd be like, yo, this is all bullshit. And I realized in that moment, oh, my God, we're all thinking the same way. So I don't care that you guys stay there. I hate that you guys have to feel alone in this fight. So what I want is a regroup because I think sitting together – on a farm in Wyoming for eight months out of the year and then oh fighting this war four months is going to give us more out of the world than being decentralized in our approach and fighting it 12 months out of the year. That makes sense. That makes I, sense. I hate that fucking answer. No, and I can Because see it's it. also selfish. Because you're like, I, you're like, no, no, no. We got to fight my fight, guys. Guys, get on my team. <laughs> Well, well and a, there's so, there's also to yeah, uh, to his point. No, no it's yeah, it's, it's a good point. It is and it isn't right because, because our to, point is also selfish. And also to Larry's point it, that he's talked about before, we go there and we st start our business, right? And we we will. There's potential to have an easier time for growth in Oklahoma because our ability to do public events and things like that would be easier. So. There's potential, right? So yeah. this is a thought experiment. We're just uh -huh. gonna go down this path, right? So Let's we're go. just we're, we're just talking at this up. point. It's all hypothetical, right? So thinking that same way, if we were able to, and because it's not saying that we can't start our business here, because we're doing it right now, right? But if we had an easier time growing it there, we started doing that. There's also nothing to say that we couldn't come back here 
and put up that fight with more power and a stronger voice and a stronger force mm. once we're established. Indeed. Right. I'm yeah, just because saying. the growth at that point would make our power exponentially more. Because we've talked, right? We've talked a thousand times before about the same thing Larry was talking about earlier. That mm-hmm. the way to find success now is not in groups of masses of people. It is in a in a small group of extremely devoted, borderline psychotic fans that are willing <laughs> to pay you obscene amounts of money because they want to see you be successful because they love what you're doing, right? Yeah. That's how people are finding success now. And we have seen, oh, fuck, yeah. we've seen the slow incremental growth. We've started to compare ourselves to other people. We've seen we're on the path we yeah. are working our way there right we've seen the uptick in people yep. so it's it's happening you people right? in your fucking yes. logic. so i'm just i'm just thought experiment i'm asking questions <laughs> i'm asking <laughs> I'm questions i'm just asking questions i'm We're asking thinking. Questions. i like yeah. this so, i just i don't i'm uncomfortable with how much i'm you know how i it. feel about staying here yes we've talked about yeah. it a lot here on this podcast, yes we do on this episode even yep. and also yeah other times yeah. so i'm just like I said, just a thought experiment. it would be nice to be in an area where nine yes, out of ten be. people don't think you're crazy for what you're doing i'm trying to buy saying. a house Believe in you. um and it's really hard to buy a house here it's super hard yeah. to buy a house here it's very expensive all right and i've been selfish because there's better strategies i can help you build out some strategies to buy a house right because uh I can help you. I degen in the houses right yeah. i degen in the crypto house stuff like that so there's better stuff D-gen. so selfishly I am. I'm, 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 I think. I think we need to have some more offline Zoom chats because they're obviously. It's. It's obviously not as cut and dry as it is on the podcast, right? We yeah. both know that. Yeah. You're. You're Nothing part of. Is, you're part of a business here. I'm deeply ingrained in the business that I'm involved in here. We talked about this before the podcast, yep. right? I've worked at this company for seven years. I'm one of three people in that department that have worked yeah. there for any near that period of time. Yeah. So outside of OG Dave, who's Knocked on the door of retirement, honestly, in the next few years. So I fucking love Dave. I love Dave too, but he's fucking working on seventy years old. Yep. You know, At he's his only, house. You can only stand for forty hours a week for so long. Yep. You know, he already he's his ankles fucked up. He didn't go to work yesterday because his ankles fucked up. Couldn't stand anymore. The guy's working on seventy years old. So he's a fucking workhorse too. My point is not that Dave is leaving. My point is that I understand you're obviously more involved than uh, in your company than I am in mine, but I understand... It's just a matter of perspective, though. Certainly. But, and I understand, especially yeah. because how much this job means to me and yeah. the way that I lead my life. There is no other job in this area besides the shipyard that provides could provide me the life that I have now. Yeah. Right? And so, you wouldn't be able to lead your personal life no. the way you do if you had to. No. So yeah. certainly I understand it. Yep. So there are deeper conversations other than that. So I think this... This deserves more offline Zoom yeah. chats between yeah. Discord chats, Larry and Discord Jordan. Chats. Whatever, Discord chats, that works between Larry and Jordan, Donovan and Jordan, and Colin and Carolina. I think that these things deserve to be discussed, um, especially if we're talking about a, a long-term group venture. Indeed. You know what I'm saying? With, with reliable individuals. I'm glad that everyone in the YouTube can be here to listen to us discuss um, <laughs> our, our personal, personal choices and paths forward even yeah, though this, this does affect fault. no no it because affects it's... them in the long run yeah. you know these are William the... Wallace certainly yeah. this so. is, these are he's the fanatic it's he's one of the fanatics he's one of the fanatics so if we're gonna the move dozens, about, yeah, dozens. Actually, if we could talk about it exactly. I'm one of them too exactly so, original subscriber to patreon hot so, dog sorry to go off on that tangent but that I'm was just, a healthy tangent just no, it's made well, that was real... healthy I'm glad it we was. did it exactly. thought experiments
we're all trying to figure out our lives here. I feel like that's part of what Salt of the Streets is about. Literally. People trying to figure things out together. The worst thing. So. One of the things. <laughs> William Wallace is giggity. Giggity. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love it. Um, oh, God damn it. Let's um, hear it. Just yes, yes, yes. I, I, it's, it is what it is, bro. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, cause there's nothing more. I can't, I don't know how to start this, but <laughs> it's, I don't know how to phrase it the right way, but it drives me nuts when people assume that at some point in your life, you're done growing and you're done changing. Right. I can't stand that. It's like, well, there's, there's a static level I need to get to before X can happen, right? I don't, I just, I believe that's fundamentally untrue and it drives me nuts. And that's when it comes to how people live their lives. I think these personal conversations that we have and stuff like that are all, they all just are raw conversations about continued personal growth. I mean, why else do you have conversations with your friends? Right. Right. And you talk about, you know, fucking dreams of starting an anarchist commune in Wyoming. Which sounds like it's going to happen. And I'm really excited about that. But having those types of conversations on the podcast is it's, it's the same kind of conversations that people are having with their friends in whatever free time they have. I mean, they're all talking about shit. They're all talking about life. Nobody's nobody's set in one place. Nobody's sitting there static and happy about it. Everybody's, you know, all the happy people are generally driving towards something. There's always right. a goal they're trying to accomplish or something. You're always trying to change or become a better person or be a nicer person or whatever the fuck it is, but you're always trying to grow. There's always forward momentum. And that's what I think honestly makes just podcasts in general. And, sh you know, cause podcasts I think is also kind of a changed word now, but like, you know, you people enjoy various entertainers now and various kind of like lifestyle blogs and shit, if you will, because everybody is uh, they're connecting at a at a fundamentally like oh I don't know the right word here, but like true level. Like people are connecting with all these podcast hosts and all this and that and the other thing because they're having conversations that relate to them. They're authentic. You know, these people are real people. They're not putting on a show, even though they're, they might be putting on a show depending on what it is, but you know, it's, they're being authentic to themselves. They're having real life conversations and that kind of shit happens on all podcasts, regardless of whatever the context yes. is. And it, it just, it breeds the fanatics. It breeds those insane people like you who fucking send money to the fucking tell them Steve gave, tell them Steve Dave guys over in New Jersey and they shred up a bunch of money and send you a little candy skull with, with your torn up money. I mean, yeah. like, that's fanatical. But that's what people like. That's what people do. I mean, it's like that's half of what we do on this podcast. Usually when we divulge off of topics and shit like that, we're talking about shit that's happening in our personal life because it's relatable to people. Right. The everyday normal person's podcast. I mean, that's most – everybody slips into being human every now and again. We just try to do it more often than not. Well, and especially people – to that point, people who live in this state that are listening to this podcast are going to identify w with the, certainly the fucked leaf, you know? Um, and if you don't have the means to do it, then you also identify with the struggle to leave, yeah. you know? I get it, man. I'm here for it. I get it. And I think where you guys are is where I kind of felt 
probably 20... 2018, 2019, when I was over in Europe, right? And it was like the thing, like, am I going to get Tell out? Where am I going to go? And I think what I kind of realized is you, you have to spend more time building you up, right? And so what you love may not be good for you anymore, right? And that's where, like, if I go home, nobody nobody would even recognize me, right? No one would recognize my thoughts and it would become, and like not to be like, oh, it's a mental health issue, but like it becomes to a place like, what is feeding me to grow, right? If my want is to give back, then I have to push my capacity to grow and be as healthy as possible so that I can go back. So I just felt like what was there may not be worth worth it. You know what I mean? Like when mm -hmm. I go home, I'm like stressed now. Like I, I, I can't explain to you how stressed and uncomfortable I was in California. Yeah. And I guess not as a retort or anything, but just to kind of piggyback off of what you said, like Don and I are trying to essentially fight the good fight enough that like Washington could be a place that like somebody like you would want to move to. You know what I mean? This yeah. place is dope. There's a lot of good shit here. I want other people of the right mind to be here too. You know, we got a lot of good shit going on. It would be nice. This could be an amazing place if we were able to save it and that would be nice you know it would be nice for washington to be a place that we could you know try to convince you to move to i don't want to be the guy yeah. being convinced to move somewhere anymore like i want to fight the fight to make this a place that i can i would be happy to be able to invite people like you here to live and you knowing that with the values that we share you could be happy here yeah but but right now it sucks. <laughs> right now it's rough, bro. <laughs> we in the trenches right now. Yeah. <sighs> it doesn't feel good. But, yeah. No, you, listen, you guys are right. I'm not mad at you guys are fighting. I, I appreciate it. And like I said, I'll support you guys, obviously, in whatever endeavors. But, you know, obviously, when I see when I, when I I see the angst, I hate it. I hate it for yeah. you guys. You know what I mean? It's fucking rough, man. Like, I never... I, I think in the trenches is a good way to put it. It is. And I don't... I feel like I passed a lot of judgment, a lot of the creators and stuff that I, I saw leaving when they did, you know, thinking that maybe you could have stuck around a little longer. I mean, yeah. depending on California was kind of a lost cause for a long time. So like I, it was an easier decision to make, but California is a couple steps worse than it is here. Yeah. But I super related with the people like Bridget Fetessy that stayed for as I, long as they did. That? But, and I respect her for, as hell. Like right now I'm like word. It is definitely gone at this point. You got to go. And I'm super glad that it's happening. But yeah, I just, I guess I don't see that point of no return here quite yet. And I just tell you guys something. I, my phone was like blowing up and I was like, what the hell is going on? Crypto is dropping on the face of the moon. I'm sorry. This no. has to be, this has to, like, it's literally dropping. It's, it's, it's plummeting. This is I'm exciting. so sorry. It's a good this time is to literally buy. has, yeah. yes, it has to be a breaking. Anybody oh, who ever listens shit. to this. It's literally. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt the thought. I, this no. has to be breaking news. Literally, Bitcoin's gonna drop below 50k again. Whoa! What? It, yeah, Bitcoin already touched below. Ethereum dropped below 4,000. Literally, people are. are it's retracing to like all like lows that we haven't seen. Uh, my friends are all texting me. They're like, "Yo, it's like it's over. Like it's 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 like insane right now." All I'm gonna say is, if you were to think that a year ago you would have be been considered insane. To be looking at the numbers you're seeing today, a year ago, you would have thought you've won the lottery. So I have hope. 
I have deep hope in crypto. I don't worry about deep dives. I don't I don't worry about crypto wide dives. I don't because I fundamentally believe crypto is the future. So there's, you know, it might be a temporary setback. I'm not that worried about it. It'll be back. You know? No, no. I think Larry's point is buy the motherfucking dip. Oh, buy the dip. Word, word, I'm word. Not, I'm not fucking bo- I, I, so I literally on my phone. I, yeah, I literally. William Wallace, buy now. I have so many threads. Like, this is literally in the last, like, five to ten minutes. This is all my threads. Like, everybody's texting me. Like, I was just like, boy, boy. Yo, it's like, it's crazy. Like, I, I, it, in this moment, uh, if you, like, again, I won't talk about my degenerate moves, but this is a great time to move in. Also, my friends are talking about, like, this could be the end of uh, Bitcoin. It could be. Yeah. There, also, there's, there's been a lot of scuttlebutt around the longevity of Bitcoin. I think well, that's the utility. Well, I yeah, yeah. This the problem is with Bitcoin. The only reason Bitcoin is Bitcoin is because it's first in, best dressed. Nobody really. Ethereum would be, I think. Well, I don't also, know. I don't wanna, there are uh, governments around the world that are investing their entire GDPs into Bitcoin. Um, oh, that's good. a thing that's happening. So, yeah. so that is probably what they're going to go after then. Is so I, so my point is not just that it's the first and the best, but that's the one that people are going at. So, I mean, yeah. even if that is, I mean, I guess that could be the main reason, but at this point it's the one that has, in my opinion, the best chance of surviving forever because, because there the are the biggest players that are kind of, that are in it and really can't go back. You mm-hmm. know, it's too late. They've decided that that's the way to go. Yeah. So that's, it's this is at least part of the economy from here on out because there are entire yeah. countries that are hedging their bets on this and not even part right like this mm-hmm. country our government is doing it in part they are buying crypto in in portions but not anywhere near and and i can't off the top of my head think of the country that it is that's actively announcing that they're buying oh, more God, money yeah. into the like more, El, Salvador. El Salvador that's yeah that's what was I'm saying. it in like, bitcoin so it's in bitcoin Okay. Yeah, yeah, El Salvador is putting it into Bitcoin, it's and then Bitcoin. Miami also started their Miami. Bitcoin demo. Uh-huh. It's happening. It's a, so it, there it is are, happening. There are global I, players now that so have, like, I guess my ultimate, parts of their economy hedged on this. My ultimate root question would be then, how much actual, worst case scenario, how much actual control could a government in like impose on Bitcoin? The, the Like, the literal actual crypto bitcoin so like how uh, much control could they possibly do so in in theory none because it's decentralized right so they would have to own a significant stake in it so someone would have to put enough money into it to control enough of it to then have it move but then i think with the DeFi, it's it would just move away from it into other money i think that's the point uh of of cryptocurrencies right is like it's built to to mitigate against that to mitigate against because i guess my aspect into government meddling would be into the realm of regulation how much effect other than the fact that they're buying into the system right which is not that's a net good because that seems like a safe thing but with that investment in there obviously the governments have more money than anybody else so they yes. automatically, if every government was to switch over to Bitcoin as the main currency, the governments would still own the vast majority of it. How much um, could they actually 
regulate? How much control over that could they inflict other than standard mar- crypto market controls? Well, like buying and selling. So let me ask a question before, because I think it depends, right? Especially if you're talking specifically about Bitcoin, right? Because mm-hmm. the more and more money people invest in it, the smaller piece of the pie they're going to be getting. Yeah. Right? And so depending on when you get in, I think would influence how much control you actually have over it. Right. I would, I'm, I guess, okay, let me rephrase that. I'm, I would add to it because that's not really what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the, the infrastructure of how Bitcoin operates, on how the much you're allowed to train in there, how much control, you know, with their long government regulation mm. tendrils, how much could they actually control this thing? How much could they regulate things? How much could they steer the course of it? Other than, like I said, the buying and selling and the standard crypto market trades, which is free for, you know, anybody with enough money can sway that shit. But they tax you on it now, right? So, yeah, they could tax you. So it would be hard for them to control it because it's DeFi, right? And so, like, the big way they control um, any of the – any, like, currency is – Excuse me, sorry. Is by by printing more, right? So they can manipulate it by manipulating the supply or, like, you know, amping the demand. I think Bitcoin and other DeFi's are harder to control because you can't control that supply. Yeah, so you could, they could could print trillions of dollars maintaining their control on their fiats, which would then affect how their citizens could, how much they, you know, how much. How many dollars it would take to to buy one Bitcoin, so they can flood the market with dollars and wash out the price of Bitcoin at that point. But as 100%. far as how it works and the blockchain and all that, they couldn't touch that. There's exactly, like no Ex- physical way for them to do it. Because if they could find 100%. a way to do it, they will. And at that it's, point, I'm sorry, go ahead, Larry. They're only good no, at season control. Exactly, and so a lot of people think like that's that's something that's happening is like. The real inflation doesn't exist in like the price of goods. The real inflation exists in the price of assets and commodities, right? So there's so much money going, yes. and normally it flows Housing towards market. goods, and yes. now it's flowing towards uh, assets. Yeah, and I think that at the point that you're talking about, mm-hmm. where the government decides to flood the market with dollars, even past where it is now, yeah. you almost reach the point where people have to choose if they're going to instill their faith in Bitcoin or in the fiat currency. If, I think the faith is if, there. Because, because it's so widely known now. Cryptocurrency yeah. and Bitcoin is so widely known yeah. now that if if people's paychecks, if you get to the point where your dollars you're having to use a wheelbarrow to buy your groceries, but you can pay with Bitcoin and use a relatively small amount of Bitcoin to do the same thing. Yeah. Then people are going to have to decide, am I going to just, I, I, what, what do I have faith in? What yeah. am I going to put all my faith in? And if, if the government is the only, and this is a, maybe a utopian thing, I don't know, right? But this seems like it's the long-term no. thing of, of, of crypto. If the government is the only entity that is trading in the fiat currency and all private citizens mm-hmm. are trading in cryptocurrency, then the fiat currency is, is worthless. Yeah. It has it has the worth that we know it has exactly. now, even though now it's the dominant we talked about it last mm-hmm. last episode. It's just the dominant financial structure yeah. that we have. Because That's what if, the faith is in is the dollar. Because if the citizenry tomorrow switched to buying and trading and doing our economy in Bitcoin, yep. the government would have absolutely no power 
overnight. No, and because it would be more stable because there's a finite amount of it. Yep. So there would be, if it's all purchased up, right? Mm-hmm. All of, Certainly all the existing Bitcoin that's been mined is purchased up. It's then the value is set. It is this yep. point, and now we're just trading different assets, different items, different goods with the Bitcoin that exists. Yeah. And we're then deciding what the value of these goods is based on how much Bitcoin exists, yeah. whether it's point zero 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 two three or point zero 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 two five for yeah. Apple. You know, shit like that. Yeah. And I think honestly, is that correct? When... Both. Yeah. Of you. No, no. Yeah. It, it's, it's a, you have. Oh, you go ahead, Cole. I was just saying, I, th- I think you're, yeah, you're totally right because, yeah, if we were at a point like that, I mean, that's like my dream. The government would overnight become superfluous. <laughs> yes. It would not matter at all because yeah. without the almighty dollar, they have no power. And so for them, and I, because I think we're right on a, I think we're on a tipping point right now um, because I believe, I believe in crypto a hundred percent. Obviously I think there's some. The long-term picture is not going to be recognizable from anything, anything that, that we, we see, see now, but I think we're right on the point where it's about to go. Like it's, it's about, about to be to the point where even the people that don't know much about cryptocurrency would adopt it. If all of a sudden their ten dollars tomorrow is worth a dollar, and there enough people are going to be like, I don't know what this crypto thing is, but everybody's talking about it. This Bitcoin thing. You know, all the stores now are taking it. I'm in. I think you. I think we're almost to the point now where it could tip heavily in crypto's decision, especially given the political climate. The more people see returns. Yeah. What if that's the only way out of the quagmired governmental system that we've allowed ourselves to build? Because they'd lose all power if they don't have if they don't have any control over the currency. We take the control through crypto. Yeah. They don't have any power, and then we start again. Well, and just imagine if you convince people, if you convinced one person every time Bitcoin or one of the different crypto, every, one of the different coins dips, if you convince one person to buy $30 or whatever, $50, $100 worth of that coin when it dips and it goes back up, it if you're talking about Ethereum and it doubles in price or whatever, you know, and that person sees their $100 turn into $200, they're like, oh, shit. My retirement doesn't doesn't Fucking. double that fast. It doesn't double in three weeks, right? Yeah. Like we, last time we saw Bitcoin drop to under fifty k, and then That's it insane. goes right back up to sixty just a few weeks later. If yeah. you bought a fuckload of Bitcoin at that point and you saw that return, and why? Now, why do you, how do you? Yeah, not, I do want to buy like, now. Thank how do you, you not believe in it? Exactly. You know? So exactly. And I mean, living proof. Yeah. Neil's last week. I mean that he yes, saw it happen. Yes. Just, I'm. No, I'm into this. I fucking I saw it happen. Yeah, I, I saw the positive effects. I'm in. Some good shit. Oh, if I could move slightly yep. onto another topic, right? Because this came up right. with um, with John Sadek, and I was reminded of it because I just cut the clip the other day about he's talking about. Cause we generally we were talking in the pre-show about held value of mm-hmm. assets, right? And we were talking about crypto and, you know, why John isn't into crypto. Elijah was into crypto and like, and he started talking about magic cards and essentially collectibles. And I was like, man, I really gotta, I really gotta talk to Larry. I want to hear him talk about, you know, other, other, you know, like collectibles and shit, other forms of stored value, really off the wall, I guess when compared to the norm, you know, other assets of stored value. 
you asking me which one my favorite or what do I think about like, that? Like, what do you think about the concept? I mean, is is there longevity in it? Is it just too dangerous of a game to play? Is and there... if there are some you favor. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I'm big into cards, right? So, like, if you're like, hey, Larry, you can't do any crypto, you can't do any traditional things, I would do. I would flip cards. And I think I would flip. What kind of cards? I, you're just an anti-fiat currency guy. Pokemon cards? No, 100%. Yeah, yeah, Pokemon cards. So, yes, oh, yeah. you're right. But, like, so I'm like you, right? So I don't believe I'm an anarchist, right? But I don't like the government having control. Again, I don't want to say COVID taught me stuff, but during COVID, we inflated our currency by, like, $2 trillion, and I got no say in it, yep. right? And we're about to I hated it, it 100%, right? So the Build Back Better plan. So like, it's going to happen. That, I just can't believe we didn't talk about that shit at all. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. That's the next year thing. It's the next year thing. We'll yeah, yeah. And honestly, it's just a 24-hour stream. Um, but like, I think, I yeah, I so I hate I hate fiat currency. It's no, no surprise. I literally wrote like you guys saw the, the what I wrote. So I like IP, right? So I like traditional IP that a lot of people get excited about. So what I would do is I would look for things that people like doing, and I would participate and know that, right? So give me I some think... examples of some of the IPs. Oh, Pokemon, Pokemon cards, okay. right? Pokemon cards is like the easiest thing in the world, right? So like Pokemon cards, I know I love them. I love participating in them and I know they're going to excite nostalgia, right? It's also something that they're still working in and doing more of, right? So anytime they're producing more of something and still bringing an audience, it's only a matter of time before the retro becomes super popular again. So you have that, you have comics, you have sports cards, right? Those are things that I would look at right now and I'm super bullish on them, right? So if I spent more time in them, but like I have Pokemon cards at home, and a hundred percent, I'm I'm saving those for a store value, and I'll probably have them rated. But like my my Blastoise that I got in nineteen ninety seven, like that's gonna be worth some money, right? Ooh. And so yeah, I'm I, I just wait on it. Like the um, cards. Yeah. I, so yeah, cards. If 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 I had to choose, it's cards, right? But you see it everywhere. Like, what do rich people trade? Cars. Because it's the same thing. It's the IP, right? How I mean, many it's like huge in sports and shit like that, right? Like people that got a lot of fuck you money. 100%, right? Like, as adults, and let's be real, men have an ego check, right? And men, we like having things that nobody has to say we have the thing that no one has. And so as long as, like, our, our we kind of exist, then that, that's what I'm here for. That's going to be it. I mean, yeah, it's about as fundamental an asset, I think, as you can bet on is the male ego. percent. <laughs> 100%. 100%. And, and as long as we're on, right, we're intolerable at times, but as long as we're around, that's what we're going to like to do. We like spending things to show people what we have. It's just what we are. Yep. I mean, that's the, the, like uh, comics, the easiest way to comics. flip money literally right now is I would literally Google Marvel, what Marvel movies are coming out in the next five to five, five to months to a year. And I would literally go to a comic book store and I would start looking for the first edition of those and I would buy them right now, and I hold them. And yeah. right after the movie drops, list them. You'll make money. I do. And Disney makes it easy, bro. They have like the next ten years of movies and shows planned out. There you go. I would, I would literally buy on them and, and sit there. And I guarantee you, return on investment's going to be better than whatever else you're doing. Hmm. I mean, just for funsies, I'm going to have to try that. This is, yeah. This is. Listen, you're you're going to put fifty, thirty to fifty bucks, right, to buy it. It's going to be more than you should. But if you find it and flip it, I guarantee it's like five. Go to eBay and look at the sold. It's aren't you? Because there's tight. so much money. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, yeah, so much money. So I, I definitely think like that's the easy way to get into flipping. That and shoes too. Like again, like reselling oh, shoes. Like I get out anything, anything to get out of the fiat currency. I can't explain it. To you. <laughs> 
I love it. I love it so much. It's just anti-fiat currency. All It's like deep-rooted in his veins. Huge fan. That's and I haven't been prov- proven wrong. And people try to no. tell me I'm proven wrong. And then I just, I'll lay down a chart and be like, okay, what could your dollar buy you in 1940? What can it buy you now? Not nearly as much. It's all on that premise. I'll, I'm never going to be in it. Will, William Wallace. I still have my original N64 and Sega Saturn. And they are still worth it. Prove my point. Fucking Josh, man, he hooked me up with an old N64, bro. Jake and I, a couple weeks ago, went over to his house and played some 64 all night. It was fucking dope. Yeah. Nostalgia trip. Oh, but yeah. It's it's so good, right? And I'm telling you, right now, we're still at a point where you can play it. Just wait till no one can get to it, right? Wait till we're in the virtual, and then we crave the old. We're going to crave 100%. I can't wait till we crave. Like, what you guys are doing, we'll crave that. Because that's where everybody's going. Everybody's going to go and drift off into a space where they never see anyone. They never touch anybody. They never have any social contact. And they're going to crave it. Some good prospects. I don't like dark, that. Dark future, but good prospects. I don't like if you that. you placed your bets right. We talked about that with the reality TV show, the metaverse, yep. all the things. I oh. fucking talked about that today. Was I don't sweet, like that. Dude. Oh, man. Alter ego. Alter ego, that's what it was. Fuck, it's I could not. not I, again, I couldn't remember the name. It's not good. That's the first time I think I remembered. You it. fucking came in clutch right there. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not good at all. I thought I was gonna see. Wait, here it comes. Oh. Okay, it's not there. Sorry, it's good. that was just season. But yeah, I, I I hate it too. But I I think it's coming. I don't want to be in Ready Player One. I mean, if the good so, guys win. You get at least Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> no. That's, Listen, he got that's the, the girl, moral, though. Yeah, that's the he moral of the, the story. You only get two days in real life if the good guy wins. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you get an ad-free experience. It just costs oh you God. your soul. For it's the team. I'm going to watch that movie tonight because I fucking love that movie. I do want to live in Ready Player One sometimes. <laughs> no. I can hunt the biggest elk. That doesn't exist anymore. Well, that does not seem worth it. I think uh, it's nine thirty, dude. Here, it's I, you're two hours, two hours, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's late as fuck, bro. I love it. After dark for real. Yes. Listen, I'm sorry for the last thirty minutes. I was distracted. I'm sorry. I can't. I'm so sorry. You weren't distracted at all, bro. You were. You, no. Oh, wow, I was amped up. I'm fired up. Listen, this is entire... what the last show of the year is supposed to be about. Yeah, exactly. Good. The last crypto year. economy is failing us as we crest into the new year. Buy I'm here now. for it. I can't yeah. wait to get my Christmas bonus so I can throw it into crypto. Amen. That's huge. I'm here for it. <laughs> it's either guns or crypto at this point. You know, guns, Bullets houses, or, or crypto. Yep. Bullets, Bullets also. Bullets also. Yeah. Are... yeah. I just want to make a shirt that says anti-fiat. <laughs> Do it. I'll make one tonight, bro. That can Send be it. your yeah. It can be your first salt of the streets shirt. Anti fiat. Yeah, you get five percent. <laughs> oh my god! Cutthroat bit. We're negotiating, bro. Coming low. <laughs> oh, we lost uh, your mic. Yeah, Mike again. I said we'll basically cover taxes, so we'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Oh man. <laughs> Well, I think are we are we I think we're trying to wrap up at this point. Uh yeah, is there anything yep. else that you guys want to cover while we're here? No, no, I'm ready to go. Yeah. yeah Any think... other closing thoughts for the year? Oh my god, yeah, I was gonna ask. Okay. Fuck. The... So this is perfect. We'll just end it on this. Okay. So 
Oh my god, this combo could be dangerous. We'll just go with one or two you. of the most... Oh. And the first ones that come to mind, because I want them to be instinctual. Don't think about it too much. The one or two things that you will remember most about this particular year. And... What's your outlook on next year? I guess because I'm posing the question, I'll go ahead and start. Okay. So, um, so I think the 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 first two, you know, the main two things that pop up into mind from this year was, um, you know, January was a rough year for everybody. Rough in month. This country. It was a rough month. Yeah, let's say rough year. January was a long month. It and, felt like a fucking year. And I, I feel like. I'm 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 kind of thankful to be uh, alive on the back end of, of all the craziness that was going on. Um, so I I remember that I think will be a major catalyst in my year. I'll remember that as like a major point. And then the second thing I think I remember most about I'm going to remember most about this year is how much like I feel like I've personally grown due to doing the podcast. Um, so I'm very excited about that that's something i think is going to be big 2021 is going to stick out in my mind for a very i don't want to say bad thing that you know bad thing to remember but also a very good thing to remember i think it's just it just happened so bad or good it was just very impactful so those are the first two things that impacted me most this year and then next year i'm just really excited because you know we're not going to get into it now but i've we've got big plans for next year as far as podcast is concerned, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how that's going to play out. Anybody else? Larry, do you want to go next? Yeah, uh, I think the thing I'll kind of look at is my real transition away from being libertarian, right? Uh, Just like for me, impactful. I think I spent a lot of my life being like, uh, I just kind of let people live the life they need to be. I'll be the best person I can be and leave it alone. And I think I kind of figure out that now you got to put your foot in the ground. And I think I have to be a part of the fight, right? I think everybody has to, right? I think I think it's going to matter. I think what's all said and done is really going to matter. Um, I think the the things I'll always remember is watching a woman double mask with an N95, another mask, and then a face shield on. And then just really understanding how powerful the media is with pushing down fear. I think 2022, I think it... it I think I'm ultimately an optimist, so I think a rebound has to come, right? I think I think we're going to be in a better place, and I think people fight too hard not to be there. So I think ultimately when it's all said and done, I, I, I think we're looking up, and uh, I'm going to fight relentlessly to uh, maintain optimism, you know? I like it. I like I it. I love it. All right, um, I think that 2021 was potentially – my most mentally trying year as an adult, um, mentally and and emotionally. And I am appreciative and happy and proud that I was able to find more value in myself through discovering my morals and through going to the gym and through redevoting myself to my job and trying harder at being a father. Um, And I think that I, while it was very difficult, I experienced a lot of personal growth this year that is going to benefit me and uh, 
come to fruition in 2022. Um, so I feel good about it overall, I think. Gentlemen, I believe that is about the most perfect way to end an end-of-the-year podcast. I love you all very much, everybody. Oh, let's read one of Will's last chats here. She says, no shit there I was. <laughs> on my way home from work, I was behind a driver on the road, seeing you occupant, wearing a mask the whole time. <laughs> Amen, brother. So let's, on that Let's note, hope that ends in 2022. <laughs> Amen. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Have a good night, everybody. Have a good year. We'll good see up. you in January. Peace. Welcome to the south of the streets. Coming at you every week. With this food for thought, hope you're ready to eat everything.